You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, December 4th, 2017. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani back inside our New York City studio. Back from Detroit, back from UFC 218. What a night it was by now. Of course, you know Max Holloway is still the reigning defending UFC featherweight champion. And that is important to note because on Saturday, Max Holloway was the first fighter to successfully defend the UFC featherweight title since October of 2014. It's been three and a half years since that title was successfully defended. You talk about being a breath of fresh air. You talk about bringing some stability to a division. Max Holloway is doing all that and then some. And I'm going to talk about Max Holloway a little more at the top of the show. There's a lot I want to say about the man. Um, but we'll wait on that for a second. Of course, it was a very busy weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. Two UFC events, 218 on Saturday, and there's a ton to talk about as it pertains to 218. But they also had the tough finale on Friday night in Las Vegas. And as we sit here today, the UFC now has a brand new women's flyweight champion. Her name, Nico Montano. But it was an interesting ride to get to that fight. It was supposed to be Montano versus Sajara Eubanks, Eubanks failing to show up to the weigh-ins. She says she suffered from kidney failure. So in comes Roxanne Modafferi, one of our favorites, the happy warrior, steps in on 24 hours notice. Unfortunately for her, she loses the title fight. First ever in UFC history, first ever women's flyweight fight in UFC history. So now Nico Montano is the flyweight champion and she has a massive bullseye on her back. A lot of people gunning for her. So we'll talk about that fight. Tough finale. And of course, Bellator had an event as well with Julia Budd successfully defending her her, uh, women's featherweight title. A very big weekend for women's MMA, a very big weekend for Hawaiian MMA. Um, And this weekend, all the major organizations back at it. UFC, Bellator, One, they're all back at it again. Invicta, so there's always much to discuss. Let me run down today's lineup, and then we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the weekend that was, and then I have to do also something very special inside the studio. But first, the lineup. At 125, we're going to be joined by Dustin Poirier. Want to get his thoughts on the Eddie Alvarez versus Justin Gaethje fight transpired on Saturday Eddie Alvarez winning that fight. It lived up to all expectations and then some. He wins via third round TKO, the first man to defeat Justin Gaethje. Eddie Alvarez was supposed to be on the program today, top of the show. Um, But unfortunately, I found out a couple hours ago that uh, he wants to get better. He's got some doctor's appointments, MRI, and uh, he asked if he can take a rain check and uh, return next week. And of course, I have no problem with that. In fact, I was actually kind of surprised that he said yes to begin with. Um, just because that was such an unbelievable fight. I did see his brother on the flight home Sunday morning, and they told me that no serious injuries, no structural damage to his face, just some tissue damage. That's why he's, you know you saw his cheek kind of balloon like it had a, a baseball inside of it, which is pretty amazing 
because uh, I thought maybe that he had broken his jaw, but that wasn't the case. And I confirmed that with his team as well. So that is good news for uh, Eddie Alvarez. We'll talk to him next week, but I want to talk to Dustin Poirier because there's a lot of talk about whether or not they should rematch those two, uh, get his thoughts on what Eddie said about him last week on the program. So that's at 125. At 145, we're going to talk to Luke Rockhold, state of the middleweight division. It got a little more interesting um, this past week as UFC president Dana White revealed that George St. Pierre is battling colitis. And I did speak with George briefly Saturday morning and he did confirm that. It's a very scary thing. And uh, initially, actually, he told me that uh, he he was afraid that he had colon cancer because um, he had blood in his uh, in his stool, but uh, luckily for him, it's just colitis, and 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 I don't want to say it's just colitis because that is something that uh, can can seriously harm you and uh, certainly make your life miserable. Uh, but he's on medication now, and and that will probably delay his return. So now we wonder what's up with Robert Whitaker and what's up with the middleweight title. So we'll talk to Luke Rockhold at one forty-five. Brett Johns will join us at two o five. He is from Wales, and every time Brett Johns has fought in the UFC, I get bombarded. This this seems to happen with a lot of the European fighters, who you know who are representing one corner of the continent, and maybe there aren't a lot of fighters who are um, who are fighting out of there. And certainly the case with Brett Johns, his fans bombard me saying, "You got to get him on the show. You got to get him on the show." Well, on Friday against Joe Soto. He pulled off just the second calf slicer finish in UFC history. He did it in 30 seconds. And uh, I thought, yeah, yeah, maybe it's time to get him on the program. So Brett Johns is going to be joining us. He's still in Las Vegas, by the way. Still living it up over there. And I'm looking forward to talking to him for the first time at 205, 225. The aforementioned Roxanne Modafferi. Roxanne on the program, 225. Joining us once again. See, autographed right over there. Um, An inspiration as always, handled whatever was thrown her way with uh, grace and class. She is just so great. Such a fan favorite. I know a lot of people were pulling for her. Some people asked me, why'd you get Roxanne on and not Montagna, who's the champion? Did reach out to Montagna. She said she was unavailable today, hopefully next week. So uh, that explains that. 245, Volkan Ozdemir will stop by. First interview since his recent arrest. And also we officially found out last week that he will be fighting for the light heavyweight title against Daniel Cormier at UFC 220 in Boston on January 20th. Will another title fight be added to that card? We'll talk about that as well. But Volkan joins us at 245. 3.05, Sajara Eubanks will be in studio. So we'll talk to her how she's feeling, what happened with the weight cut, where she goes from here. Does she stay at 125? Um, Very thankful that she'll be joining us in studio. I'm looking forward to that. That's at 3.05. 4 o'clock, Valentina Shevchenko will stop by. She's moving down to 125. Will she fight Montano next? Will she get an immediate title shot? What's up with her and Paige Van Zandt? All that and more. We'll talk to Valentina Shevchenko at four. And at 4.15, we'll be joined by the one and only Max Holloway. As I said, the reigning defending UFC featherweight champion. He wins his 12th fight in a row on Saturday. And this is no knock on Conor McGregor, but he did do something on Saturday that Conor hasn't done. And perhaps you can say hasn't been willing to do. And that's fight Jose Aldo twice. And that's defend his featherweight title. He's the first man to, of course, beat Jose Aldo twice. And you get the impression, let's, let's, let's not, you know, let's not get confused here. I don't think Jose Aldo is done. I don't think he's washed up. I don't think he's past his prime. The guy's just 31. And yes, he's been fighting since he was 18, but he's, he's 31. And later in his career, last couple of years, he has taken some damage. 
I think it would behoove him to take some time off, but I don't think he's done by any stretch. I just think Max Holloway has his number. I just think Max Holloway, for whatever reason, is a bad matchup for him and a better fighter than him right now. And we've seen this with Jose Aldo and Frankie Edgar. We've seen this with the likes of Mike Brown and Uriah Faber. We've seen this time and again in MMA where you can match two guys up and nine times out of 10, 10 times out of 10, one guy's going to win. And I get the feeling that that's the case whenever Max Holloway and Jose Aldo fight. I don't suspect that they'll be fighting again anytime soon, but you get the feeling that that's the case. But how about this for Max Holloway? You remember a couple months ago, he was on the program. He was on the program after the fight against Frankie Edgar, which was supposed to be the main event for UFC 218 was officially announced. And at the end of that interview, he said to me, December 4th is my birthday. And I'm going to come on the show and I'm going to talk about my win at UFC 218. Now, when Frankie Edgar pulled out of that fight due to the broken orbital bone, I actually reached out to him a couple times and tried to get him on the program to talk about the switch fighting Aldo, all that, and then some. And he said, you know, I don't, I don't want to do interviews right now. I just want to focus on Aldo. But don't forget, I told you my birthday, December 4th, two days after the fight, I will come on the program. And so he wins the fight. It happens on Saturday, December 2nd. And usually, I'll, I'll always try to get, you know, the, the winner of the main event, the champion, the newsmaker on the program. You know that by now. I don't have to keep saying it, but you, you know that. But usually I don't ask, you know, like if the fight is over at, you know, 1 a.m. Eastern time and they show up to the press conference at 2, I'm not going to text him at 2.30 or 3. I'm not going to text him that night because the guy is celebrating. He probably has 150 unread text messages in his phone. You know, he's letting his hair down. He's with his family, with his loved ones. He's eating, he's drinking, he's partying, he's letting loose, he's relaxing, he's recovering. I'm not going to hit a guy up for an interview at that point. Usually I'll wait till 12 1 p.m. the next day, figure he slept in, he's, he's, he's calmed down now, he's catching up on text messages. That's when I'll usually ask if they could come on the program. I fly in the morning home from Detroit. I land at around like 10.30. At 9.15 or so, he sent me a text and he said, hey, remember I told you I was going to come on the show on the Monday after the fight, my birthday. I hope you didn't forget. This guy just won for the 12th straight time. This guy just defended the featherweight title, first man to do so since October of 2014. This guy just beat the most decorated featherweight champion of all time for the second time in a row, the second time in the past six months. And he's thinking about his promise to me and he's thinking about reaching out to me and saying, I hope you didn't forget about me coming on your show. Are you kidding me? I didn't forget. That just blew me away. And I know to the average person out there, that doesn't seem like a really big deal. What's the big deal? No, for, for, for me who each and every week is trying to book the best show possible, you know, eight to nine guests on average, the biggest names, each week trying to, trying to top the previous week. For the, the champion, the guy who's on top of the world, one, one of the youngest champions of the UFC right now, second youngest, 12 in a row, all that stuff. For him to do that, I, it just blew me away. And it says a lot about who Max Holloway is. You know, even before he sent that text, I was going to talk today, this morning, or this afternoon, top of the show, about how he is such an old school fighter 
And more importantly, right now, he is such a breath of fresh air in the world of mixed martial arts and and specifically the world of the UFC. He is such a breath of fresh air. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, let's look at the last few, you know, champions, new champions. Uh, go down the line. It, it, it's either, you know, you, you have an, like, even, even, you know, George wins, Rose wins. We could talk about the lightweight division all we want. Um, TJ wins. Everyone's talking about, okay, this is what I want. I want this now. I want this super fight. I want to go up. I don't think this person deserves it. I want that. I want this. Max Holloway never, ever, ever says that. And again, as I said on Saturday night, I'm okay with the money fight era. I'm not trying to begrudge these fighters who are trying to make the most for themselves and their family. It's time to get paid. They have not been getting paid up until this point. Use that title as much as you want. Use it as leverage. Take that golden ticket and cash it in as many times as possible. I'm down with that. But every so often, it's nice to have a breath of fresh air. Max Holloway sits up there and says, who's next? I don't care. Whoever's the next guy, let me just fight him. If you want me to fight Aldo again, I'll fight him again. He tries, like we try to get him to take the bait about Connor. Doesn't take the bait. Connor tweets about him. Connor never tweets about anyone in the UFC. Puts out a picture of him with two black eyes and says, I miss those sunglasses. What does Max Holloway do? He responds to it, but he doesn't say, hey, let's get it on. I'll meet you in April. I'll meet you at Croke Park. I'll meet you in Dublin. I'll meet you in Vegas. Doesn't even take that bait. Just responds, calls him a retired fighter and moves on. He is such a breath of fresh air in this money fight era. You want me to fight Edgar next? Great. You want me to fight this guy next? Awesome. I'm not moving up to 155. I'm not trying to get a super fight with this guy. I'm not, I'm not fighting the 135 champion at 140. Just tell me who's next and let's keep going. I'll beat them all. You want me to say I'm the greatest featherweight champion of all time? Nope, that's Jose Aldo. You want me to say I'm the greatest Hawaiian fighter of all time? Nope, that's BJ Penn. Who's next? Let's go. I mean, I cannot say enough good things about Max Holloway right now. Talks the talk, backs it up, is confident, continues to improve, but is a damn, is, is just a, a damn fine individual to speak to and to represent MMA and, and, and is humble when he needs to be humble. And he's kind of like an old soul in a weird way. And, it, and it's crazy to say the guy's 26. The guy's 26 in the midst of a 12-fight winning streak. You look at the guys who are ahead of him in that winning streak category, most, you know, longest winning streaks in UFC history, Number one is Anderson Silva at 16. Number two, George St. Pierre at 13. Demetrius Johnson, active, 13. John Jones, 13. And then it's Max Holloway at 12. Next win, he's in that conversation with Jones, DJ, GSP. That's unbelievable for Max Holloway. Remember when Max Holloway came into the UFC? He's fighting Dustin Poirier, young kid, short notice. You know, drops a fight to Dennis Bermudez. And yes, I know he fought. Connor back in August of 2013. I saw that picture of them two, you know, facing off yesterday. I was like, wow, this feels like one of those fake Photoshop dream photos. Feels so long ago. So much has happened. They both gotten so much better. I'd love to see that fight again. I would absolutely love to see that fight again. I'd love to see Max fight Frankie. And I hope that's the next fight if it's obviously not Connor. I'm so impressed with the guy. I really am. He is a breath of fresh air. UFC is lucky to have him right now. And I know he had the contract issue recently, but he was told, beat this guy and then we'll talk. So he beat him and then they talked. And now he's not hanging anything over their head. Who's next? Remember there was a time, who's next? All right, I'll fight him. 
It's nice to go back to that time sometimes. And and again, I have no problem with guys trying to make their money. I have no problem with you trying to, you know, control your destiny. That's great. But when everyone's doing something, the other guy is a breath of fresh air. That's why when everyone was doing something and Connor comes out and says, I'm going to fight RDA, that's kind of a breath of fresh air too. Well, now that everyone's trying to go that route, Holloway going the old school route feels very nice. It really does. By the way, before I proceed, I was talking about George St. Pierre. He was in he was in studio a couple weeks ago. You remember he won and uh, we were sitting here and I asked him about this photo after UFC 167. You remember this photo? He said he didn't like it. It's a great photo, but I can understand why he didn't like it. I can understand why it brings back bad memories. He's like, eh, maybe you should change it. That photo was taken the night he beat Johnny Hendricks, UFC 167, Las Vegas. He was about to walk away from the sport. So my man Alex has hooked us up with a brand new GSP photo. Let's get it on this. Yeah, there we go. Look at that. Look at that. That's November 4th. That's MSG. That's the fourth man to win two belts, two different weight classes. That's the pride of Saint-Isodore. That's the pride of Montreal. That's the pride of Quebec. That's the pride of Canada, George St. Pierre. So what am I going to do? We're going to have a, a ceremonial photo swap here. Here we go. Going to swap the photos right now. This is for you, George, wherever you may be. Hope you're feeling better. Out with the old, in with the new. So we'll put this one away. And we're putting the brand new happy George St. Pierre up on the wall here. In my Canadian corner, there it is, George St. Pierre standing tall. That's a beautiful thing. Again, colitis is no joke. And I hope he's feeling better. And I think it's 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 apropos to have that up there. So uh, thank you to George St. Pierre for bringing that to my attention. And I'm happy to have a victorious George St. Pierre. It's interesting. Uh, he does believe that, you know, you remember he talked about getting sick and putting on the weight and all that stuff. You wonder if the the change in diet the overeating contributed to what he's battling right now. Hope that's not the case. That would be a sad byproduct of a really great moment in MMA history. But um, I would be surprised if we see him fight anytime soon at this point. And so that leads us to wonder what's going to happen to the middleweight title and what's going to happen to Robert Whitaker and what they're going to do with that event in Perth coming up uh, in around two and a half months time. So, we talked about the main event a little bit. I want to quickly talk about Francis Ngannou. By now, you probably have seen what he did to Alistair Overeem. Maybe, and, and I don't think this is hyperbole, and I think that sometimes, myself included, we are guilty of calling everything the greatest. We want to call this the greatest event of all time, the, the, the greatest featherweight champion of all time, the greatest knight, the great blah, 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 blah. But I do think that that might have been the most vicious knockout in UFC history, if you can think of another one, especially one via punch, for Francis Ngannou to knock out Alistair Overeem like that, with that left, 
where, I mean, Overeem's head cocked back. It really felt like his head was going to fly off his shoulders. I hate the fact that he had to land that extra punch on the ground. It's, I don't want to say it ruined it for me. It's very easy for me to sit here and say, oh, why couldn't you hold back? Big fight, you know, most important fight of his career. There's a lot at stake. He wants to seal the deal. I get it. It, it. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to just sit back and say, okay, that was enough. It's all happening very quickly. You watch it in real time. It's happening very quickly. Of course, in hindsight, it wasn't necessary. Um, the one punch was vicious enough. But that to me, I, I think was one of the most vicious knockouts. I can't think of another one, especially via punch in, in UFC history. And it certainly now cements him as the number one contender. They want to make the fight for Boston, January 20th. They want to do it um, against Stipe Miocic. Stipe's down, but they're still involved in those contract talks. Stipe wants a better deal. He's been very clear about that. Dana White's saying on Saturday that they're in a good spot. They're getting to a good spot, but they're certainly not, you know, they're not at the finish line. They have not crossed the finish line just yet. That's not a done deal. So let us pray to the MMA gods that they make the champion happy, that they make this fight happen, because I think that it is the best UFC heavyweight title fight since JDS Kane won on Fox. Now, don't think about how that fight turned out and how it was somewhat anticlimactic, but on paper, we were as jazzed about that fight, and certainly the platform helped it, as I think we will be if this fight gets booked. And this fight is just phenomenal. Two guys who are streaking, who are finishing opponents in the first round, I mean, this is one of the very best heavyweight title fights that the UFC can make. And, and in my opinion, it's the best since that one. And it's on the short list on paper as, in my opinion, one of the most anticipated heavyweight title fights. Like this is a real heavyweight title fight between two talented fighters in their prime, imposing, um, um, intimidating, finishing opponents in the most vicious way possible. I love this fight. And I don't, do, do we have the photo of Nganu from the post-fight press conference? Do we have that photo? If we do have that photo, I'd love to put it up. If we don't, no big deal. You've, you've probably seen um, the photo by now. There he is at the post-fight press conference. In the past, in the past, Nganu shows up, you know, wearing a sweet suit. He looks phenomenal. But anyone can wear the black suit. Anyone can wear the shades. This is Nganu honoring Africa. This is Nganu honoring his people. This is Nganu honoring his home continent. This is Nganu talking about uh, the slave trade in Libya. If I'm advising Francis Nganu, if I'm his management, I tell him to wear this anytime he's not fighting. This distinguishes Francis Nganu. This makes him unique. This makes him different. This makes you know, an African MMA fan say, that's my guy. That guy's representing me the same way, you know, Arjun Bull. And, and you can't fake it. No one told him to wear this. He wanted to wear this. So it's not him playing, you know, dress up, but it's making him look different. And it's, and it's connecting him to his people. When I saw this, it, it, it honestly took my breath away. And that's why, you know, Danny Austin, who's a, a great Canadian reporter, asked him about it, but he didn't really answer the question. So I wanted to ask again, was there a specific reason why now you've decided to come out wearing this, honoring your people? You're from Cameroon. You're very proud of where you're from. He didn't say that there was a specific reason and maybe he didn't want to talk about it, but it was just such, such a sight to see. Our own Esther Lynn got a great photo of him in, in, in front of this orange uh, wall. I would suggest if they go on a PR tour, could you imagine him 
dressed like this next to Stipe Miocic, it just feels bigger. It feels more worldly. Connect your people. Be different. In this age of Reebok, it is so important to look different. It is so important to stick out. And, and trust me, he sticks out on his own. He looks different on his own. He's got the amazing haircut, the amazing build. He's imposing. He's terrifying. He's finishing guys in the most violent way possible. But look at the way he looks at the post-fight press conference. Look at the way he looks in the media. He's getting better with his English. This is a star. Yeah, I mean, you don't need me to say that you know he's a potential heavyweight champion, that he's you know a potential face of the organization. He's a promoter's dream. Heavyweight champ who looks like that, who fights like that, who can unlock a key maybe to a whole other continent that they've never really been you know, a factor in. That is very exciting for the UFC. So I hope and pray that they're able to make that fight, get that deal done with Stipe and uh, that we can see that fight. And of course, the other big news, UFC giving out two Fight of the Night awards on uh, Saturday. Very rare thing for them. They gave it to Justin Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez. Those two said all the right things going into that fight. Uh, I thought that they lived up to the hype. Alvarez wins. You know, he, he gets the finish. First man to defeat Justin Gaethje. They had their moments back and forth. It was a fun fight to watch. I'm happy it was just three rounds for both of their, you know, their, 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 their health sake. And it was great. And now it's time to move on. But I must say, and, 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 and I'm not trying to slight that fight, but if I had to pick which fight of the night I liked more, the Yancey Medeiros versus Cowboy Oliveira fight might end up being the fight of the year. I mean, we're getting, you know, we're getting very close to December 31st. And that one was just, you know, that was like like the quintessential seesaw fight where it looks like one guy's finished and then the other guy comes back and then the next guy's almost finished and then he comes back. Um, that was just phenomenal. And for Yancey Medeiros to win and to set the table for Max Holloway was beautiful because they're, they're somewhat linked to each other now. Remember back in June, UFC 212, Medeiros won. And, uh, and, then, and then Max Holloway won as well. That was a great fight. And kudos to the UFC for giving both of them uh, Fight of the Night awards. They, they could have given out a couple of performance bonuses as well. I mean, certainly uh, Max Holloway deserved one, in my opinion. And Ganu certainly deserved one. Doing that, you know, to, to Alistair Overeem, incredible. How about Paul Felder? Literally like walking into the eye of the storm with, uh, with Charles Oliveira on the ground and unleashing those elbows once again. Great win for him. Justin Willis with a great win as well. Felice Herrig uh, gets a, a, a booger. What was it again? A, a, a booger, blood. How did she put it? Anyway, she got blood and boogers thrown at her by Courtney Casey in that great moment where they both flipped each other off. Tisha Torres defeats uh, Michelle Watterson. She says that she wants a title fight, but I think that they're going to go with uh, Joanna and Rose too, and I think that that's the smart way to go. Abdul... Razak Al-Hassan and Sabah Homasi had a, a good fight and then it ends somewhat um, controversially and, and I do think it's the right call to rematch them. They're going to fight again at UFC uh, 219 because I think that Herb Dean kind of messed that that uh, that call. He was not in the right position to make that call and Homasi deserves a chance to, you know, to fight on and, and, and Al-Hassan, to his credit, said, yeah, I'm happy to to fight him again and 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 beat him conclusively, um, and also on the main card, Henry Cejudo defeating Sergio Pettis. And I, and I thought, look, those two were in a tough spot. And and Dana White said it himself: it's tough to top the Gaethje Alvarez fight. And I think everyone was then looking forward to the uh, Overeem and Ganu fight. So they're in a really tough spot. 
And I know the crowd is getting anxious at that point and, and they want to see action and they want to see people's heads get knocked off. But I, I don't necessarily think it's fair to boo Cejudo as much as they did. And he took it in stride as well. He said, you know, he, he felt sorry for the, the crowd. He wanted to entertain the crowd. He wanted them to be happy. But he did what he had to do to win that fight. That's exactly what he had to do to win that fight. He had to take Sergio Pettis down. He had to utilize his wrestling. For him to stand and trade with Sergio Pettis, for him to go in there and try to outbox Sergio Pettis doesn't make any sense, especially when he's that close to fighting for the belt. Now, I don't think that the UFC wants to make that fight next. I get no indication of that. The fight that they want to make next is TJ Dillashaw versus Demetrius Johnson. That's the best fight that they can make at 125, especially if TJ Dillashaw can make the weight. And again, Dana White said on Saturday that uh, that fight is a, a done deal. Um, but according to the people I spoke to, it's not a done deal. In fact, it's it's nowhere near a done deal than it was on November 4th at UFC 217 or after UFC 217, after TJ Dillashaw defeated Cody Garbrandt. They want to make the fight. They've asked about making the fight, but they haven't talked money. They haven't talked contracts. They haven't talked bout agreements. So I would slow my roll on booking your flights or getting too excited about TJ Dillashaw versus Demetrius Johnson. All right. So that's a bit of UFC 218 talk. Um, we'll talk more about it later on in the program. And again, one of the big stories, Eddie Alvarez's win over Justin Gaethje. And that got me thinking of Dustin Poirier and where he goes from here. And of course, uh, Eddie Alvarez spoke about Dustin. So wanted to check in with the diamond and see what he thought about it all and what's next for him. And I do believe he is joining us via the magic of Scup. Skype. Excuse me. Dustin, are you there? Yeah, what's going on, man? Hey, Dustin, how are you? Thank you very much for joining us. Um, I'm assuming you watched that fight on Saturday? Of course, man. It was a great fight. Good card. What is, so what did you think of Eddie's performance? If, if you were to assess it, um, was he the guy that you thought was going to win? Did you think that he would win that way? You know, as the fight was getting closer, I kept going back and forth. I thought Justin was going to win. Then, then a week later, I would think Eddie's going to win. So it was really a coin toss to me. I thought <clears throat> I thought it was going to be a much different fight, but uh, I thought they were going to brawl and whoever landed flush, you know, first was going to win. It was a coin toss, I thought. But Eddie showed his, his you know, his skills and, and uh, he, he's a veteran, man. He fought smart. I'm sure they worked a lot on the game plan to go to the body. And uh, he looked really good. Was it a bit annoying for you to watch that fight? Because that's the fight, you know, you wanted to fight Eddie. You wanted to get the rematch. You were upset when they made it. Like, like what were the emotions as you're watching that? Uh, yeah, you know, I was, uh, I was pumped up. It was a great fight, but I feel like I can beat both of those guys. You know, Eddie fought a great fight, but make no mistake. <clears throat> it's not that hard to look like a decent striker when you're fighting a guy who doesn't move, you know, if you move in and out, throw shots and, and use angles and the guy's feet are planted, you look a lot better. You know, Eddie couldn't spell box when we fought in Dallas, much less, you know, exchange with me in the open and move around like that. But uh, it's not hard to look great against a guy who's not moving a lot. Okay. So you're, you're not one who's going to say, Oh, Eddie's gotten better or he's back to the old Eddie or all that stuff. You think Listen. that? Yeah. Listen. This, that is the old Eddie. Eddie hasn't yeah. changed in 10 years. You know, he, he, he's fought that way. Uh, and I'll give it to him. You know, he said in, in, on Twitter and in social media that he was far from out in the fight versus me. And that's true. You know, the guy's a, a dog and a warrior. Uh, he's never out of a fight. That's true. 
Um, is it fair to say, I, I feel like it's a bit of a silly question, but I have to ask it anyway. Is it, is, is, is it fair to say that that's who you want next? You, you want to fight the guy again? You want that rematch? You want to actually beat him conclusively? 100%. I, I, um, I felt like that's what should have happened before he got the tough gig. You know, that, that's what should have happened. Uh, I was winning the fight. Some foul stuff happened. We should have ran it back. He should have been rewarded with a, with a TV show and <clears throat> another big fight. But, you know, this isn't the fair business. It's a fight business. So you just keep keep rolling. Have you ever been given a specific reason as to why they didn't just rematch? I mean, you guys fought like like two weeks apart here. So it's not like, you know, the timing was off. Did you ever get any explanation about that? I think uh, originally the UFC had a different route. They wanted to go with that season of tough and some stuff fell through and they made them uh, a choice last minute to, to keep the thing together. And they used Eddie uh, and Gaethje. I don't know exactly why I was never given an exact reason, but it was something to those, you know, to that line. Do you get the feeling that Eddie wants to fight you again or do you get the opposite feeling? I mean, I don't think the guy wants to fight me. He can say what he wants to say. His coaches can say, you know, that they wanted the fight. Originally, we both agreed or were supposedly, I heard he agreed to fight me in October in, uh, in Vegas. And that's what I was kind of starting to get prepared for. That's why I went. That's why my training camp for Pettis was 13 weeks, because I went out to Florida eight weeks thinking that uh, before that October fight, thinking that I was fighting then. And it got moved five weeks later against Pettis. So, you know, the wheels were in motion and stuff was happening. I thought we were fighting in October. Um, but, so, I mean, go ahead. He, what's that? No, go ahead. Please. He changes his game and the same things. The same thing's going to happen. I'm going to finesse him. I'm going to touch him up, make him look slow, and I'm going to beat him up again. So last week he was on the program and I asked him about the possibility of fighting you next. Um, I just want to play the clip quickly and get your response. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, I haven't heard it. Okay, here we go. Here's Eddie Alvarez talking about Dustin Poirier last week on the MAR. When I assessed it myself, it was like a fan that took the fighter outside of it. I just, I, I sincerely feel like the guy fucking quit. And um, and I think the UFC knows that, Herb Dean knows that, and um, they made him pay for it. And he's mad about it, but there's nothing he can do about it because it's over. But he's angry that he So what do you think? He says that you're, you quit and you're mad that, that you quit after the fact. That's cute. Uh, I'm not a quitter, man. I mean, look at my history. I don't know what to say about it, but if he has to tell himself that to make him feel good about the 10 minutes or the nine minutes and 30 seconds, he got his ass whipped, whatever, you know, uh, the, the crazy thing is <clears throat> I, I grew up looking up to looking up to Eddie, man. He was a, a big name fighting out in Japan and, and HD net used to do specials on him and stuff. And I was a young fighter then. And I really, I like the guy. And, uh, and now still, I respect him as a fighter. He's, he's a, he's a strong fighter and has a lot of heart, but as a person, he's a bitch, man. He, he, he's talking shit. When I stood up for him in the heat of the moment, I thought maybe in the heat of the moment, it was accidents. And now I've gone back and I've watched the fight as a fan, like he said, and I think it was on purpose. I think it was a veteran move. He knew he was out of going out of that fight and he saw an opportunity to land a strike on, on a guy and did it. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. So he quit. I, I've never quit anything in my life. I'm a fighter, man. If, if yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Come on. You, th you think that he was looking for a way out. He was looking to do something and, 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 and hoping that it would kind of work out the way it did. 
Yeah, I mean, he was on his way to losing that fight and, and he got a no contest on his record instead of an L. That's what happened. Uh, yeah, man. Fuck Eddie, fight me five rounds then, you know? Let's do it five rounds and see who quits. Let's stop talking, let's just fight. That's what should have happened in, anyway. Uh, since uh, Saturday night, have you or your management reached out to the UFC? Do you, do you have any sense as to whether or not they're interested in booking this fight again? I think this fight makes sense if me and Eddie had no history. It, it <laughs> makes sense even more now that we have history. So fans want to see it. I want to do it again. I'm not so sure about him. Okay. Um, yeah, he you was going to... I hope the guy's healthy. I, I, I hope the guy's healthy. I know he has a family and, and kids. Uh, you know, I hope everything's all right with him. So heal up and let's do it again. I, I feel, and I agree with you 100%, I feel like even like from a ranking standpoint, uh, I saw some fans say to me, like, it's a step back for Eddie. I really don't feel like that's the case. I feel like this actually makes sense. And then when you add to it the backstory, the, fight, the fact that you fought already and that it ended somewhat controversially, uh, it seems like a no-brainer to me. Um, yet, I don't know. I, I, I actually sincerely don't know if they're going to do it, which kind of is a, is a head scratcher. Like this is like the perfect, I mean, it just kind of all came together. You just won in a main event. It's, it's bizarre to me that it's not just like the natural, of course we're going to do this fight. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Okay. You're confident about that. Um, do you feel like you've turned the corner since, since the Pettis fight to me, it felt for two things like, like you, you, you won in a main event, but also being back in Virginia, you remember Virginia was where you fought the Korean zombie. And I felt like you sort of, exercise those demons and have now turned that corner that you've been looking to turn for a long time. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, not so much in the, just the whole Virginia thing and the main event thing, just in my fighting career, man. Uh, that was my 21st fight with the company. Uh, I've said it a thousand times. I'm a father now. I, I look at this stuff differently and uh, I'm just fighting smarter and I'm having fun. Everybody has a, has a stride they hit, uh, you know, when they start getting to their peak and everybody, it's a different age. And right now, I feel like I'm at the beginning of that. I just feel good. I feel dangerous. I'm confident. Let's go, man. I'm going to be the world champion next year. This time next year, you're the champ. This time next year, I'm wearing gold, man. Wow. Um, are you worried a bit about the division? Like, like for a guy who has lofty dreams and aspirations, the division is tied up. You know, Connor's not defending his belt anytime soon. You have an interim champion who's waiting on him. It has to be a little frustrating for a, uh, a lightweight who's up there in the rankings, no? Yeah, but me and Eddie are going to fight and then uh, the rest of the division is going to kind of play itself out in that time. In the meantime, we got another big fight with Khabib and, and Edson coming up. Uh, so everything's going to fall in perfect place, man. I have confidence. Do you want to fight Eddie for the, uh, the violent championship of the world? Are you down to fight that kind of fight or is that not smart at this point in your career? I mean, there will be blood <laughs> for sure, but I'm not going there and planting my feet and see who's 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 going to fall first. I'm going to go in there and finesse him again. Right. Fight the smart fight. You don't want to go in there and get brain damage. Yeah. Right. I, w- I want to, I want to walk my daughter down the aisle one day and, and remember all these great times of travel and fights. You know, uh, I'm loving what I do, man. And I will beat Eddie Alvarez. Uh, can I ask you about the finish against uh, Anthony Pettis? We didn't talk after that. Is that something that you've actually worked on the body triangle to actually lead someone, you know, to tap, to, to, to squeeze them that hard? where you don't have to do anything else and maybe break a, a rib or something like that? Is that like, is that something that you actually work on and you feel it? Like, could you feel that something happened to him before he tapped? No, I didn't feel anything. Uh, you know, he was trying to turn into me and the body triangle was on real tight. We got into some weird 
angles when we were twisting and stuff, but I didn't feel anything pop. But it's something I do, I do in the gym. You squeeze someone's body that tight, hoping that they tap. No, not hoping that they tap, just getting top position. And once I mount you with the body triangle, I mean, it's elbows and punches until the ref stops it or the round ends. There's no, it's, you know, it's really hard to get out of that. Once somebody mounts you with a body triangle. Um, did you feel like you got your due for that win? Because it, it, it kind of just happened and we weren't really sure what happened, you know, on the broadcast watching at home. Do you feel like it's not as emphatic as like an Nganu knockout type of thing? Did you, and and I, I think the crowd was a little confused as well. Did you feel like you got, you know, your, your respect for, for doing that to Anthony Pettis? Uh, <clears throat> I'm not really sure, man. I don't really play into it that way. I know for sure I was beating him yeah. and uh, was running away with the fight. And it would have happened sooner or later. So I know I won the fight. I know it wasn't a freak accident and I got lucky or anything like that. I know right. I won the fight and was beating him. Uh, Alvarez yeah. said last week on the show that like beating Pettit, like everyone beats Pettit. Like it's not, a, he's, a, he's a gatekeeper now. He wasn't impressed. Do you think that that's fair? Is that, is that not fair to, to, to Pettis? Or do you <laughs> think that he's, uh, he, he's kind of right with his assessment of where he's at in his career right now? I mean, Pettis is a, is a 30 year old guy who's still very dangerous, I think. And uh, he's going to win many more fights in the UFC. But uh, Eddie's talking like he just blew past the guy. Eddie was hanging on to legs for dear life and trying to get a decision, you know? <laughs> okay, so not as easy Fuck as Eddie he makes <laughs> um, One last thing I wanted to ask you about. I, I remember it like it was yesterday, you fighting a young kid named Max Holloway on short notice. I believe it was UFC 143. Uh, Who would have thought that he'd turn into what he has turned into, 12 in a row, all that stuff? Are you surprised to see him turn into the champion that he's become, the dominant fighter that he's become? Um, yeah, a, a little bit surprised. He's grown so much as a fighter, man. Dude, winning, <clears throat> beating the guys he's beaten and, and going on a streak like that's incredible against anybody in the UFC. You know, these are the toughest guys. But uh, beating Pettis, beating Aldo twice, I mean, he's made some huge improvements and the guy's, and the guy's incredible, man. Is that a fight? That's respect to, to Max Holloway. I feel like he's 26. He's 145. I think that he'd probably move up to 155 at some point. I'd love to see the fight again between you two. Probably not right now, but his weight cuts look a little rough. Is that something that you, you think about at all? If he comes up, to, I'll never fight at 145 pounds again in my career. Okay. Uh, if he comes up to 55, for sure. He, he's young, man, and uh, it could definitely happen again. But uh, it'll be at 155. Yeah. For sure. Um, and, and, and that charity, can you tell us, um, uh, update us on what happened with the charity? You donated uh, your, your blood-soaked clothes, right? Your shorts and your whole kit to a charity in Louisiana? Um, a fallen officer's family. I auctioned off the fight kit and we ended up getting 7500 bucks for it. And I gave it to his wife and his children. Uh, right across from a high school, I went to a police officer showed up to a call at a gas station. And when he got out of his car, he was shot and killed and he left behind a wife and three daughters and it just hit home. It's close to home. Uh, it's on the streets I grew up on here. And I just thought it was a good thing to, to try to give back and, and help the family out a little bit. But from here on out, the one bef the fight before that, I auctioned off my kid and we, we raised 3000 meals for uh, people who needed it here in Lafayette, Louisiana. And I'm going to keep this thing going. Every fight I'm going to auction off my fight kid and it's going to go to a charity or go straight to somebody who needs it. Wow, that's amazing. Do you know the name of the person who bought it? 
I'm not sure the guy's name, but it was him and his wife. They own a company out in San Antonio, I believe. And uh, I'm going to post it all when he gets it framed and everything. He said he's working on getting it framed and, and he's going to put it up in his business. That's incredible. Good for you. Well done. Um, last thing, anything I, I, I try, you know, Eddie was supposed to be on the show today, but uh, he's not feeling well. So I was trying to make some magic. Um, it didn't work out. <laughs> anything you'd like to say to Mr. Alvarez, Edward, as you like to call him on Twitter? Edward, get healthy, man. Let's do it. Five rounds. You know, I didn't quit. You know what happened in there. You know, you were losing. Let's do it. Shut the fuck up and fight. All right. We'll leave it at that. Thank you, Dustin. Appreciate it. All the best. Hope you get the fight. Thanks, man. All right. There he is. Dustin Poirier. Uh, No mincing words there. You know exactly what he wants. And it's the fight I want to see as well. In fact, I asked all of you about it on Twitter earlier. Let's check in with that poll, shall we? Um, I asked you if you want to see Eddie Alvarez versus Dustin Poirier too. And let's see what you had to say. No, well, how about this? Uh, 70, excuse me, 7,443 votes later. It was just a couple hours ago that I posted it. Uh, 78% say yes, 22% say no. So I think that that's pretty emphatic. And I don't understand the line of thinking I hear from some people who say, eh, you know, Eddie Alvarez deserves a bigger fight. This was a big step up for Justin Gaethje. This was a massive step up for Justin Gaethje, and I don't feel like that was said enough. But right now, Dustin Poirier, according to the uh, highly reliable UFC rankings, Dustin Poirier is ranked seventh. Eddie Alvarez is ranked fourth. Sixth is Nate Diaz. Fifth is Gaethje, and then it's Alvarez. Someone like someone is always going to have to fight back, right? You're never going to fight someone who's ranked the exact same as you. So I often hear from people who say like, oh, I shouldn't have to fight back. Well, you're always going to, like, if you fight the guy, if you're four and fight the guy who's two, that guy's fighting back. Ferguson has, you know, he, hopefully the Connor fight waiting for him. Habib is fighting Edson. Then you've got Eddie. Gaethje just fought. They're not going to do that again. At least I don't think. Nate Diaz doesn't Poirier. Love to see Gaethje versus Kevin Lee. Poirier versus Eddie Alvarez, main event, five rounds. I mean, that's just a phenomenal fight. That is a great fight. That's the kind of fight that, I don't know, the UFC, UFC should embrace, especially with the story, with everything that happened with them. The first fight was great. I feel like it's kind of forgotten about, like, like leading up to that fight. I mean, it was a great, it was a great, great fight leading up to that point. So we'll see it happen hopefully soon. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to Eddie Alvarez as he uh, rests up. I mean, he certainly deserves a day off after a fight like that. Great stuff from Dustin Poirier. All right, uh, let's move along. I, I, I told you about George St. Pierre. told you about the update, the health update, uh, battling colitis right now. One of the great mysteries in the UFC at the moment is the state of the middleweight division. At the moment, we don't know what's happening with Robert Whitaker. We don't know if he's going to remain the interim champion, if he's going to become the official champion, what's going to happen with uh, George St. Pierre's belt. One man who's very interested in all of this is Luke Rockhold, and he's kind enough to join us once again Via the magic of Skype, that doesn't look like Luke. He is way better. There he is, Luke Rockhold. How are you? What's up, guys? How you doing? Just, I, I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Luke. It's good to catch up. Where are you now? You're in Florida? Yep. Okay. Um, we come to you for answers, Luke. I'm sure you heard now about uh, George St. Pierre. You heard that he's sick. Uh, it, it appears he might be out for some time. Are you going to fight Robert Whitaker next? Are you going to get a shot at the belt? 
let's see. That's that's what I'm trying to clarify at the moment. Um, that's been my issue all along. It, it, what's going on? Where's the clarity in the division? And I knew when this fight took place with uh, with Bisping and GSP that this was this was the case. You know, I mean, I thought he would potentially lose. Yes, but I, I but I did say if he did win, we'd be in the situation where he wouldn't fight any of us, and then we'd just be more tangled up. And so. The colitis, all these other issues, backtracking on so many levels. Um, it, it's it, it's clear as day from his coaches, from him. He, he's not fighting. He's not fighting any of us. He's too small. Guys like me will feast on George. He, he doesn't. He doesn't. He won't last here. So he, he had his opportunity. He got his belt. Good for you. Just move along. Move along and let us handle our business here. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to fight something that makes sense. And right now, nothing makes sense until, obviously, Whitaker is the real champ and we move along and I'm ready to fight him. So you'd like to see them make Whitaker the official champion and just kind of move along and, and, uh, and, and George just, you know, that, that, that whole thing is in the past. That's what you'd like to see. That's what you think makes the most sense? Look, I'm a realist. And if George were to stay, I mean, I'd be laughable. I, I'd, I'd be seeking the fight. I'm not going to seek the fight because I know it's not realistic. George won't fight me. He won't fight any of us. So he would do what's right. Whitaker's been the champ for a long time. He's been the real champ, like I've said. Hmm. Make it official. Make it official. And let's move on. Are you not buying this colitis story? Come on. Uh, he's been backtracking from from the start. I mean, his coaches said the weight gain was heavy. Well, what's the what's the background of colitis exactly? He says it's from too much weight. Well, exactly that's something. That's a hypothesis. I mean, it's, it's an intestinal issue affects your colon, your stomach. Uh, I mean, it is pretty serious stuff. People who have had it, their their lives have been altered as a result. Some even have to have surgery. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I mean, I, he. The fact is he, he just come out and just say that you don't want to fight here in the division. You want to relinquish the title and move on. Stop just, I'm tired of story after story uh, and just dragging us on and then just, you know, leaving us in the, in the dark. Just state what it is. I mean, if you're sick, you're sick. But the fact is that you don't want to fight in the division. You, I mean, he's done, his, he's done his thing. He's a legend, whatever. Hmm. Just move on. Let us move, let us move on. Let's fight. Yeah, I'm ready to fight when it makes sense. I'm I'm busy in so many ways right now. I've got a lot of obligations, and for me to to tear into my schedule, it's it's something's got to make sense. I love fighting. I want to fight, but I want you know there's principles in this game, and you know there's got to be you know morals. I'm not just gonna fight fights to fight to get nowhere. Let me ask you this: uh, the UFC, you know, Dana White came out with this news on Friday, so it's somewhat fresh. I'm I'm wondering, have they come to you and said, okay, if GSP isn't available for Perth, I mean, Whitaker makes too much sense for Perth, right? I mean, you have an Australian champion, first ever Australian champion, and then you have an Australian pay-per-view and it's coming up. The guy has to be on the card. I mean, I think it's ludicrous if he's not. Have they said to you, if this guy's not available, if GSP's not available, if he's not fighting on this date in February, you're the next guy? Has that conversation happened? There's been, there's been talks all along the way. About, about potential this potential that they got to make up backup plans, but you know they're they're trying to they're trying to make fights like like Yoel Romero right now. Why would I fight Yoel Romero when there's no clear cut person fighting Whitaker? Obviously, I want to fight for the title. 
if, if that's available, I'm not I'm not gonna fucking sign any fight. I want I want to fight for the title, and if that's available, that's what I'm gonna do. And, and don't don't try to make me fight fights when you're telling me what what's a number one contender fight these days. Did George St. Pierre fight a number one contender fight? I don't think so. So I mean, there's no there's no point in fighting guys when there's no structure. There's no there's no rhyme or reason to who gets a title shot. I mean. Nate, Nate, Nate Diaz is my boy, but the fact that they were even negotiating Nate Diaz for a welterweight title shot, it's, it's disrespectful to everybody in the fucking division. These guys work their, we work our asses off to get where we are, and the, the fucking sport is pissing me off. It's losing its integrity, and it needs to get, needs to get back to its roots. Uh, Kelvin Gaslam fought a couple weeks ago. He was on the show on the Monday after and kind of laid out of his case as to why if GSP isn't available, he deserves the title shot over you. He said he's been more active. He has wins over the likes of Vitor Belfort, Michael Bisping, who you fought recently. Um, what do you make of Gaslam trying to campaign for that title shot over you? Gaslam just got beat up pretty fucking bad by Weidman <laughs> a few months ago. <clears throat> You want to talk about the inactivity? I tried to fight. I tried to fight Anderson Silva in in Rio in, in what was that? April or some shit. And then they then they pushed me on to Musasi. Musasi didn't make the fight. And then they moved on to this and that. And so you know, I I was ready to fight, and I, and I will be ready to fight when it makes sense. And I'll and I'll, I'll keep up. I'll keep a pace. But it's just gotta make sense. I'm curious. That- I'll tell you, it doesn't make sense. Yes, Kelvin Gaslam does not make sense. <laughs> you mean for the belt? Weidman has more of a case than Gaslam. Right, right. Weidman injured at the moment. Guess what? Chris Weidman's, Chris Weidman's one in three in his last four fights, so I'm, I'm three and one. I've had one slip. Do you realize that one slip created this whole problem? If, if, if Bisping never lost, uh, never beat you, GSP probably doesn't come back. Do you realize that? Put this on me. Put this on the UFC for allowing Bisping to get away with what he got away with for as long as he had. He should have fought. He should have fought Jacare first. He should have fought Yoel second. He avoided everybody. Now they're doing. Now we're just we're digging ourselves deeper, and I'm I'm over it. I don't want to deal with it unless it, it's right. You thought Bisping was going to beat GSP, right? You were surprised by that result. I, you know, I thought he was. I, I said that, you know, that GSP could win the fight. And I did say that, you know, even if he did, then we'd be stuck in this situation where he's not going to fight any of us. And that's where we are. Good on him. He won the fight. Congratulations. You're a two-division champion. Yes. Relinquish the belt. Move on. Retire. Do what you will. Let the real fight, let the, let the real middleweights do their thing. Were you surprised to see Bisping return after two weeks and, and fight Gaslam? And were you surprised to see him get knocked out by Gaslam? What did you think about all that? I think that's fucking ridiculous. For Bisping to come back after getting knocked out two weeks before and just because he's in China, for the commission to allow that. I mean, New York would never allow that in the States. And For his family, his friends, his team, whoever the fuck is in his corner, sad, sad. He's got that kind of people around him to, to allow him to do something like that. You, you don't, you don't turn around after getting knocked out and fight two weeks later. You know, I, I knew exactly what was going to happen. He wants to fight. It seems like he wants to say goodbye in London. And I, I, I've seen a lot of people say like, do the the Rockhold fight again, third fight in London. 
I don't want to see him fight in London in March, and I don't want to see him fight you. But what do you think about that? Is that something that you'd like? Is that the only thing that would make you happy other than a title shot? I mean, come on. Of course, of course, it would be sweet to, to shut that guy's mouth. It never stops, no matter what the situation is. But it's not on my radar anymore. He's 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 taking himself out of the conversation. I'm ready to move forward. I, I want to fight for the title. Okay. And uh, are you willing to go to Australia to fight Whitaker? Is that something that you'd be okay with? I mean, you had that great win over Bisping in Australia, so good memories. But what do you make of that? Australia is like my second home. I'll oh, have, really? I'll have my own fan base in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you. Well, I didn't know you were big be, in Australia. I love. I love. Uh, Australia is uh, always. I'm always down for a small Aussie time. Go out <laughs> and visit the boys and get some surf. So, uh, I'd, I'd I'd gladly walk on to Australian soil. And uh, unfortunately, I, I'd uh, might might hurt a few of their feelings. Are you okay with the fight being for the interim belt, or does it have to be for the real belt? I don't think it should. I think it should definitely be clarified and make it the real belt. He's been the real champion for for some time now. Just mm-hmm. uh, make it official. Um, by the way, can I ask you about uh, being... Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Just how long can they drag this on for? I mean, it's it's been going on and on forever. I mean, you want to make another interim belt? Yeah, make another interim belt. I'll go fight you well. Let's, let's, keep, let's keep it going. If everyone's going to get tied up... <laughs> Let's just keep let's keep these interim belts going. Yeah, you do that. Let's go. Me and Yoel. By the way, why do they want to do you versus Yoel? You're coming off the win. He's coming off the loss. Did you get any clarification on that? Why why is that the fight that they seem to want to make so badly? I I, I can't understand what what their thought process is these days. They obviously don't have a clear understanding of what they're doing. They're they're uh, not following. The recipe that that built this company. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know, man. You got to invest in the fighters. Invest in the fighters, and no offense, but you, you, your investment is into Dana White. Dana White's not selling pay per views. Dana White looking for a fight. Dana White, you know, contender series. Invest in the fighters, and and it'll solve your problem. You, you'll, you'll hit your marks. You'll sell your pay per views and do your thing. But get it straight. Uh, you, you mentioned that you're in Florida. How are you dealing with this whole Volcan DC thing? Because you, you train in the same gym as Volcan these days. So are you a spy for for DC out there? Are you helping Volcan prepare for DC? How, how are we getting around this? I'm doing what I'm doing. I, I was out here training before Volcan even stepped foot in this area, in this gym. Uh, he, there's nothing to there's nothing to hide. There's nothing to see. There's nothing to tell. Wogan doesn't want to. I'm not training with him, but uh, you know it, it'll be just fine. Every, the fight is going to be what it is going to be. I don't. I don't have anything to do with it. So you, you never spar with him or anything like that. Not of recent. Okay, but you have. I have, of course. How'd that go? Well, <laughs> uh, has DC asked you to come back to San Jose to help? With a lot of guys. I, sure, I, sure. I'm sparring with everybody. I, I sparred with Anthony Johnson a lot too. Oh my gosh! I sparred with 
I spar with I spar with Francis Naganyu. You, know, you did well. I go well with everybody. I have a good you time with everyone. You sparred Francis, and you live to tell about it. Yeah, it was very. You know, it was a fun. It was a fun little go we had. Has DC asked you to come back to San Jose? You're one of his top training partners, right? I, I get in there with DC. You know. I always have. He's got plenty of guys around. It's, it's somewhat, you know, we, we got such a bro- brotherly rivalry. It's somewhat counterproductive that we, we, we train together. Oh, really? It's, you know, we, we, we tend to beat each other up like brothers. And so we just, it's better, it's better off. We just stay healthy. And, and I, you know, I like, I like working with, we work, we work a lot of technique together and do different things and, uh, you know, I, I might come back for the Christmas season and, and work with him a bit. Khabib's obviously got his fight. He's another one with my brother. So uh, it's always, I'll be there. I'll be there in the corner. I'll be there for the fights. How do you but decide? I got, I, got, I got business. I got I got to get in shape. I just, I'm going to be ready. Look, I got I got things to do out here and, and I'm just going to be in shape, be ready when the time comes. <clears throat> when they clear up the things and uh, I'll be ready to fight. Are you Are you training right now? As if you're fighting in February? I'm training. I'm training hard. So uh, Okay. I've, I've never been more diligent in, in my work as of late. Uh, there's there's great great training. I've never been more motivated. I've got good things out here, and, and uh, I'm, I'm constantly on it. So The way you speak about your rivalry with DC reminds me of uh, DC and Justin Willis. I heard that they have a, uh, a fierce rivalry. Can you clear that up for us? How bad is it in the gym between those two? I don't, have, I don't even know who, who are you talking about. <laughs> Justin Willis, big pretty, big who, win on Saturday. Who? Who? Big win? I didn't see it. I, I saw. I saw. I just saw the Hawaiians have a couple big wins. I don't know about anybody else. Oh man! So you're on Team DC on this one. Nothing we're talking about here. I'm not trying to create a rift with AKA. I just, you know, I think it's, it's, I can't imagine being a teammate with, you know, DC is the captain. And then you have this other guy who's very brash as well, says he's on his level. They've got a rivalry. So I thought that you could be, you know, um, an, an, a neutral, you know, a neutral take on it all. But you've said enough. I love DC, but he created his own, he creates his own problems. <laughs> I'd have to say. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, all right. So uh, to recap, no title shot offer just yet, but that's what you want, and that's the only thing you want, and you're waiting for it. Let's get on the phone. If it's not, I mean, clearly D- GSP can't fight in February. Let's make it happen. That's what you're saying. Stop beating around the bush. Stop delaying. The hell's taking so long? Let's get the fans what they want. That's what it is. Okay. Well, good luck getting that fight, Luke. Appreciate the time, and please keep us posted, and let us know if we could do anything on this side of the table. Always. All right. Thank you. There he is, Luke Rockhold. Standing by. Waiting. Patiently. Wants his fight. Wants his title fight. And you have to you have to admit, if it's not going to be GSP in uh, February, who other than Luke Rockhold? I, I, I do feel like that is the fight to make for the middleweight title. I have to be honest. 
if GSP is not ready to go, if he's not healthy, and I do believe that he is battling, I don't think that he is, you know, coming up with an excuse not to fight. I do believe that the diet, the change in diet, affected him. I do believe that colitis is a serious thing. If that fight is not happening, you can't go to Perth for a pay-per-view and not have Robert Whitaker on the card. You can't have that show without Robert Whitaker headlining. I mean, just go, just go down the line as far as the available champions. Not only does he make sense because of where he's from, he's actually you know the champion who makes the most sense, especially if you're going to have Stipe and Ngannou. And I don't think Stipe is all too keen on, on, on going all the way to Australia to defend his title. Especially if those guys are going to fight in, in, in Boston, if they can make that fight happen for Boston, right? So we'll see what happens. I feel like the division is sort of figuring itself out. It's, it's obviously taking some time, but I, I feel like we've kind of rounded the corner and it's, it's about to figure itself out. And uh, if I were in charge, I would go with Mr. Rockhold against Mr. Whitaker. And what a fight that would be, right? I mean, what an amazing fight that would be. Whitaker's looked amazing as of late. Uh, Rockhold got back on track in September against David Branch. That's what I would do. All right. In a matter of moments, we're going to be joined by Brett Johns. He is Wales' own. He's from Swansea, 15-0 as a bantamweight. In the UFC, 3-0. He's coming off that win over Joe Soto, just the second fighter in UFC history to win via calf slicer. An unbelievable finish. Beat a guy in Joe Soto who's competed in EBIs. Former title contender, if you will. Fought TJ Dillashaw and... Uh, what, like uh, 24 hours notice back at UFC 177. He defeats Joe Soto in 30 seconds. So as I said, improves to 3-0. and And now he's starting to talk about fighting guys in the top 15. I was told, I, I was talking to our own PT Carroll and he told me if the UFC ever did an event in, in Wales, and I mentioned earlier, every time Brett Johns has won in the UFC, and even a little bit before, like when he was fighting in Titan as champion, one of those guys that I would get bombarded with requests to have him on the program. He has a very loyal fan base. Um, I'd argue the the best UFC fighter to ever come out of Wales. And uh, PT was telling me, like, if you thought Ireland was an electric crowd, a boisterous crowd, an amazing crowd, if they could do something in Wales. Unfortunately, they don't have the right kind of stadium. From what I understand, there's the Millennium Stadium and then there's a 6,000-seat stadium. So they're missing that, like, 10, 11,000-seat stadium that would be perfect for a fight night. 6,000 just doesn't really cut it, I don't think, unless they you know, charge a lot for tickets. Um, so, so they're missing that. But if they could figure something out, if a stadium could be built, whatever the case may be, it would, it, it would blow everything away. They're very passionate about their mixed martial arts there. I saw Marlon Vera uh, campaign on Twitter wanting a fight against him. I, th- I think that that would make some sense. Um, but it does seem like he is ready to take that step up. 15-0, as I said, um, two wins via KO, TKO, five via submission, eight via decision. Anytime someone has that many wins. And there was some talk about, you know, whether or not the, the undefeated streak, you know, would start to be a bit of a, a burden on his, on his shoulders. But he says that is not the case. And so let us check in with Wales' own, the Welsh fighter, the pride of Wales, Brett Johns, 15-0, owner of 
a calf slicer finish. Unbelievable. 30 seconds on Friday. He is still in Las Vegas, I do believe, and he is kind enough to join us via the magic of Skype. There he is, Brett Johns himself. Brett, how are you? How are you, Ariel? I've been waiting a long time to do this, my friend. A long time. Well, I'm sorry for keeping you waiting. Your fans have been patiently waiting as well. They have been banging on my door for years now to have you on the program. I'm glad I said, I always said to them, when he wins via calf slicer, then I'll have him on. And then you did it, so I have to have you on. <laughs> I did it following. I did it as soon as you said that, I was doing it. <laughs> so why are you still in Las Vegas, my friend? I um I spent a couple of days afterwards with my uh with my well my friends and family. We've we've spent a lot of money to come out here. I'm very thankful for them to come out here and uh, as you said I've got a loyal fan base and I just wanted to give something back. So uh we spent the last like two or three days just going around Vegas doing different things and uh we watched the Golden Knights last night in the team. Oh no. The video quality is so perfect, but it just kind of froze on us there. Okay, we'll reconnect with Mr. Johns. Perfect video quality. Sometimes when you're dealing with this uh, hotel Wi-Fi, it gets a little it gets a little funky, but it looked great. Went to see the Golden Knights, who are killing it, by the way, in the National Hockey League. One of the best starts for an expansion team. If not the best start ever. I'd love to see one of those games. I wonder if the, uh, the Vegas curse is affecting all the visiting teams, all these teams coming to Vegas for the first time and uh, living it up. There he is. Brett, are you back? There we go. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know why, but the, uh, the connection doesn't seem to be the best here. I don't know why. Okay, where are you? Are you at the hotel? I'm at the Monte Carlo, yeah. I've had a good connection all week, really, so I don't know why that happened. Okay, well, I'll pray to the uh, the podcast Wi-Fi gods that it keeps up. So you said that you went to a Golden Knights game. Was that your first NHL game that you've seen in person? It was, really. My first ice hockey game I've seen in person. And uh, they won, uh, I think they won 3-2, and they, they scored in the overtime, which is, uh, well, it was quite nail-biting, to be honest. And I really <laughs> enjoyed it, so... Um, I'll definitely, next time I'm fighting in Vegas, I'll definitely come and uh, have another little watch, I think. Uh, is this your first time in Las Vegas? Uh, it's not my first time in Las Vegas. It's my first time fighting in Las Vegas, but I've uh, I've been out here two times before this. One was the, the UFC athlete retreat, and the second one was uh, a holiday with my girlfriend and that. So Okay, but, but from what I understand, fighting in Las Vegas was always sort of a dream for you, right? Uh, another famous... Famous Welsh fighter Joe Calzaghe fought there. This was always something that you wanted to do, correct? Yeah, I wanted to follow the similar footsteps. You know, he did Vegas. He fought Bernard Hopkins. Um, he also fought Roy Jones Jr. in MSG. That's obviously another one that's on my list. And as you said before, before we we, we went live, um, the Millennium Stadium. But you know, you need a supercar to fill that place. You're on about eighty thousand seats or whatever it is. And then, and then the next thing we got to that is like a three thousand seater thing, and it's it's just not right for UFC. And everybody asks that question when the UFC is coming to Wales, but we need to find a card where we can slot in nicely, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's talk about this fight because uh, you were fourteen and zero going into it. Um, I would argue your 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 biggest name opponent, Joe Soto, fought for the belt. He's been around for quite some time. 
And and you said earlier, you said going into the fight, you were talking to our own PT Carroll. You were saying like, okay, for your confidence, this would be a big one to to feel like you belong. And so let me ask you now: Do you feel like you belong? Do you believe now? Do you believe that you're one of the best bantamweights in the world? Uh, I believe I'm one of the best bantamweights in the world. Yes, uh, I've watched the top fifteen from a very young age. Um, as a fight with Joe and the calf slice in thirty seconds was an amazing result. Yes. But I didn't get a lot of experience in there at that level. Do you, do you understand I me? Mean? I, I only got the finish. I got it early on. It would be nice to see maybe it go a bit longer, but I'm not going to complain of a submission of the year candidate fight. You know what I mean? So um, I'm, I, don't, I don't mind, you know. I want to fight and maybe another top, just, just outside the top 10. Let's have a look at that and then see we'll go from there. Wow. So you kind of felt like unfulfilled a little bit after that fight? You want it, You would have preferred to go a little more? Errol, you won't believe the way I think after fights, you know. I, I remember back in Titan FC, I, I fought Wild Watson and uh, I finished him in the second round and it was the most, it was like the, one of the first stops I had in like six fights and it was the most anticlimactic feeling ever. I'm a, I'm a guy that gets beaten up a lot in fights and uh, I, I, I've, I've had so many decisions in my career that I feel like I maybe for my fight to be a good fight, there has to be a decision and... Uh, I don't know to get the fit, the quick finish. I enjoy that, but I also enjoy having that that fight. You know, yeah. I've had two UFC fights pr- previous to this, the Quano Quack fight. I don't know what happened there, but that was something I was looking towards. It was a barn burner, and the Morales fight was very similar. And um, and this fight was the complete opposite end of the scale. Then, so yeah, I do feel a little bit. You know, wish it went a bit longer and seen how I fought at that level. But it was, you know, obviously it was a good submission. I understand that, but. I'm a little bit, you know, would have liked the experience as well. Um, a, a word of advice from someone who has never fought and who will never fight, who doesn't have the balls to do what you do. This is good. Finishes like this are good. This gets people talking about you. <laughs> Decisions, not as much. Embrace this. Go for more of these. Don't go for the 15-minute fights. No, I totally understand. And, uh, I'm, not, I'm not complaining. At least, uh, at least I didn't have to hold an ice pack on my face this time, you know. Um, but I'm like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing what they want to do next. I know that that London's in March. Uh, that would be a nice one. We got Marlon Vera on the internet. We got Cody Stammen on the internet. We got everybody on the internet now. And uh, I'm not a guy who, who who really cares about who I have next. I really don't. You know, from now on, these fights are going to be the hardest fights I'm ever going to have. So you know, I, I want to fight every single one of the top 15. So I really do. So um, whoever they want to put next, I'll, I'll be very happy to fight. Are you someone who has battled confidence issues throughout your life? Is this a common thing for you or just when it comes to fighting? Um, just, just when it comes to fighting, really, you know, I've always, I always have that chat with my coach and my coach will always tell me and he's one of the only people I will listen to when it comes to fighting advice and that's, you know, he says you're one of the best in the world and when it comes out of his mouth, then I'll understand but people say, oh, look, Brett, you're one of the best in the world. I won't, I take it for like, you know, it is what it is, it's just a word of mouth but when my coach says it, I truly believe it. And after, and I had glimpses of it after the, the sort of win that I, I generally did feel like maybe, yes, I am one of the best in the world. And um, we'll see, we'll see what they, they see what they'll give. You know, I'm going to be happy for anybody. I am. I might have, I might have like confidence issues when it comes to the kids, but I am got confidence issues fighting people. I will fight anybody they put in front of me. I got no issue in that, you know? Calf slicers. That's something that you've worked on in the gym. Like, was that something you specifically worked on for Joe Soto? 
It, no, it wasn't. It was. It was. Uh, it was something that I've I've worked with with my teammate uh, Ashley Williams, who's an EBI veteran himself. He's grappled at an extremely high level. Uh, Soto's obviously fought at that level as well. And a lot of people were like, man, they, they seem to think just because I'm not doing EBI and Polaris and all these different grappling competitions that I can't grapple. Ariel, I, I don't. I try. I grapple more than any other discipline. You know what I mean? And um, I've worked on that. That's up with Ashley a few times, but Williams is so flexible, you know, and I've never pulled it off against him. And the the single leg uh, head outside, which is what Joe shot for in the end, I've been working a lot on that positioning. Never, never to roll for the the, the calf slice. It was just to defend different sort of takedowns. So it, that worked very well. But the calf slice, I felt like, yeah, you know, it was something I have worked with. It wasn't something I specifically worked for Joe mm-hmm. but you know it, it worked and I'll uh, and I'll take that so the fight was very short it was just 30 seconds long at what point can you pinpoint the moment where you you knew that that was available to you you talked about you know the takedown um and then of course you get to the ground and it seems like now it's a favorable position for you but at what moment do you say to yourself wow this is available um because I <clears throat> going back to the fight I thought that Looking back, I thought that he did take me down and he just rolled over me, which I just think I thought I, I thought I fell into it. But looking back at the video, you know, he goes to the, the single leg. I wrap my arms around towards his backside area and I grab my own foot. So in my head, I must have had some sort of inkling that it was there. Looking back at the time, I just thought I'd fell I'd, I'd fell into it, you know, but. Realistically, I went around and grabbed my foot that pulled him over me. And then I was working for that sub when he shot for that takedown, you know, wow. initially, when I watch it back carefully, you know, and um, I, I'm, I'm a very, um, I like doing crazy stuff when it comes to grappling. I love doing different sort of crazy submissions. And um, that's not one of the only things I've worked on. You know, I've worked on other things, which I I, I want to try out in fights. I don't want to say what, but there's huh. different things I want to work on in fights. And um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, for 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 those that have never been caught with a calf slicer who don't know what it feels like, what does it feel like? What leads to someone like a Joe Soto to tap from something like that? Could you explain? Is it possible? Yeah. So I'm um, basically yeah, it's it's, it's an horrific. Um, I've been caught with it loads of times by my coaches and stuff. It's a it's a, a horrific little uh, <laughs> submission, and it's a it's a really painful one. And um, basically, it's like it's like the best way I got to describe this was when you get a door, a normal door that opens and shuts. And then when you just about to shut the door, you put a plank of wood by the joint. Well, obviously, it's going to snap off the hinges. And uh, that's the exact similar thing, but with the knee. And uh, like it's, a, it's an horrific injury, it is. And uh, I've, been, I've been badly hurt by one of these before. And uh, you, you struggle to walk the next couple of days. So I knew when, when, I, when, when Soto was in it that it was going to hurt. I just, all I had to do was keep the pressure going. But even when he tapped, I was still completely and utterly shocked that it pulled off, you know. Um, you told the media after the win that if you don't wake up with Mike Tyson's tiger, that it would be a disappointment. So, so how was Friday night for you and your your friends and and, and girlfriend in in Las Vegas? Did you did you see any tigers? For this way, Ariel, there was no tiger in my in my bed. Uh, so uh, yeah, we uh, we just had a quiet we just had a quiet one, you know. What? But, I don't uh, believe it. Maybe next time. I'm I'm still searching for that tiger. Don't worry about that. I'm still searching for it. I've just got to uh, have a few more nights out in uh, Vegas. I think. Uh, maybe you didn't find the tiger, but uh, knowing Welsh people like I do, I don't think it was much of a quiet one. Come on, no way. 
<laughs> no, no, no. Well, when I when I saw the guys afterwards, I was uh, I was quite sober. I put it this way: they were not. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, they enjoyed. But uh, I had a, I had a, a I, they, they had a basic head start on me, you know. I went to the Coyote Ugly Bar afterwards, had a few drinks, and by few drinks, I had one drink, and I was uh, drunk already. So uh, <laughs> we just went home to bed after that. Then all that weight cutting, right? I mean, your tolerance goes down. Oh, it, oh, I hit you like a punch, Ariel. It took like a punch. <laughs> How many times have you watched the fight, the thirty-second fight? How many times at this point? I probably get into triple figures now. Um, wow. I do that. I, I do that for all my fights, though. I'll, I'll study and study and study and study and see what I did wrong. And uh, if I'm honest, I did a lot of stuff wrong anyway in the fight, you know. So um, I'm, I'm going to correct their mistakes as soon as I get back home on Tuesday, and we'll go from there. What did you do wrong in 30 seconds? Just basically, you know, when I went for the, uh, I, 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 I think I hit Joe with like a five punch combo, stepped out the pocket. And then rushed back into the park, and that's how we shot. So that's something to work on. Uh, just being a bit um, overconfident, maybe with the punches. You know, maybe I should have stepped back. And you know, there's always things to work on. Although it did set, lead to the actual submission win, there's still a lot to work on anyway. Why do they call you Pikey, by the way? Oh, that, that was a nickname given to me when I was uh, when I was in Swansea. I used to go to Swansea drinking when I was a youngster, and I used to wear these uh, big clumpy uh, gypsy boots. And people always used to say, oh, look, you look real pikey. And then uh, that stuck then, you know. I, I didn't choose it, unfortunately, you know, but uh, it's been given to me and uh, it's stuck, unfortunately. Uh, par- pardon my ignorance, but what is a pikey? A pikey is a traveler area. It's like a, a gypsy, you know. Ah. Uh, because they, back home, that's... Oh. We were just getting the goods there. And what is a pikey? A gypsy. His nickname is Pikey, Brett Pikey Johns. And also I wanted to ask him why he always has a, a 36. Why 36? In his Twitter. I think also in his, uh, yeah, 36 Johns in his Twitter. What does the 36 mean? We'll reconnect with him here. Um, by the way, speaking of Friday, in a matter of moments, we're going to be joined by Roxanne Modafferi, who fought in the uh, main event of that card on Friday night. The tough finale fought for the women's flyweight title, the inaugural women's flyweight title fight in the UFC. But Brett Johns making all kinds of headlines, gets a lot of media attention out of Wales. BBC has done some stuff on him. There's a couple other uh, fighters fighting out of Wales these days, but I would certainly say that he is the most accomplished and the one who's making the most amount of noise in the bantamweight division. As he mentioned Cheeto Vera has been talking about him. Cody Stamen, who I was expecting would be on this card this past weekend in uh, in Detroit at UFC 218 because he's from the Michigan area, but that was not to be. Former Titan FC champion, has fought for Titan, has fought for Cage Warriors, also was a champion in Cage Warriors as well. Uh, who else has he fought for? There he is. Brett, you back? Hey. Oh, I am back, yeah. That's my... Um... Unfortunately, when you're a fighter in Wales, you don't earn a lot of money, which means that you don't get nice phones and stuff when they go off randomly. Okay. Well, you're back. Wait, wait, wait. So I'm, uh... I'm on my, I'm on my girlfriend's phone at the minute, so uh, it's all good now. We're we're 100 okay. 
Okay, way to adjust on the fly. I appreciate it. So you were saying that a pikey is a is a kind of gypsy, and they said that you look like the gypsy because of the boots that you were wearing. Yeah, I used to wear them out when I was in Swansea, which is like a big like big like party scene back home, Wine Street they call it, and um, yeah, it kind of stuck with me. I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of the nickname. I didn't like it. I wanted to be called the Joker. You know, that's what I wanted to be called, Brett the Joker Johns. But that didn't uh, that didn't seem to stick as well as the pikey. I like the pike. And by the way, why 36 in your Twitter? Why do you, what's the 36 signify? It's a, it's a, it's a lucky, uh, lucky number of mine. Um, and especially being in Vegas, that, that number has uh, won me a lot of money, but it's also lost me a lot of money as well. So um, now nah, so it's always been a lucky number of mine. And uh, my whole family use the number and it's just, um, yeah, that's where 36 Sean's come from. Really? Well, why that number? Is there a spit? Like, where did it come from? I think when I when I, when, I, when people ask me what's your lucky number, I didn't really have a lucky number. And then my house was um, my my new when I was about I think it was about six or seven. I moved into my uh, my house in Swansea, and it was um, the house number was thirty six. So when people used to ask me, oh, what's your lucky number? I'd say, oh, I don't know, my house number thirty six. And and ever since then, it, it has been a lucky number now. So um, you know, it's, I, I I don't I'm not a very superstitious person. Uh-huh. Um, I had a couple of things. That, I, there's a couple of things I do in fighting. Like when I walk into the cage, you probably notice that every time I walk into the cage, no matter if I'm first or second, I bounce off a cage panel. That's all I do. I don't have a pair of lucky pants. I don't have a pair of lucky undershorts. I just go in there, bounce off a panel to make sure that the cage is stuck together properly and I'm fine. Okay, wow. Have you been doing that your whole career? I have been every single fight. That's the only thing I do. I'm not, like I said, and even if I didn't do it, say I forgot it, I'm not a superstitious person. You know, hard work, hard work is, is going to win you fights, not lucky little tricks and, you know, yeah. lucky little superstitions, you know. And um, I train very hard there. That's, people, a lot of people do know that, especially some of the guys who who watch the show and who know me very well know I train very hard. And, um, you know, it's no different. I'm back home on, on t- Tuesday. You can guarantee you, I can guarantee you Tuesday night I'll be in the gym. You know, it's, um, it's, it's, an, ever, it's, an, it's an ever-involving sport that you need to be always on your toes and always always training and doing different things and seeing what's working and seeing what's not working and um, yeah you know I'm going to keep doing it until you know I'm not joking I, if I, I wouldn't be here right now talking to you if I didn't think I'd be winning that belt in 2018 and that's what I want to go for 2018 you, you firmly believe 2018 is, is, is a possibility yeah this time next year I think yeah you know obviously wow. depending on injuries and uh and obviously availability, you know, I'm hoping for maybe one in March, one in July, you know what I mean? But I want to fight them top contenders. I think it's just three or four fights away. I really do. And, um, you know, I, there's a couple of names up there I'd love to fight. And uh, and it's and it's not even in a disrespectful way. It's because sure. I know that them fights that I want, them fights that I want, I'm going to get. And if I beat them guys, it's going to get me where I want to go, Ariel. Um, and so you, you mentioned, you know, someone like Marlon Vera, Cody Stammen, who, who's... The, like for you next March London what's the dream fight not in a disrespectful way I know you're not the type to call people out but what's the dream fight for you um, I, I'm not sure if Vera's in the top 15 it's something that I've um, that I'm looking towards maybe Vera that'd be quite cool but only okay. because of we just got a bit of we just got a little bit of beef together that's all me and, uh, me and Marlon have got what's the beef what's the beef um, it was it was after the um, he'd fought Pickett uh, in March yeah. in London and um, 
and I was meant to fight Ian Entwistle, who pulled out on the day of the fight. Uh, and that was that was that was tough itself. And then after the fight, then I was downstairs with my uh, one of my cornermen and my brother, and we were just uh, chatting about like the whole card. We'd watched the card live. It was, I was absolutely heartbroken. I didn't fight, and um, and apparently my brother and my cornerman said behind me he was getting a whiskey at the bar, and as he walked past me, kind of did like the the boom, boom the gun sign thing behind my back. Whoa! So um. Yeah, apparently, you know, my brother said that. And as he come over, my brother gave me like a bit of a look to say, well, what's, what's he doing? So then when he come over, I said, well, maybe me and you should get her on one time, you know, <clears throat> just asking about the fight. And then um, ever since then, then he put like a post on MA Junkie saying that I just called him up randomly, but forgot to mention the part when he shot me in the back. <laughs> That's the fight. Yeah, so we got to do that. You got to do I it. For, you I do it for I, Brad Pickett in I London. Yeah, I, I I would do that fight. Yeah, but I, I got I got no problem with the guy. I really haven't. It's just uh, he put up a tweet then saying like uh, fifteen and one, bring me the Welshman or bring me the Welsh. She said. Then I went, oh shut up, avoid calves like you. <laughs> and uh, he didn't he didn't he, he didn't he didn't find that funny apparently. But there we are. I love it. All right, that's the one. I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm just enjoying my time here. You know, I've. Uh, I've worked very hard to get to this point and I want stories to tell my grandkids and I want uh, my grandkids to tell them grandkids stories. I want statues in Ponte de Lice where I'm from. You know, I just want this and it's all and it's all going to come for hard work and I know there's a long journey ahead but I'm prepared, you know. I've, uh, I've had enough wars in my time to finish my career now but I'm looking forward to seeing the next few years, definitely. Well, you are well on your way, my friend. You're doing great things. 15-0, and 0, calf slicer, just the second in UFC history. Uh, you're, you're, you're doing big things, and I'm sorry for taking so long to get you on the program, but happy that we finally got a chance to speak. Congratulations on the win, and safe travels home. I know it's a bit of a trek from Las Vegas to Wales. Uh, safe travels, and, and hopefully you get that fight that you want in March. Yes, Ariel, thank you for your, for your time, mate. I appreciate the... Uh uh, have me on the show and uh, thank you and hopefully we'll speak again soon absolutely my pleasure and again congratulations on all your success keep it up thank you thank you see you soon all right there he is brett pikey johns the pride of wales big win 15 and 0 sign me up for that fight against marlon vera that's a lot of fun i love that story bang bang awesome all right as i said main event on Friday, it wasn't the main event that we were expecting. We thought it was going to be Nico Montano against Sajara Eubanks. It ended up being Nico Montano versus one of the pioneers of women's MMA. No one says a bad word about Roxanne Modafferi. Beloved in all circles, even the worst people in the world root for Roxanne Modafferi. And it seemed like, with all due respect to Nico Montano, it seemed like everyone was rooting for her on Friday. Unfortunately, uh, she came up just a little short. It was a very close fight. But as always handled the situation with grace and class and uh, she is kind enough not a lot of people want to come on the show and, and talk about a loss but she is kind enough to be doing that right now so let's go to roxanne on the phone roxanne are you there hello i'm here it's great to talk to you roxanne i do have my happy warrior fan right next to me today in honor of you i'm uh, i'm uh, i'm fanning myself as we speak right now the autographed one that you sent me many moons ago so very proud to have that on the set um Three days later, Roxanne, how are you feeling about what transpired on Friday? Uh, I'm feeling all right. Um, I'm healing up and, uh, you know, I'm very disappointed with the outcome, but I feel like I did everything I possibly could and um, it was a great fight. 
you know, it's very rare in the history of the UFC for someone to get a title shot on just essentially 24 hours notice. Joe Soto, who also fought on the card, uh, is one of the few who can who can claim that. Um, in in hindsight, do you regret saying yes to the fight because you didn't have a lot of time to to you know to to prepare mentally, physically for it, or do you still feel like it was the right thing to do? Oh, it was absolutely the right thing to do. I'd been training very hard to fight Barb, so I, I felt like I was in pretty good shape. You know, I was going four rounds of conditioning, you know, three rounds plus one extra. Um, and we didn't have much time to game plan for her, though. We had like 24 hours. Right. Uh, so, and she didn't do what we thought she was going to do at all. Like, we thought that she was going to back up more, uh, but she stood in the pocket and banged. <laughs> we thought she was going to throw more kicks. So, yeah, she... I pretty much just kind of winged it when I was in there. And um, I knew that her other opponents kind of tired themselves out trying to take her down. So the game plan was to strike with her and look for a takedown, but don't push it, don't force it. And um, yeah, I kind of, I got a few and then she took me down. But it was, it was exciting. Um, when did you find out that this was a possibility? Because Sajara never actually made it to the, the weigh-ins. Um, so when did you find out that this could actually be a possibility for you? The matchmaker called me at two thirty in the morning on the morning of weigh-ins and wow. I woke up like the number was an unknown number. I didn't have it in my phone. I thought it was USADA. I was like, hello. <laughs> and, um, the Mick, Mick said like, yeah, this is Mick. You know, we think Saja is not going to make weight. Would you like the title shot? And I said, sure. Um, and hung up and then I thought she's going to make weight. Like she's going to shave her head or she's definitely going to make weight. So I didn't really think that it was going to happen, but you know, I planned to make 125 anyway. And then after I made it, you know, the text came that, yeah, she was in the hospital, which is very worrisome. But, um, yeah, I knew basically at 9 AM for sure. Wow. Confirmed. W- were you sleeping when, when Mick called you Mick Maynard? Yeah. Wow. I was and- sleeping. Did you feel like initially, did you think it was like a prank call or something? I thought it was USADA or I don't know who I thought it was. I've been keeping my phone on, you know, just because I don't want to miss, get missed. Um, yeah. But no, it was, yeah. <laughs> wow. Were you able to go back to sleep? No, because I was shaking. You know, when you get sh- jolted awake, you have the yeah. adrenaline going. I, I think I ended up going back to sleep for like an hour. Wow. And, and so, so you went and you, did you have more, you had more weight to cut, I would imagine, right? Yeah. I usually do, um, four pounds the night before and then float a pound and then four pounds the next morning. And did you have to weigh 135 just in case? Uh, yeah, I had to, well, I made sure that I was 125. Excuse me, 125. Sorry. Um, did, is mm-hmm. it, did they, did they tell you that, okay, just in case, please make 125 yep. so that we yep, can slot you in? Okay. Okay. Wow. That's unbelievable. Um, how, how familiar were you with, with Nico? I know you were on the show with her, but like, um, did you, do you remember watching her fight? Like, were you super familiar with her or did you have to go and start watching a lot of her fights? Um, I rolled with her a bit, you know, on the show, I sparred her a couple of times. Um, we didn't go super hard though because we just didn't. So we watched some of her ultimate fighter fights pretty much. That was all the film we had mm-hmm. to go on. So what we were super familiar with her, to be honest. Um, you know, it, it seemed like for those, you know, 36 or so hours from the time that we found out that you were, you know, in the title fight until the actual fight, it seemed like the entire MMA community was rallying around you. Did you notice that as well? Did you feel that everyone like coming out and tweeting? And again, no disrespect to Nico, you've just been around for so long 
and, and, and people really have a soft spot for you and, and I've always enjoyed watching you and covering you and competing and like your fellow fighters also giving you shout outs. Did you feel like everyone was rallying around you? Did you sense that? I did sense it. It was really cool. Like such an honor, you know, to, to feel everybody's positive energy and encouragement, you know, it's awesome. Um, what, what did it feel like after like you were so close uh, and then you had a smile on your face as you always do deep down where was that not the case? Like, were, were you just doing that for the cameras? Were you trying to, to put on a happy face, even though you were really hurting inside? Yeah, I was really hurting inside. And I, I was kind of, you know, I was, well, I was trying to force a smile, but you know, with that fight, I made some mistakes, but I really felt like I had no regrets. Like I tried, I left everything I had in there and it was a really good, exciting fight. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't regret anything. What What were some of the mistakes that, in hindsight, you wish you didn't make? Well, it's kind of the thing where you don't know. For example, I had her in a kind of clinch, and I she was coming in, and I need her head, and she ate it and took me down, and that really sucked because then she was on the top, and she was able to, you know, dominate with that. But if I hadn't need her, maybe she wouldn't have taken me down, but if I could have need her knocked her out. So you just don't know what's going to happen. Right. Right. And like when I tried to, um, I think we against the cage, I tried to throw her and I put like my whole body into it and I failed and she got on top, but I could have yeah. thrown her and got on top. So it's like one of those things where I just made the decision and it didn't work out. So, I mean, it was a mistake, but I didn't know it was a mistake until it happened. <laughs> have, have you watched the fight since? I did, yeah. Is, what's it like watching it? Um, I actually felt better about it once I watched it. Like I, oh, really? I love I love the internet. I went on like certain forums and I saw people saying, "Oh, Roxy, she sucks," and her level is so low, and blah blah blah. And I thought to myself, like, man, would you rather watch like super fluid people put her pattering, you know, trying to stay out of out of their zone, or would you rather see two women trying to knock each other's heads off, like? It was a fight. Like don't, people enjoy fights, <laughs> so I'm yeah. trying not to let anybody's comments bother me because, you know, um, I'm proud of myself and I've gotten a lot of support and people telling me it was epic and that's awesome. I think it was epic too. Yeah, please don't read the comments. That's like the number one rule. <laughs> I know you're someone who's very <laughs> yeah. connected to the internet and you had the blog and, uh, in fact, there's there's a a pastor who who writes to me and Chuck Mendenhall all the time out of California who I do believe has emailed you as well about what kind he of. Yeah. And like you, you, you are an inspiration to so many people. Don't, don't read the comments because we have a tendency as human beings. I feel like you'll get like 10 positive comments or a hundred positive and then one negative and you'll, you'll end up harping on the one negative for some strange reason. I don't know why we do that. Um, but nothing ever good comes from reading the comments, at least in my, you know, in my experience, you've been around, you know, the internet longer than I have, but, um, I don't know. That's something that I wouldn't recommend. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, st- I still feel okay about it. Uh, did you ever, I was not familiar with Nico. I have to admit going into the show, um, were you familiar with her? And you know, either way, are you surprised that she ended up being the champion that she was even the one in the, you know, one half of the finale. Did that surprise you? Yeah. I think nobody knew about Nico really. Um, she just seemed to come out of nowhere and she just has skills. Like, you know, she didn't get lucky. Like she worked hard for it and you know, her takedown defense is amazing. You know, um, super hard to take down. My stuff was hard to work on her. You know, she has a hard chin. Um, she's just a gritty fighter. And yeah, I think that I was kind of surprised because she didn't seem to really super stand out, but 
she's tough and she's good, and I think she deserves that belt. You're one of the few people to do the Ultimate Fighter twice. Uh, I can't imagine doing it once. Uh, it, it's such a, you know, it's 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 such a strain, and and uh, you're you're disconnected from the outside world. Why did you why did you why did you decide to do it twice as opposed to say maybe I'll bypass it this time and try to go the other route where I just kind of fight in the UFC and get a title shot that way? Why did you want to experience this all over again? Yeah, I didn't necessarily want to experience it all over again. Okay. Um, I wanted to get back to the UFC. I kind of tried to feel out like, hey, what if I just get signed instead? But there was no guarantee of that. Um, and I wanted a chance to get the title. So those things made me do it again out of necessity. Which season did you like more? Which experience was better? Really? Why? Because of the people. You know, everyone was pretty cool. Nobody really fought. Everyone was super focused on training and went to bed early and cleaned the kitchen and just were cool with each other. And yeah. And I was wow. here on the season too. And I, I knew how to train better. It was my weight class. So those things combined, it was better. This one, this one was better. Were you expecting that? Did you did you know from the people involved that it would be like that? No, took a chance. Okay, um, last time, and you know it's interesting. I think it was like maybe four, maybe one day short, or four years in one day since your UFC debut against Raquel Pennington, right? Um, which was on I think November thirtieth. Yes, you were, you noticed that's awesome. Exactly, November thirtieth has always been a, an important date. I always celebrate that every year as my anniversary of my UFC debut, and like my second UFC de- UFC debut was the very next day. Isn't that yeah? Funny? Which is crazy. I have a weird memory when it comes to these things. But interesting that you celebrate that, even though it didn't go your way. Why do you celebrate it? Because you know that was what I was working toward. That was my highest goal. You know, to enter the UFC to you know, prove that I can belong in the, you know, top organization in the world. And it was so cool. And I remember, I really remember walking out. I remember my walkout into the arena. They had the Power Rangers music playing. Um, so many people were like hanging over the railing, calling my name. I was like, wow, people want to see me fight. This is so cool. They like me. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. It was so cool. Um, so. Of course, it, it didn't go your way that night and you didn't stick around. I'm assuming this time you've been told that you are sticking around. I believe so, yeah. Okay. That has to feel good. I know you didn't win the belt, but just to to sort of validate, you know, everything that you've worked for, now you're a UFC fighter. You're not just a a reality show fighter for the UFC. You're an actual part of the roster. That has to feel good, right? Exactly. I keep telling myself that. that yeah. was, you know, I achieved my first goal. The title was the secondary goal. <laughs> really? Really? That that was more important than the title itself. Um, kind of like at this point, I mean, I am 35, I don't feel 35, but at this point I do want to start thinking about money and how I'm going to get by and, you know, I'm not just doing this for fun anymore. So I really was thinking strongly about my career, you know, like I really needed to get into the UFC and, you know, love of the sport doesn't pay the bills. Right. Right. If this didn't work out the way it did, like you doing well on the show and making it to the finals, do you think this would have been it for you in MMA? Um, Possibly. I don't know, just logically, like I was considering my options, you know. Uh huh. Why do you keep doing that? You've been doing this since 2003. Uh, the, the, the females that used to be around when you were starting out, they're no longer around. A lot of them when you were even, you know, in the midst of your career, 
um, just a few years ago that, you know, you, you, I don't, I don't throw around the word pioneer lightly. You truly are a pioneer of women's MMA. Why do you keep doing it? I love it. And I know that I have more potential to grow and get better. And I still have people that I want to face. I still want to test myself in competition. I still have this fire burning inside me. Like, man, I can't wait to get to the gym and train. I can't wait to try my techniques, you know, in a fight. Like that has not dimmed at all. You know, I'm more excited if that's possible for me to be more excited about this. You know, I, I want a black belt. I want to be the champion now. Like I want to get my first KO. Like I have goals. So I just want to keep going and keep doing it. Was it somewhat surreal after all these years to finally be in a UFC title fight and, and for it to come under these circumstances, 24 hours notice, all that stuff. Like you, you have been through so much, so many ups and downs, moving Japan, all that stuff. And for, for it to come on these terms, did you feel like, okay, this is apropos, this is the way it was going to be? Was it surreal? Like, did you have a hard time accepting that? You'd want, you know, you know six weeks or eight weeks to prepare. How, how did you digest just the opportunity? Yeah, you're right. It is super surreal. Like, it, when I realized that I was fighting for the title, it felt weird. Like, I didn't really feel anything new. I just, um, maybe also, I didn't have that buildup. I think it was probably better, but I didn't have that huge buildup leading up to it. It didn't give me a chance to be anxious or nervous about it. You know, like I've heard other fighters talk about how, you know, their training camps get interrupted by having to do, you know, um, interviews and fly places and all that stuff. So I didn't have that. Luckily, I just was like, okay, it's tomorrow. Have fun. <laughs> so I just was like, okay, let's just fight. I could tell myself it was just another fight. You know, I didn't have that huge buildup for better or for worse. Do you wish that 125 was more of a thing earlier in your career? Do you, do you feel like you'd be further along if you were fighting at 125 earlier? Um, it's hard to say, but I mean, if I had gone to syndicate earlier, I'm sure I would have developed sooner and then, yeah, probably would have been better, but oh well. Uh, it, it seems like a lot, I, I've heard from a lot of the, um, the flyweights in the UFC, the female flyweights, oh, they're, you know, Nico has a, a bullseye on her back. Uh, people say, oh, you know, just wait until she fights the Valentinas of the world. How do you think she'll do as champion? Do you think she'll be one and done? Or do you think that she has what it takes to actually go on a run here? Yeah, lots of the internet dudes were saying, oh, Valentina's going to cream everybody and cream her. Yeah, I don't know, man. Don't underestimate Nico. She's special. So, plus she's, you know, still improving. So, who knows, man? I mean, that's why it's, we're not doing a kickboxing match. We're not doing a jujitsu match. We're doing an MMA. Game. All right. That must have my little cool face. <laughs> we're doing an MMA match. You know, everything goes, you know, where one strength might not be strong in one thing, you're stronger than another. So who knows, man? I won't, I'll, I'll bet on her. Uh, did you feel, did you feel, what was your relationship like with Sajara Eubanks? Did you feel for her? I, I'm sure you didn't love the fact that you got the title fight under these circumstances. Um, how, how was your, you know, how, how did you feel about someone else kind of losing that opportunity in, in a heartbreaking way and, and, in a potentially, you know, dangerous way as well, uh, you know, with the kidney failure? I did feel very sad for her, man. She's, she has worked so hard for this. I mean, I kind of have always felt that she was too big for the weight division. Um, and I did worry about her making the 125, but she made it on the show but she suffered a lot for it. So I was kind of hoping that after the show, she would go back up to 135. Um, and, you know, I know how determined she is and how hard she worked. And I felt bad for her and worried that she had a kidney failure or whatever. But um, I met her 
after the fights and she seemed healthy. So she said she recovered. So that was good. Um, yeah, I hope she has more success in the future. When do you want to return? I would like to return as soon as possible. Uh, really? You don't want to take sure. a break? What is this word break? Is that a foreign language? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you just did a reality show. You know, you, you fought a bunch of times at the cut a bunch of weight. I know, I know it wrapped up, you know, a couple months ago, but everything involved with this title fight. But no, you want to be back. I want to be back. Put me in there, Dana and matchmakers, people. I don't know who's in charge that is. Put me in there. I want to fight again. Again, do you, do you have an opponent in mind? Oh man, I'll fight whoever they tell me to fight. It might even be Barb since we both yeah. lost and you know, I always wanted to fight her. Oh, that's the other thing. I actually felt a little less stressed with the new matchup because I had the whole like, oh, it's Barb Honchak. It's the sixth year in the making rematch. And then, it was like, oh, Nico, she's your buddy. Go, go, fight her. Oh, okay. I felt a little more relaxed. Wow. <laughs> Barb fight, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, I still want to fight Barb. So maybe that'll happen. But whoever they want me to fight next, I'm all for it. By the way, speaking of Dana, did he say anything to you after the fight? He did. And my brain was still in fight mode. So I forgot most of it. But <laughs> I don't remember most of it. But he was very supportive. You know, he said it was a good fight. And thanks for taking it and, and stuff. As I said, I know a lot of people reach out to you and you inspire a lot of people. What's, is there one message, one note, one email, one tweet that really stood out that really meant a lot to you? Um, yeah, I've gotten, man, that fellow who you mentioned actually um, said the nice things about my fight. And um, just a lot of people have written to me saying that, you know, I, I've inspired them and I am the embodiment of a martial artist and showing the world what a martial artist should be. And that hit home because that's really what I want to do. Like if I had to lose, I would at least want to have an epic battle and, you know, show what a martial artist should be. That was another one of my goals, you know, so that was pretty cool. And a few people said that. Last thing for you, Roxanne, why do you think you have this connection with people? Um, why do you think so many people like you? Why do you think so many people pull for you? Why do you inspire so many people? Why were so many people happy when you finally got that title shot? Why do you think that is? Um, maybe because I'm true to myself. You know, I don't conform the way, you know, I don't always conform. I always am true to myself. Um, yeah. What do you think? <laughs> Well, it's, it's hard to say. I, th- I think it's because you're kind of like an every woman, you know, like we, we kind of see ourselves in you, um, but you are able to do these superhuman things that none of us could ever dream of doing. Um, you're relatable in that sense. You know, you don't have uh, that, that like superhuman physique or these super, it just seems like you've worked for everything that you've gotten and, and, and maybe had to work a little harder and you're, you know, exceeding perhaps expectations and labels that were put on you. And you're, you're, you're going out there and you're kind of like, you're, you're, you're fighting above whatever gifts that were given to you. And people really respect that and kind of dream that they could do that sort of thing and want to live vicariously through you and, and dream that, you know, maybe if I worked a little harder, I could do that. I could pull that off. I could be like Roxy. I feel like you're just very relatable to a lot of people. And, and of course you're just a incredibly kind human being. So everyone wants to root for someone who's kind. Well, that sounds about right. You said it way better than I could have. All right. <laughs> Thanks Ariel. That's no problem. You.
Um, and so I mean I it. Encourage this again, fans to feel free to reach out to me on social media. I love meeting people. It's, it's awesome. And some of my best friends were fans. Amazing. So, well, I'm, I'm happy you got that title shot. Um, I, I know it didn't go the way you wanted, but uh, you know, with this new division, uh, hopefully you get another crack and you get it on better terms and you get a full training camp. You get to prepare for that opponent. Wish you nothing but the best, Roxanne. And, and, and really, I appreciate you coming on the show to talk about this. I know you probably didn't really want to, so that meant a lot as well. Oh, that's okay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad you guys enjoyed my fight, our fight. Yes, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Roxanne. All the best to you. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, there she is, Roxanne Modafferi. Uh, fell just short on Friday, but uh, still beloved by, by all her fans and everyone in the MMA community and looking forward to what she can do now as a member of the UFC's flyweight division. All right, let's move along now. Uh, some big news last week, UFC 220. It's going down in Boston, January 20th. Daniel Cormier, the light heavyweight champion, as you know, will be defending his title against... Volkan Uzdemir, no time. He is joining us via Skype and wanting to talk to him for quite some time. And there he is, the one and only Volkan. How are you, Volkan? I'm doing great. What about you? I'm doing great. I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, I've been bugging you for the last couple of weeks. So thank you very much for the time. Um, what was your react when the news was official? What was your reaction? How did you react to it that you're finally getting that title shot? It's going down. How did you receive the news? I mean, I was really happy because it's been uh, a long time coming. This is something I've been uh, working a lot, you know, since I fucking uh, I started. It's been uh, more than ten years, and now I get uh, I get the, the title shot in, uh, in the biggest organization organization in the world, and uh, that means a lot. Now it's finally official. I knew it's gonna come. I knew since I first signed in the UFC that it's gonna come fast. Also, because I, I went and I and I fought really the toughest guy and. Uh, I knew he was about to come, and now now it's my time. Was, was that your your plan to to get there as fast as possible, like to get there within a year? Was that always the plan, or did it just kind of present itself that way? No, that was something I, I tried to work on. Uh, that's something I, I really wanted to do. I wanted to to go there and, um, and make up all the time. I, I even fought. I wasn't able to find any fight, and uh, now I had to, you know. Uh, double up and uh, the, that was one, one of my first goal to, to fight for the title as fast as I can. Um, considering what happened a couple of weeks ago, uh, Volkan, were you afraid that you were going to lose your title shot? Were you afraid that it was going to slip away because of the arrest a couple of weeks ago? No, because it's something different and uh, my focus anyway is on a, on a title shot. Uh, I believe uh, whatever, uh, you know, it's going to be handled. We, everything is going to be handled the right way with this and uh, it's, n- it's not going to pose any problem. Has the UFC been, um, been helpful towards you, have been receptive towards you? Have, have they been helping you with this situation? I didn't ask for any help. Uh, I just handled my stuff, my, uh, all the stuff myself. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not asking for any help. Um, I'm able to uh, get the best entourage also. So I got uh, really good lawyers. My team back home, you know, my management team helped me also a lot, finding the best, um, the best lawyer also here and uh, the, the best, you know, I just have the, the best people around me. So to help me t- from my camp, uh, from my management team, the partners, my, my fighting, my fighting team, it's a, it's a big family and, uh, and uh, I got the best people around me. Um, I, I believe, Volkan, that this is your first interview since since the arrest. Could you tell us what happened on August? In August, could you tell us anything about the situation that um, that I guess you're being accused of? 
Unfortunately, I can't because uh, it's an ongoing investigation. And uh, I mean, uh, my lawyer told me not to. Uh, that's his job. My job is to fight, uh, to be ready for the fight. And I think uh, I'm doing a great job at that because uh, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. I'm ready to fight. January 20 is going to be uh, is going to be huge. Um, what what have the last couple of weeks been like for you? Do you feel like it's getting less stressful, like le- you know, less drama, less attention? Um, do you still feel like you're dealing with it as you know, you're, it's coming while you're preparing for the biggest fight of your life. So how would you describe the no, last few weeks? I mean, it's, uh, it's not too much. Uh, I, I post right after the, right after all the event, I put, I, 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 I post something on my social media and, uh, and it was like no time for distraction. And, uh, that's it. You know, I mean, I have one goal in my mind and, uh, whatever can happen around me, it's, it, it doesn't really bother me. You know, it's all. Now it's all about uh, my title fight, uh, my win in January, and that's it. So um, I'm really focused on that, and uh, I, I keep it. I keep it that way. What what obligations do you have to take care of um, as a result of the incident leading up to the fight? Like, do you have to go to court? Do you like? Could you? What's the timeline that you're dealing with? Could you tell us that? Actually, I don't. I'm not even sure about about all of this because uh, now my my lawyer is handle all the inf- all the all the process, and uh, that's not my job, as I told you. Okay. Everybody has a specific job to do, and uh, I'm focusing on my stuff because I don't want to be, I don't want to have my head everywhere. You know, I have sure. my head only on my title fight, and uh, you know, I think I think that's the most important for me right now. Um, did did the UFC say to you like when this all happened like don't worry you're getting your title shot did they reassure you or were you kind of left in the dark for a minute no I think uh, we talk uh, with my management team we talk with them and uh, they say they also want to do their you know own investigation to see what's happening but I think everybody uh, everybody is uh, is seeing this, the, the future in a, in, a, in a good way um, and uh, that's why now the fight is on and yeah. uh, now we're focusing on the fight, yeah. What kind of support have you gotten from your, your, your fans, the, the people in, in Switzerland? What, is it, what has it been like dealing with this? And, and now with you being more popular and more famous, I'm sure back home, um, how have they, you know, have they reached out to you? Have they supported you? What has it been like? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I have um, a bunch of message from people, and it's always uh, it's always nice. Uh, people are always supporting me, and uh, even in the in the bad moments, even in the good moments, and uh, and that that's really you know that's really uh, I'm I'm blessed. You know, it's uh, it gives me a lot of um, comfort. You know, a lot of confidence also, and um, and I'm, I'm really you know I'm really happy for that. Are you in Florida right now? Yes. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to go home, right? You don't have to leave America. You're you're good to stay. Yes, definitely. Yeah. No okay. Problem. Uh, you know, we saw you in um, in New York at Madison Square Garden uh, just a few weeks ago, last month mm-hmm. to be exact, at UFC 217. And then this, uh, you know, this happened a couple of weeks later. But from the reports, the incident that you're being accused of happened in August. Were you surprised that it was even a thing that like? When, when, when the police came to you, was that surprising? Did you think that this was over, whatever it was, if anything happened? Yeah, it was a surprise because I, I didn't think nothing was going to happen there, definitely. Um, I think he's also coming also with a title fight, I guess. Ah, you know, it's okay. you know, kind of, uh, you know, I'm not going to say nothing, but uh, it's probably linked. But um, it's all good. You know, I'm, I'm focusing uh, on, uh, on the positive and, uh, and that's the only thing that matters, I think. Okay. Um, 
right now the year is about to we were talking about this um a couple of weeks ago there's no real clear cut 2017 fighter of the year you've had an unbelievable year um this time last year a lot of people didn't even know who you were i never even heard your name is it possible that volkan uzdemir is the fighter of the year for 2017 is that possible do you feel like that's you know, a title that you're worthy of, that you deserve that. Considering all the champions in the UFC have only fought twice at most, uh, you have three wins, you've knocked out some of the best. Do you deserve the Fighter of the Year award? I think I do. Um, I was hoping to get a title fight even sooner, so that that will be <laughs> the that will be no 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 uh, no question about it. But um, now it's going to be at the beginning of the years and uh, it's not even going to be one full year that I, I, I was signed in the UFC and I'm fighting for the belt right now. I think I've been uh, really blessed with everything and um, I just had the, the, the perfect fights, the perfect opportunities and I, and I was able to, to, to win everything in a, in a good manner and uh, I think that's why he got me there. Is there something about Daniel Cormier that makes you so confident going into this fight or... Do you feel like you'd be confident against anyone, even if it was John Jones as the champion at this point? No, definitely. Um, Cormier is uh, it's uh, for me is is the champ. Um, is a, is a real good. Um, he didn't really lost against anybody, you know. Like he lost once uh, by decision to Jones, which is you know the the best of all time. Then, except of that, there is uh, he beat everybody else, but. It's not about him. It's about myself. I'm really confident in myself, and I, I know I know it's going to be my time now. And uh, that's why uh, I know I know I'm going to pull off the upset. It's interesting that you say that he he only lost once via decision to Jones. Like you don't even consider that fight in July as a fight. It is a fight, of course. Uh, we we saw what happened, but uh, also that's that's when there is mixed stuff. Um, you know, with the, we don't know yet if uh, if uh, if uh, John Jones was really using stuff or not. You know, I don't right. wanna I don't wanna speak too too early, but for now, the the only really clear loss he had was uh, the first fight, and then uh, he had the second fight. And uh, of course, if uh, anybody starts using uh, perf- performance enhancing drug or different stuff, uh, every, all the ranking will be different. You you, you get people out of the top fifteen. The, probably could be champion right now so it's a it's a different game you you know if you if you start using you can train uh, harder you can train longer you can train uh, it's it's different it's different do you feel like cormier respects you as a challenger do you feel like he he is giving you the respect that you deserve going into this title fight yes i think um for for once not for once but uh the fight is building up on on, on respect uh and uh, some jokes by the side of it. that's really funny I, li- I like the way it's going and um i think it's a it's a it's a good thing um some people are maybe tired of trash talking in a in a in mma sometimes and uh cormier is a classy guy He's a really humble champion. He's been, uh, I think, he's been doing everything right. Uh, he's been handling himself in a in a good manner. He's, he's promoting the sports. He's been doing all the stuff, and uh, a lot of people are talking bad about him. I, I, I don't understand that. I, you know, I, I have much respect, um, a lot of respect towards him and uh, and uh, everything. But uh, it's not about that right now. Mm-hmm. It's all about what I'm gonna bring the day of the fight, and uh, it's not gonna be. I'm not going to give him any respect that night. Did he reach out to you when all this, the legal stuff happened last month? No, no. No, you didn't hear from him. Um, 
No, what a, I heard for I heard there is a is a podcast and stuff and uh, and, and that's it, but no, nothing else. Okay, what did what did he say? Did you hear what he said about you? Did he say anything specific about it? Um, yeah, he said uh, basically he said that he believed uh, the fight will still be going on. Um, that I, I was you know standing my ground and stuff. I think that's that's his word, and uh, I don't remember exactly what he said, but uh, I mean I'm sure we can just Google that quickly. Sure, sure. Um, are you, you know, obviously he's one of the greatest uh, wrestlers in MMA history and a former Olympian. Are you bringing anyone specifically to emulate his style and training? I have uh, my team already. I have uh, people that are bringing. Uh, I have some wrestlers also. I have some strikers. I have people I like to work with um, that's coming also this week. I have another guy that's coming in two weeks. I have another friend. And I'm bringing a lot of people from back home. Actually, I, um, I, I like to bring people I've been working with uh, for a long time, people from the beginning. Um, I don't want to make people feel left out, I guess. And uh, I want to incorporate them uh, with me because, first of all, when I train, I like to feel good. I like to have a good atmosphere around me. I'll, you know, it's it's all about it's a big process, and I like to and I like to feel good about my fight. So that's why uh, I like to have friends around me. We can joke, we can laugh, we can uh, have a good atmosphere while I train. And plus, I'm training really hard because that's people I've been training most of my career with. Uh, earlier, we had Luke Rockhold on the program. He's in Florida, and I, I tried to find out if he was going to help you train, what what, what his role was going to be in all this. Have you been trying to get some tips from him? Or have, you, have you tried to enlist his his help? How are you going to deal with Luke being in the gym? Uh, no, actually, I'm I'm kind of respectful. I try to not go around him because um, uh, you know I know I know their their friendship, um, um, and I don't want to interfere in that. So I'm I'm trying not to be an asshole and you know get my training with Luke and try to to get some insight. So I, I try you know. Uh, I have enough stuff. I have a brain, and I use my brain a lot. So okay. I don't, I don't, need, I don't need the insight from anybody else. Before I let you go, just to be clear, you're not worried at all that anything can happen between now and January 20th, um, as far as the legal incident is concerned, that would pull you out of this fight, right? That there's no, there's no chance that that would happen. No, I have, a, I have a, a really good team around me, and uh, believe me, it's uh, everything's going to be all right. And are, are are you confident that this will just get dropped? That there's there's going to be no story here when it's all said and done. I don't I don't really know about all the details how it's going to happen, but definitely I'm going to fight and I'm going to be champion. Are you at some point? Are you ever going to talk about it, or or would you rather just never talk about it? Um, what happened? And oh yeah, what definitely. Once 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 everything will be once everything will be settled and we know exactly what you know uh, the everything about the case, then it's going to be maybe time to talk. But uh, for now, you know. I just can't, and uh, you know that's sure. uh, it's all about uh, it's all about that. I respect that, uh, no doubt about it. So it's going down January twentieth in Boston. I hear they're also trying to add uh, potentially Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou to the card. I'm sure you would like that, right? That, Why not? That will be amazing. Yeah, definitely. Yes, they will maybe be two European champions. Two from uh, yes, yes, that will be that will be great. Uh, the, 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 perhaps the first two French-speaking European champions, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. That would be amazing. That would be. I mean, be... Saint-Pierre was the first one. Yeah, but, but not uh, European. But, not um, European, French-Canadian. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, true, true, true that. True there that. you go, there you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Francis did a great fight um, Saturday. I was upset, first of all, because of Alistair, you know, I have... Uh, Sure. He's like he's not like my mentor, but he's like the first guy that introduced me to the sport. 
and uh, you know trying to stay loyal. And I love I love Alistair so much, but uh, um, Francis is also uh, somebody I like. So uh, you know it's always hard to see two people fighting together. So but you know sad and upset, but also happy for 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 Francis. Who hits harder, Francis and Ganu or, or Volkan Uzdemir? You know the answer. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> Are we still sticking to less than two minutes against Cormier? That was the original prediction before the fight was made. Are you yes, still sticking to that? Be, it's going to be a first round plan. Oh, it's going to be a first round knockout. Jeez, Louise. All right. Well, I can't wait for it. Uh, happy to hear that it's still on. Happy to hear everything's okay. Uh, at some point, when you're ready and willing, you know, w- would love to hear what happened that night, but uh, good to hear that, that all is well and that you're getting the title fight that you deserve and that it's going down in a little over a month. Thank you for doing this, Volkan. I appreciate it and best of luck in training. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. There he is, the number one contender in the UFC's light heavyweight division, Volkan Ozdemir. It's going down January 20th. Boston, I'm going to take these off for a second. Boston, Massachusetts, January 20th, UFC 220. Will they add Stipe Miocic um, and Francis Ngannou? That remains to be seen, but for now you're getting at least one title fight if you're going to that card in Boston. And uh, it's a pretty darn good one between Daniel Cormier and Volkan No Time Uzdemir. All right, let us move along now. Appreciate him doing that. I know there's a lot of things legally that he can't speak about, but was happy to have him on the program to at least talk about uh, the title shot and whatever he could about the incident that happened uh, just a few weeks ago. Originally happened in August, but the arrest uh, a few weeks ago. Okay, so uh, we spoke earlier about the tough finale. Uh, The UFC's inaugural women's flyweight title fight. It happened on Friday and it was initially supposed to be Nico Montano against uh, Sajara Eubanks. As you found out on Thursday afternoon, Eubanks did not uh, weigh in. She failed to make weight, suffered some some health issues while trying to cut down to 125. So she was pulled from the fight. In came Roxanne Modafferi. You know what happened now. Montano is the new UFC women's flyweight champion. Uh, Eubanks is from this area. Reached out to her, asked her to come on the program. She is here. She's going to be joining us in studio in a matter of seconds. I do believe she is standing by. So without further ado, let us welcome in the one and only Sajara Eubanks. Can't wait to talk to her about what transpired um leading up to that Wayne and there she is Sajara Eubanks in the house how are you Sajara fantastic how you doing man it is a pleasure please have a seat thank Thank you so much for being here thank you for having me where do you live uh right now I'm living in New York City you do live in New York City okay before just moved after tough okay yeah yeah. where were you before Uh, I was living in Maryland for like 10 years okay I was originally born and raised in Springfield Massachusetts okay all up and down the east coast why did you end up in in New York um, well, actually, after the show I got with Mark Henry, Eddie Alvarez, a bunch of guys, and they're down in Jersey. Yep. And my partner is originally from New York, and she had an apartment. So. Oh, wow. So it all worked out. Worked out just perfect. It's amazing how that works, like when you're on the show, and then you you know, you know just get a coach, and then all of a sudden that like creates a new path for your career. Everything changes. Man, it changed for the better, and it's been fantastic since I've been up here. I love the city, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like uh, in the candy store. Okay, so let's talk. Okay, first of all, how are you feeling right now? Oh, much better. Yeah, I'm feeling good. You're good? <laughs> yeah. Better than a couple of days ago? Much better than a couple of days ago. Yeah, okay, yeah. so. So let's, when did you start to feel like this could be a problem? Like um, your health could be a problem that you might not wait? Like when, when did it all kind of start? Um, well, the cut, you know, I, I got a little spoiled in the house. I was cutting from 150 in the house every like 10 days. Right. So when I had hit about 45, 42 in training, I was like, okay, we're good to go. We're like six pounds ahead of schedule. And I honestly didn't think it was going wrong until about um, 
probably about Wednesday night. Okay. I got to one one thirty three. Okay. And was like, okay, this is getting tough, tougher than it normally has been. Um, but I just was like, man, you know, weight cutting is about being tough and being mental and getting through it. I know my body can do it. I've done it before. Yeah. So you know, I just reframed and got. I got to about thirty thirty and a half, and and I knew something something was different. So okay, was what were you feeling? Um. It was it was the pain in my back, okay. and I know from cutting weight after all these years that once your back starts to hurt, you're you're in that dehydration phase, and and I've never had that kind of kind of pain that I was in. Um, and then my my ribs and my legs started cramping, and I couldn't really walk without my legs wobbling and, and feeling weak. And then I started getting started getting delirious, and I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh man, this is and. Um, tough because I had to decide if if it was truly mental or if or if my body was really telling me something's wrong because it's one thing to be tough because it's hot and the sun is hot and the yeah, sun is yeah. miserable and the tub is hot that's kind of to me you can tough that out okay um but I kind of just was not sure if I had reached that point where something might actually be wrong wow and uh apparently I had <laughs> um you had people around you right oh yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah. did they tell you we need to go to the hospital or something or did you like did you collapse we've heard some story what exactly happened that led you to go to the hospital well i had i had collapsed a little bit there okay and i came to you pass out yeah oh man okay (laughs) uh and i came i had and you know my coach was with me jamal patterson and um clip from the cpi and i was like just drag me into the sauna because i couldn't make my way there and and they were like no (laughs) if you're to the point where we have to physically drag you into the sauna it's probably something yeah 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 something wrong and so so clint decided to call um dr d from the ufc and once he got on the phone i kind of knew i kind of knew he wasn't going to be too happy with um the symptoms Uh because i kind of yeah i knew and i kind of was like nah just just drag me in there you know we got five more just don't tell nobody just drag me in (laughs) and um Nah, Dr. D was like, nah, I think she needs her vitals checked. And so they called the paramedics wow. and they checked my vitals and, and my heart rate was just um, super high. And then it would it would plummet when I sat down. When I stood up, it, my heart rate would shoot back up again. Wow. And, you know, if I was laying down, my blood pressure was good. But as soon as I sat up or stood up, my blood pressure would drop. So... You know, then they were like, you know, we got to, we got to take you, we got to take you into the hospital, have you tested, and that's when I was like, yeah, I had my little breakdown because <laughs> I knew, I knew once, I figured once I got brought into the ER, yeah, I wasn't, my my night was over. What time was this at? Um, I remember getting to the ER around like two or three o'clock in the morning. Okay, on Wednesday Thursday. going into Thursday. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you were you were resisting it, you were fighting it. Yeah, I told them in the in the ambulance they tried to IV me, and I was oh. like, don't don't give me any IV because if I put any weight on, maybe I can still. I was like, somebody called Dana, somebody called Mick. Oh man, <laughs> get my manager on the phone. I was like, call Lee, let's see if uh, we can do something at one thirty. But yeah. I knew if they put an IV in me, I would go up to thirty one. You know, 30 yeah. and a half. And so they put a line in me in the ambulance. I was like, let us give you some fluids. And I was like, no. Cause, oh, my gosh. Um, maybe I can do this. Just stay where I'm at yeah. until nine. Because Dr. Drew was like, I'm not letting you cut no more. Like, that's it. Okay. Like, so my, my, what I was trying to ask was, could I just stay where I was and see what we can do at 9 a.m. at weigh-ins? Give up 
percentage of my purse or whatever. Um, but I got to the ER, they drew some blood and was like, no, you've got acute kidney failure and Damn. we have to get a bag in you. Wow. And, you know, I kind of was like, you know, can I sit like this? And he's like, if you sit as dehydrated as you are, it's going to get worse. And then, you know, she started talking creatine levels and I just kind of broke down. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And as you got I emotional. Was, yeah. 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 Because you knew the opportunity. Yeah. I knew was- once. Yeah. I knew once they bagged me up. It was just it was a wrap. So. Have you ever felt anything close to this in terms of cutting weight? I mean, obviously, maybe not kidney. You never had kidney failure, right? Or have you? Not that I know of. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> have you ever ha- Have you ever felt anything like this? No, not that. It's bad. never been easy, right? No, no, no. It wasn't easy in the house. Right. I've had other cuts before. I've been an athlete for for ten years, um, but that's that's kind of why I knew something was up because I had I had never felt that before. Okay. There was lots of discomfort. There was lots of you know, like there's a lot of, it's hot in there. You're hungry, you're thirsty, your lips are chapped. Cutting weight's never fun. Right. Um, and I've always just been able to just duke it out. Um, but you know, some of the, some of the doctors at the hospital kind of explained the whole, the whole background and they were like, you, you probably hurt yourself, uh, six weeks ago in the house. And that's probably some carryover. Really? How so? Um, you know, the, you know how doctors are. Yeah. I, to, <laughs> I was like, it's not that bad. Give me a bag. Get me out of here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, of course, the doctor's like, you've got kidney failure. And I right. was like, yeah, technically. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, they were just saying I had probably done so much cutting okay. over the past couple of weeks that it probably didn't take much for my kidneys to be like, okay, something's wrong. Wow. Because I might have done some mild you know, stress right. to my body at some point, especially being that it wasn't that long ago. Because I was like, yo, six, eight weeks ago. And yeah. they're like, you know, in terms of your body and your kidneys six to eight weeks ago, is not that long ago. So, you know, but the doctors really, the doctors I talked to at the hospital aren't as familiar with MMA and weight cutting as anybody else. So I kind of was like, yeah, well, you guys are playing more on the safe side. Okay. <laughs> Do you feel like you did anything wrong? Like at the beginning of this camp, like could you have started lighter, should you have not done this or that? Was there anything that you could have done to avoid this? Or was it inevitable maybe because of, you know, all the stress you put on your body on the show? Um, well, I'm not sure. Okay. You know, um, obviously in hindsight, it's always like, man, could have done this, would have done that, et cetera. Um, the only thing I, I wish I had done differently, I wish I had gotten with Clint and the UFCPI earlier into camp. Okay. I didn't really start using the UFCPI as a tool until like the last two weeks. And, and Clint already was like, okay, well, we got another big, big cut ahead of us, you know? So, and I was working with a nutritionist, um, but I, I, the only thing I wish I had done differently was work with the UFC and the UFC PI sooner, like okay. right, right out of the house. Okay. Um, cause I was talking to Clint too. He said I probably rebounded pretty bad from those couple of cuts too. Okay. So, you know, just going forward, just got to evaluate my body and, uh, really revamp my whole my whole nutrition and training process because I never really had a chance to walk around as a flyweight before. And so I think that just played the the biggest factor in everything. When that. were you officially ruled out of the fight? Um I don't know exactly. Okay. But you never even try you like you were never en route to the weigh ins, right? No, I never no. No. We went from the UFCPI straight to the ER and Did you I stay was, there overnight? They, I got to, so I got to the hospital, what, 2 or 3 a.m. Yeah. on Thursday. And so they wanted me to stay overnight into Friday. Okay. Um, but by Thursday night, I was like, test me again, get me out of here. Okay. <laughs> I had two and a half bags and was drinking a ton of coconut water, a ton of Powerade, just drinking lots of fluids, getting um, some food back in me once my body started acting normal again, using the restroom, et cetera. I just, the doctor was like, I think you should stay till tomorrow. 
Um, but I was like, can you just run my blood one more time and see if my kidneys are functioning? And he came back. He was like, you know, I, I think you should stay, but I, I'll release you if you want to go. Okay. And I was like, yeah, give me You care. left. Oh, yeah. I hate hospitals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're depressing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing yeah. makes you more appreciative of, of life when, when you're in a hospital, even yeah. like for a good thing, like when you're there to visit someone. With, yeah. You just want to get the hell out of yeah, there. Get the, yeah. And yeah. Then by then, you know, everyone else was doing open weigh-ins and, yeah. you know, Jamal Patterson was out there with me, but he had to go be with Deanna. So then I was in the hospital, like by myself looking at TV. Oh, no. Oh, get me, get me out of here. Uh, I've never been admitted to a hospital before either. So that was my first time. You've never been in a what? I've never been to a hospital before. I've never, really? Ever. 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 Except for, I guess, the day I was born, maybe. <laughs> wow. You've <laughs> so, led a good life. Yeah. So I've never been in an ambulance. I've never been in a hospital. I was like, wow. this is for the birds. Get yeah. me out of here. Wow. I want it out. <laughs> as soon as I got back I mean, that, to normal, I was that's like, a good, uh, That's a good motivation yeah. to never go through this again, right? Absolutely. Not to Absolutely. be back. What was it like? So you're out like two, three, four. You're in the hospital, but then it took a while for the news to get out. Mm -hmm. So like it's quiet. And then I'm sure there's like a flood of reaction. What mm -hmm. was that like once it kind of settled in that you weren't going to fight for the belt? Um, you know, it's tough, you know, it's heart wrenching because, you know, I've been working so hard for this and to get that close off of, um, something that, you know, I have to take responsibility for you mm -hmm. know, as professional. It's my job to make the weight, you know, I was sick, but I got sick trying to make the weight. Um, so it was tough, man. It's tough. It, you know, I ended up going to the fights that night and literally sitting cage side and watching really? watching the belt go by is is as for as heart wrenching as it is, like it, it also uh makes me even hungrier to wanna get it to get it back. It makes me even more motivated. Like, you know, I I right away was like, Clint man, let's <laughs> what we're gonna do, you know, talking to my coaches, talking to Clint, talking to everybody. Um so for for as heart wrenching as it was you know, this this game has ups and downs and you take some knocks. And I, I just happened to take a knock right before I was like arms reach from from my goals. And, you know, I got to do what I got to do to get back. So it is what it is. Why did you decide to go to the fights? Because I felt like that was a professional thing to do. Okay. I, I had a teammate on the card, Deanna Bennett was fighting, I had a bunch of friends from the house that were fighting. And I just felt like, you know, after talking to my family and my coaches, and I just felt like it was the right thing to do. Okay. You know, I'm a professional. I'm here. Y'all ain't getting rid of me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. might as well sit down. I thought maybe you would just go home. You, you wouldn't want to be around it, watch it, witness it. No. Be near it. My goal is to be the champion. Okay. My goal is to fight in the UFC for the rest of my career. My goal is to be the best woman to ever step foot in that cage. And I felt like part of my process of moving forward and, and getting back to where I was is to sit down at the fights and, and hold my head up and move forward. How was the UFC towards you once this became official? Did you speak to Dana White or Mick Maynard? How did they react to the news? Man, Mick and, Mick and Dana have been super awesome to me. Okay. Um, I didn't get a chance to uh, speak to Mick face-to-face, -face, but I did, did speak to Dana. Um, they were like, you know, you, you still got a job with us. And, um, you know, they asked me sort of what happened and what went wrong. And, you know, they've been nothing but great to me since then. They were great to me leading up to the fight. And they've been good to me since then. And the biggest concern was my health. They mm -hmm. was like, we want you to be healthy. And, and that's the biggest concern for us as a company. Um, and so, you know, I apologize for, for missing the weight because I do stick to it's my responsibility as a professional um, to make the weight. And so I told them, you know, I let you down for a main event, main card. Um, but I will be back. And that's what I told him. He said, hey, Kate, we just want you healthy and we'll be happy to have you. Are you going to be back as a flyweight? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Why? 
because it's my weight class. You believe I, so? I believe so. I believe this is my weight class. Uh, I, I will have to do some some changes. I think, uh, to be perfectly honest, I was a little spoiled in the house because I was able to cut so much weight. Okay. Um, what do you kinda, mean by spoiled? I was able to cut from I was able to cut twenty pounds at a time, and okay. it was hard, but I was cutting it. Okay. And I thought I would be able to do that oh, okay. one or two more times before I had time to revamp my body. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been doing martial arts for 10 years. I, in jujitsu, I fought at 163. In MMA, I've been fighting at 135. I've been walking around at 50, 55 for the last four or five years. Uh-huh. So it takes time to reframe your body. I'm probably going to have to cut back on a little, uh, little muscle mass and do what I have to do to walk at 145 but i have a lot of professional um professionals in my corner that look at my stature in my body and say that yes you do have the frame to walk in the low 40s in a healthy way okay and you can cut to 125 in a healthy way we just have to get you to that walk around weight and the cut from there is going to be just like everyone else's cut it's not going to be as dramatic as it's been so if my body can physically walk at flyweight without doing damage to my health then i'm a flyweight i'm not going to get chased out of the division because i made some miscalculations um, in this last cut. Do you feel like you're smaller? You're too small to be a, a bantamweight? Do you feel um, like you're at an advantage as, as a flyweight because you may be bigger? Yeah, I don't think I'm... Everyone says I'm bigger <laughs> as a flyweight, yeah, but yeah. if you look at my reach and my height, uh-huh. I'm actually smaller than most other flyweights. Wow, how tall are you? I'm 5'4". Okay, and what's you know your what reach? I mean? uh, like 67, okay. 68. You know, most of the girls I fought at... I mean, when I was fighting at bantamweight, these girls were cutting from like 55 and 60. They're 5'8", 5'9". Yeah. Their stature is just bigger. Yeah. Um, I believe I can fly, fight at Bantamweight because I think I have the size mm-hmm. to do it, um, but I don't have the height and the reach. And I think I'm more structurally um, successful at flyweight. Okay. So I just think it's just a matter of getting my walk around down. Um, so yeah, I'm a flyweight for sure. Prior to the Ultimate Fighter, how many times had you cut to 125 or 126? Once. Once. In 2000 and. 13 or 14. Were you nervous going into the, the house? No. No, why? Because I just knew it was my time. Okay. You know, I had cut to flyweight in like 2014 and it was a rough cut, but at the time there's only 115 to 135 in the UFC. So I kind of decided I should probably bulk up to Bantamweight right. to get into the UFC um, because there wasn't a 25 at the time. Right. And when they announced the Ultimate Fighter, I was like, boom, I'm in there. Absolutely. And I had already bought my plane ticket when they said, this is going to be for flyweight and for the inaugural belt. Okay. And I wasn't nervous because I knew this was my time. Okay. I knew I was going to do well in the house. I knew the wake up was going to be rough because I had been walking around as a band of weight. But I knew that, you know, I have, I've had IDEXA scans. I knew my body could do it. And so... Um, I just couldn't, I couldn't pass up an opportunity. I couldn't not try out because it was 10 pounds. Okay. I just couldn't not try to get my foot in the door and try to let the world know who I am. And I did exactly that. I knew I was going to have a hard time in the house, but I knew I was going to do well. You even had to cut your hair. I had to cut my hair. Damn. But now Great my hair. hair's cool now. Now yeah, it is super cool. <laughs> I've got like a manish bun thing That's happening. Cool. Yeah, I can put fade, designs design. on the side. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. But that, I mean, it takes a long time to get hair like that. It does. Did it break your heart? No. No. Yeah, my yeah. goals would be the champ, man. You don't this care hair, about the hair. It'll grow back. Yeah. All right. As long as I'm not a full baldy, that was the one thing. Okay, right? You yeah. got to leave some on the top. How for did me. you? How did you decipher like how much I should cut? You know, so, without going too far, right? I've been unnecessary. Grow- because I, I've been growing dreads for a long time and I okay. know they can be heavy, especially okay. once they get long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to, you know, I'd jump in the pool in your head. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had already, the sides were already gone, but the length was about shoulder length and I still had the whole back. Okay. And so I was kind of feeling around. Um, I actually give a little shout out to uh, Ariel Beck in the house. Okay. 
I was sitting there and I was like a half pound off and Ariel's like, didn't you tell me your hair is like a whole pound on its own? I was like, oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we just, you know, I just kind of felt around, just kind of know my hair. And I was like, I bet you if we just take the whole back off and then about three or four inches, I bet you that'll get us there. And we got to the snipping. Unbelievable. Off. Yeah. So and looking back on the experience, I mean, it doesn't necessarily end well. I know this is the beginning of your journey, but just being on the reality show, it's all done it's out there in the world. Are you happy with it? Absolutely. You were happy with the experience? Absolutely. Oh, I loved it. You did? I loved the house, yeah. What did you love about it? Man. It feels like a nightmare to me. If it, you know, How many weeks? Six? Six weeks, yeah. Jeez Louise, no contact with the outside world. None whatsoever. You recently had a kid. Yeah, yeah. How, did, how are you away from your kid for six weeks? It's incredible. You couldn't talk? Couldn't talk to my no kid. No FaceTime, no nothing. No FaceTime, no nothing. Jeez. Did it I came back heart? to a whole new kid. Yeah. yeah. She was like. <laughs> How old was she, she when was, she left? When you left? Uh, Six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. So she was a little tiny oh little. My gosh. She was just kind of laying there, just kind of looking around. Yeah. I back. She's like trying to sit up. She's like rolling over. She's like pulling bubbles. She had developed so much. That wasn't, that, that, that didn't hurt time. you? That wasn't and hard? It does. It It's hard. You know, it's hard to be away from your kid. It's hard to be away from the people that you love. But I, I set my daughter up for the whole rest of her life by getting this opportunity. No one would know who I am right now if I didn't do that house. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to fight Roxanne Montefiore for fight of the season. I got to fight Deanna Bennett in a good fight, Maya Stevenson. I got to be on TV every week right. on, on FS1. And I, I feel like I've set myself up for a career. It was I, worth it. Yeah, worth everything. Was there any point where you thought, I'm breaking here, I might not make it? No. Never? Damn. No, I mean, it's tough. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. It's tough. Um, you're in a house full of you know, four, 15 other chicks you don't know. Yeah. You're away from your family. And it's tough. You want to know what's going on. But if you really, if you stay focused on what the end goal is, like at, at the end of it, one of us is going to be the first ever UFC Women's Flyweight yeah. Champion. Yeah. If that don't motivate you, you don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to buy no food. You don't have to really concern yourself with what's going on at home because you don't know. Sure. So what's the point of fretting? I could be like, oh my God, how's my kid doing? Is she rolling over? Oh my God. Yeah. One of the things I did in the house is, you know, you're, you're allowed to bring a photo Okay. And put it up in your room like, uh, or whatever. Yeah. I didn't bring a photo. You didn't even do it. No. Why? Because because why should I sit up at night yeah. wondering like, oh man, what is my kid doing? What is my right. girl doing? What is my dad doing? What is everybody doing? Uh, that to me that just created anxiety. I just treated it as, you know, a martial artist on a journey. I have I have a mission to complete. I have to I have to fight three times in this house. I have to lose a hell ton of weight doing it, and I'm not gonna get out on the other side until I get through this through this house and through this tournament and I was laser beam focused I mean I went to every practice Mm. um, giving it my all I tried to learn as much as I could from the coaching I tried to get as I mean we got to live in a mansion so I got a robe from home and treated Uh it like it was my house I would go strolling around the backyard like this is my house you guys just live here (laughs) what was the worst part about being there um I mean the worst part is it gets boring it does yeah Yeah, you can only have a bible right yeah, you have a Bible or any other religious book. Um, Isn't it weird that they they just like like they exclude everything but the Bible? Like, yeah, if you're not you religious, get a Torah or a Quran. yeah, I know. But like, well, why does it have to be religious? <laughs> I why can't it just be your favorite book? I don't know, but I wish, man, I wish I could have brought at least just one book. One book. To the house. Um, they didn't. They didn't really play it, but Eddie managed to get us all. He bought us all a book called called the uh, the Power of Now. Okay. Um, and so after a lot of him and hawing we all managed to get this one copy of this one book really yeah I just mean, one copy yeah for one, all of you or no, you no, each no. got your we own, each got our own. okay we each got our own. they let you have it yeah oh really how'd so, you do that 
Well, I mean, I don't know. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully they're not going to yell at me for yeah, spoiling that. But, well, why, um, why that book? What was so, it's well, like a motivational book? Yeah, it's a motivational book. Okay. And Eddie and, and Mark Henry talked a lot about how he read that book and how that really helped him through a lot of his fights and a lot of his mental preparation and how this game is so mental mm-hmm. and how this book can really help you out through this experience. And I don't know if anybody else read it, but I, you know, I read it. You read it? Yeah. Whole thing? Yeah, yeah, whole thing. What a I mean, gift that must have been, right? Oh something God, to do. I just want something to read. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank At God. what point did you realize, oh, I want to be with these guys. When this show's over, I want to go with Mark. And very was, early. You knew. Very early on, yeah. Did you know Did you know them beforehand? No. Okay, first yeah. time you met them. Yeah. Okay. Because um, because I, I was with uh, Team Lloyd Irvin for most of, most of my career, and yeah. I had left Team Lloyd Irvin in January. So for a couple of months, I kind of was just like a little nomad. Okay, and why'd you so, leave? Um, just because I wanted something fresher. I wanted okay. to get out of Maryland. Um, I wanted, you know, better training partners, and I just wanted to sort of revamp my career. Okay. And sometimes, you know, you got to shake things up yep. to, to find a new start. And like I said, it worked out perfectly. I was a nomad, and I went to Tough. And before I even knew who the coaches were, I just had the faith in, in God and the universe that I would find my way. Wow. I was like, once I go into this house, I'm going to find my next path. Wow. I just trusted it. I just trusted that. I don't know who's going to pick me. I don't know who. We didn't even know who the coaches were until sure. we were in Vegas for like four days already. Wow. And um, I just was like, all right. And then once they said it was Justin or Eddie, I was like, well, one of these two guys is going to lead me to the next step. Wow. Eddie picked me. And it was funny. I, I didn't quite put it together. I saw Mark Henry. I was like, man, I know Mark Henry. And I was like, what isn't clicking all the way? And I was like, oh, he he coached Caitlin Chukagian, who I fought. That's right. In my first yep. ever CFFC, um, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and then I met I met Mark, who is a genius. I love yep. Mark Henry. Yep. Me and him clicked right away. Um, I met one of the Jamal nicest Patterson. people I've ever met. Right. Nicest guy, yep. man. And and I kind of told him I was like. You know, once we had a chance to really talk with just the coaches, I was like, you know, I don't have a home. And I knew that I would find my new home through this through this path of the ultimate fighter. And sort of, you couldn't really say much in the house, but we kind of was like, eh? Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. I was like, my girlfriend lives in New York, yeah? Perfect. So, <laughs> you could have ended up in Colorado. Yeah. With Justin Gaethje. Yeah. But well, your girl, I mean, this is perfect. Cause perfect, no, I'm home. Yeah. Um, you were two and two. or you? I mean, I guess officially you are two and two still, still right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got into the house. What, what did they rank you? 12. 12. Did you think that that was just? No. No. Not at all. <laughs> Did that piss you off? Um, piss, piss me off is a little strong. Okay. But it definitely was like, okay, well, I'm going to let you guys know that that was terribly wrong. Okay. <laughs> I mean, a little extra. Why do you think they ranked you that? It, it, not as much experience? Uh, I chalked it up to experience. I kind of thought maybe um, not as much experience, but I looked at some of the other records in the house, and yeah. a lot of the girls had similar records to me. Um, so I, I, I know I'm a relative unknown, but I felt like my jujitsu background would have carried me a little bit, Okay. but I guess in MMA, people don't know as much about my jujitsu background. Cause my jujitsu got compared to a lot of other girls in the house and, and no offense to any of them, but I don't think their jujitsu is anywhere near, near the record I have. So I thought my jujitsu would carry me up. And the two losses I took were to current UFC fighters. You got Caitlin, who's, um, I think was top 15 at the time that the trials were released. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Aspen Ladd, who had just gotten signed, Mm -hmm. um, to the UFC as well. So, um, I thought that those were close fights. They were decisions. Um, and I thought that that would not hurt as much. Because you just look at two and two, and I'm two and two to whoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just two and two. Right. You know, I thought I had good fights with experienced fighters. You said you've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. What were you doing before? Were you focusing solely on jujitsu? Yeah. How are you making money? 
uh, wasn't everything, it? Everything, right? <laughs> yeah, just took Every, a bunch everything of jobs. outside of martial arts. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Everything. Yeah, uh, Uber, uh, bouncing, bouncing. Uber, Uber. What, what were all the jobs? Uh, I sold cars for a little while. Oh, wow. I did all kinds of different security jobs. I worked security, like loss prevention at Macy's. Um, uh, I delivered pizzas for a little while. Um, I would work just doing like uh, marketing okay. and writing ads and doing stuff for other martial arts schools and. Um, cause I, you know, I can write a decent ad. So I would do a lot of articles and, and wow. web content, uh, emails. Um, man, I dipped into, um, uh, click marketing. <laughs> like I do whatever I Worst could. one. Worst one. Uh, bouncing. Bouncing. Yeah. That was terrible. It's worse to ba- worse bouncing. Uh, I heard you say it, it's worse bouncing for men than it is for, for women. Right. Yeah. Because all the other guys I knew that bounced were yeah. getting like, you, yeah, you know, these guys are drunk. You Fights. fight. Yeah. Fight them. They're trying to fight you? No, guys never mess with me. Okay. I, I got lucky. I didn't bounce for, for long. Okay. I was like, this is, first of all, for the most part, it's boring. You got to stand up until yeah. 3 o'clock in the morning. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> stand in one spot. Outside. Wake. Yeah. God, no. But for women, you just take their purse, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah everyone laughed at me at my school. Yeah. That's my, it? The yeah. key? Like, if someone's acting up, just take their purse and they're I done? Mean, for That's the, the one, key? the twice, the two times I did it, okay. yeah, I just it grabbed their purse. Yeah, I had, a, I had a buddy who was kind of showing me the ropes. He was like, because as a guy, he's like, I can't put hands on the women. I just That's grabbed right. their purse. That's right. And then they got, I can't do nothing about it. So as a female, I was allowed to grab whoever I wanted. I just never... I'll just yeah, yeah. make a couple of bucks here, get through the night. <laughs> so what was the goal? So you're doing jujitsu. Were you doing jujitsu to get to MMA? Yes. Or did you feel like, okay, so you didn't feel like jujitsu was going to be the means to the end? No, okay. there's not enough money in jujitsu. Right. I wouldn't, I mean, if it was, and, and I don't do this for the money, but you do at some point kind of get tired of living like, sure. <laughs> yeah. And I could have gone, you know, my mom teases me. I could have gone home at any point and asked for money and lived in her basement for sure. But you know, I wanted to make it on my own as an adult. And it's, um, jujitsu just the, the few people who do make enough money to make a living, it's such a small fraction. Right. And you have to really develop, you know, a lot of them have their own gyms and they start to get to that upper echelon of having multiple black belt world titles and they start to get seminars and, uh, sponsorships and things like that. But I never got sponsorships in jujitsu. Um, you couldn't, you tried. I tried. Okay. Yeah, no one really offered offered money. I always was. I mean, people offered me free crap all the time. Yeah, I was like, really you know, I'm, I got fifty million geese. I can't eat. Right, right. You know? Who introduced you to jujitsu? Was that was that your your first martial art? Mm-hmm. That was your introduction to martial arts, jujitsu. Um, not technically. Okay. I did karate when I was a kid. Okay. <laughs> but uh, as an adult, as an adult, yeah. Who introduced you to it? Um, I did. You just did it. Yeah, I was sitting around. I had a desk job. Okay. I also did a lot of desk work okay. over my couple of years. Nice. Um, and I would. It was funny. I just stumbled across like best knockouts on YouTube, and I used to watch like Tank Abbott, and then that led into like UFC links, and then I realized wow. you could watch it on TV. And so I used to watch UFC Unleashed. I would come home and just I was like, and I was just so intrigued. It's like, what is this? People fight for yeah. a living. It's crazy. <laughs> and um, I think it was. Um, I want to say uh, probably Nate Nate Diaz versus Diego Sanchez maybe. Yeah, yeah. And I remember watching them just roll around on the ground and was like, man, like what are they doing? Like, and I, I remember just Joe being like, what an incredible display of jujitsu. And I was like, man, I wonder what that is. Huh. And so I was super bored. I hated my job and was like, well, if I'm gonna go to work every day, I might as well do something afterwards. And plus, I was kind of a fat kid. I was like 200 pounds. And okay. I was like, let's lose some weight and do something fun. And uh, I googled. 
jujitsu and I first found like a little like karate school first and then a guy there was like I got a club down in DC and so it was literally just a bunch of guys like rolling around on like these wrestling mats after work yeah and one of the guys there was like you know you should check out either another split in my life he was like you should either go out to Lloyd Irvin's out in Camp Springs or you should go down to Virginia and check out De La Hiva. Okay. but you're pretty good you should you should find a real gym like we're just we're just fucking around. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so I ended up going to Lloyd Irvin's because that was the only place I could take the subway to. Oh, wow. <laughs> I couldn't get to Virginia. I didn't have a car at the time. And at what point do you say, oh, this is going to actually be like something I'm going to pursue? This is going to be a dream, a goal? Um, How do you there, go from the person who's trying to lose weight to that, to this? Um, well, I did my first tournament like two weeks in. Oh, wow. And so that was... How did the, it go? Uh, I think I won. I, I got like one of those participation medals. Okay. I won my first match. I just like poor girl was like fifty something pounds, oh, so man. big still. <laughs> just like roughed her up. Won my first match, and I just remember the adrenaline was so crazy after my first ever jujitsu match. I went in the bathroom and and barfed everywhere. It was like that was incredible. Wow. Like, I went home and was like, man. And then my second match, I got choked, which I thought was super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, some chick choked me. <laughs> I choked another chick. Oh my God, that was amazing. And so I started training as often as I could after work. And so my job, actually, I was a temp. And so every year my my contract came up. And so the year came up and they was like, do you want to renew your contract? And they kind of like, you know, ever since I kind of been slacking at work because I would come in late or go out early to go do (laughs) jujitsu. I was a jujitsu bum and they kind of were like, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to do here and you're going to have to really get serious if you're going to keep this job. And I was like, screw you guys. And I Any went piece? over, yeah, I went over to Lloyd's. I was like, I don't have a job now. I'm on unemployment. And and he was like, all right, well, let's start training all day. Wow. And once I started training full time, um, I realized how good I could be if I really put some effort forward. And so I just never started, you know, I never went back to that job and moved into one of the little fighter houses. And so you were making no money at this point? No, I was living off of uh, unemployment for like, four months wow. four or five months and then i started working for for lloyd was my first job after that okay at the school mm-hmm. okay yeah still and, whatever and then you decide to go pro um i didn't make my pro and may debut until man 2013 i think for invicta mm-hmm. um i wanted to do amateur early I, my first amateur fight was a wka mm-hmm. um mma which kind of just fell off the book somewhere it just disappeared on okay. that fight is. yeah <laughs> oh you was, can't find it no i can't find it it's okay. not any of my records it's not like anywhere online i keep looking for the video it's not in any of the wka records it was like this did you win it yeah yeah okay. i won rear neck and choke and like it was, i think there were like two minute rounds it was like a wka right. mma fight um that was 2010 and you know when i was at i was at lloyd's lloyd kind of said you know i was like i want to fight and he was like if you're gonna be serious about being an mma fighter you got to have some core. You got to have a base. All of the best, all of the champs have a core. Either they're strikers or they're wrestlers or they're jujitsu guys, but you got to have a core. And, you know, we're a jujitsu school. I think you're good at jujitsu. And so he, he designed my whole jujitsu game from the beginning to be top heavy, takedowns passing, because that translates into MMA so much better. Mm. And so the whole, the whole jujitsu career, I was still doing things like boxing and wrestling and judo. I was still doing other martial arts. But it was laser beam focused on jujitsu, so I could develop um, that core, and and it's definitely helped me a lot. 
It's funny that you say around 2013 or so, because that's when, you know, Ronda Rousey debuts and all that. So that's when I feel like the dream becomes more of a reality, right? You can actually, I mean, they don't have your weight class. Well, I guess your weight class at the time was maybe 135. It was only reasonable. (laughs) Yeah, you had to settle on that. But I feel like for a lot of women, that's when it's like, okay, now I can actually try to do this seriously, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember watching that fight? Yeah, for sure. The Ronda Liz Carmouche fight? Yeah. Where were you when you watched it? Oh, man, where was I? I was probably at a Hooters somewhere. Okay. For Buffalo Wild Wings. (laughs) One of those two. Um, It was funny, before that fight, though, I had had goals of being the best because I thought it was going to be Strike Force at the time. And so I was like, okay, I'll be Strike Force. And before that, I was like, I'll be Bodog. Like whoever was was the best at the time. But I remember that pro debut, and I remember Liz Carmouche taking her back and being like, Liz, you. Sorry, no offense to Liz, but I was like, that's not how you finish a rear naked joke. <laughs> I remember being like, it's over the face. She's yeah. going to get out. Yeah. Um, but it was thrilling. It was exciting. And it was just, you know, there's been a lot of fights. I've sat down at a Hooters or at home, on, you know, and watched and been like, wow, it's just so amazing that this is real. Like, mm. And women can be not only champions in the UFC, but we can get the same respect and the same pay and the same love as the guys. And it's it's amazing to be where we are now, and it's great. And it kind of does. It makes you be like, all right, so I'm definitely fighting for happen. something here. Yeah, and um, they, they they put out the salaries. It was 100 and 100 for the title fight, right? Mm-hmm. That I, th- I feel like that's one of the best ever. Oh, yeah. Like Tim the- Elliott, I don't know if you saw <laughs> Tim Elliott. He was all upset about it. Uh, saying like, oh, you know, I only got 50 to fight DJ when he fought for the belts mm-hmm. last year. Um, I don't recall a finale. I could be wrong. That was for 100 and 100. No, um, was- and then plus the, I think she won fight of the night too. Yeah, so another, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it was nice. Does that sting? <laughs> that probably, oh, yeah, it hurts the most. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. No, yeah, the money stinks, but it is what it is. And then, it, so you win the show, then what kind of contract did you get? Like, what was at stake there? Um, I, you know, I'm not sure, but my manager knows all okay. of that, but I'm, I know I'm probably on a different contract now. It's a different one now. Yeah, yeah. You're on the, the, just the cast member contract. Um, well, they, they send it over, but I haven't really, okay. you know, I send it over. My, my manager does all that. Fake but you are now. sticking around. Oh yeah. yeah you guys yeah, can't yeah. get rid of me that easily. No, uh, no, no. Were you surprised Nico made it to the finals? No. When she, she was be, 14, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. When she be, okay. When she be Lauren in the house, I kind of was like, okay, you know, tough fight. And I kind of felt like, like. Uh, Lauren more folded than than Nico, and Nico took advantage of that okay. and kind of duked that fight out. Then, uh, then when she fought Montana, I, I felt like they were evenly matched despite the rankings. So I kind of was like, oh, that's probably a toss up there. And Nico really duked out another tough fight. Um, but when she fought Barb, that's when I really was like, yeah, because when I saw the matchup, I felt Barb was going to be able to uh, figure her out and outstrike her. Um, and when Barb kept going into the clinch, I, I kind of really, it kind of really opened up my eyes to, to Nico's game. Mm-hmm. And I think she really likes that clinch. I think she likes to turn these fights into, into grinds and she's going to, she's going to go out on her shield. So mm-hmm. I think if you turn it into a nasty fight with Nico, she can pull things out. And so, you know, I kind of remember being like halfway through the Barb fight, like, yeah, I think Barb's losing this fight. <laughs> and you know, being on the other side, I was like, oh, let me pay attention. Hmm. And so I think Nico, similar to me, was probably a little overlooked okay. as far as her rankings. But I think the difference between me and Nico was even though I was ranked 12, most of the girls in the house didn't overlook me uh-huh. as 12. Yeah. Um, but I think Nico as 14 was overlooked probably okay. fight after fight. Do you think she won that fight against Roxanne? Yeah, okay. I think so. Were you impressed with her performance? Yeah, it was good. Okay. And, and she fought how I expected her to fight me too. Okay. I think she she... She did what she does. She's a lefty. She's got a little funky striking, um, but she likes to keep it 
grimy. I think she likes to get in that clinch. She likes to throw knees. She likes to press against the cage. Um, I was surprised. I was surprised at, at uh, Roxanne being able to take her down. I think once or twice, kind of easily. I thought, um, but it was a it was a back and forth battle, and I thought it was impressive. What do you say to you know the consensus? It seemed like on um, on Friday night after the fight was like, okay, she's the champ. But just wait until she fights Valentina. Just wait yeah. until she fights a Joanna if she yeah. moves down, mm-hmm. or even a Jessica I. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like she's getting a lot of respect as a UFC champion. How do you feel about that? I, I, I knew she wouldn't. This is kind of the stature of the game. This whole time I've been envisioning myself as UFC champ, and right. I kind of might might have looked ahead a little bit because I was like, man, as soon as I get the belt, everyone's gonna be like, right. Yeah. I knew whoever came out the house was gonna get overlooked. Okay. Um, because as a you know, in the MMA society, it's kind of like you get three three fights in a house full of other other chicks who aren't in the UFC. Just and you get a belt after four fights. Like I knew other fighters and media and fans would would sort of gripe and moan about it, um, and that whoever came out, which I thought was going to be me, but now now it's Nico is going to have a giant target on her back, and 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 they're going to gun for her. That's just sort of the nature of the game. How do you think she does against the Valentina? Um, Valentina's tough. Yeah, yeah. I I think because of the striking, I yeah. think Nico has a gap in her striking. I was really very much looking forward to Nico because I've been working on my striking a lot this camp. Um, you do but, some training at Gleason's too, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I've sparred at Gleason's quite a bit. Wow. Um, I I think the the gap between Valentina's striking and Nico's striking is probably a little challenging. Okay. Yeah. Now for you, what's the path? Like, do you suspect that you'll have to fight several times before getting back into a title fight? I'm sure I'll have to fight again. Okay. Um, how many times, I'm not sure. I think that depends on my performance, and that depends on how well I am, but I know I'm going to have to prove that I can make the weight in a safe way. So that's the first things first. My, f- my first um, priority is to get my walk around down as soon as possible, as healthily as possible, mm-hmm. and prove to the UFC and to all the guys that I can make the weight and I can be successful. I think I'm one of the most dangerous flyweights in the world. Just gotta get there without. You probably have to give your body a break now, right? Like realistically, when could you come back? Well, safe and healthy. I'm not sure. I have. I actually meet with with Clint from UCPI on Facetime a little later today. Okay. Um, and I think, and what me and him talked about before I left Vegas is I'm probably gonna have to get a DEXA scanned again. Mm -hmm. The last time I had a DEXA scan was like four years ago. The first time I tried to make flyweight. And, my and for muscle- those that don't know, DEXA scan? Yeah. What is um, it? So a uh, DEXA scan, you lay on this table and it looks like they're like photocopying you. Okay. And it, it, it tells you your exact muscle mass, your exact body fat, and your exact bone density. Okay. And, you know, as a professional, you can look at it and say like, okay. So the last time I had a, De- a DEXA scan was 2014. I had 120.1 pounds of pure muscle. And then it tells you your percentage of body fat, how much your body fat should be for your age, height, and weight, et cetera, um, and gives you all this fancy data okay. as far as what, how your body's constructed. So, like for example, you know, if my body, if I got a lot of body fat, you can lose body fat and then yeah. lean out. Or if there's uh, enough muscle, then you know you have to kind of slim down on your muscle mass. Or like my bone density when I had it was super heavy, so I can't get rid of that in okay. any way, shape, or form. So um, I probably need to be reevaluated and figure out where. Um, where we can chip away at my body and, and keep it healthy. What's the, the dream scenario for you, opponent-wise? Do you um, have someone in mind? 
no, for the return? No, I would like I would like a tough opponent though. Okay. So dream scenario, um, get my walk around down as soon as possible and get back in the cage as soon as possible at, at my weight, at flyweight. And I would like some I would like a fight that's gonna keep me in the heat for the title. Right. I think uh, even though technically I'm still two and two, I had really good performances in the house. Um, like if you look, I think I beat Roxanne pretty handily. And she had a, a a nice tight fight with Nico. Yeah. So in a perfect scenario, I want to fight whoever's going to keep me in the heat, whether it's someone from the house or someone from outside of the house. Mm-hmm. But I want to stay in that heat. I want to stay close because I'm gonna get that strap. What's Parenthood like? Man, uh, it's exhausting. <laughs> you came back to a six month old. Yeah. And you're like thrown right into the fire. Yeah. What was that like? Um, the, it actually was kind of strange because I felt like she recognized me when I got back. Oh, I really? really do. I really do feel like she was kind of like, the first day I walked in the door from the house, she kind of was like, I know you. Wow. She gave me a smile, but she still, because she spent all that critical time with her, her other mother, my partner, yeah. she's super close to my partner. Okay. So there's still times when I have her. Is and that she's hard? just like, yeah, she's like, no, I want my other mom. Like, okay. <laughs> but it's, it's fun. I kind of take, um, it's kind of strange, but I take more of a dad approach. Like okay. I can do the fun stuff. We go on walks, you know, I go to swimming classes with her, um, you know, I can feed her. But when she hits that middle of the night, nothing but some breast milk is going to help me. I'm like, yeah. yo, bro, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> you change diapers? I change diapers. You do all that? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I had my first, you know, parents always talk about that first time they, they go everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Book. yeah I had, had one that? of those, yeah. Okay, nice. When I got back from the house, like all up to the back of her neck, like, ah, oh, ah. Yeah, that's the worst. It somehow goes up. It goes up. Yeah. I, it's so confusing. It's a weird thing. I don't know what it is. I had to go, you know, you got poop on your hands. It's weird. Has that changed the way you approach your career now, now that you're a mom, mm-hmm. now that you have, you know, someone that is depending on you? Yeah, it does because for so many years I was content just kind of like, you know, hanging out and being broke and sure. making it. Being somewhat know. selfish, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't yeah. have to worry about yourself. Yeah. Honestly, you know, if I, to be honest, when I was hurting for that cut, it, it was my daughter that made me say something out loud like, y'all, I think oh, something really? might be wrong. Wow. Yeah. Because the whole time I'm like, think about my kid, you know, there's a lot of money online, it's a big opportunity, it's a championship fight. And, and when it came really down to the wire, I, I didn't want to be one of those, you know, headlines that, you know, kid dies in sauna trying to cover. Oh, yeah. And it did. And I was like, you know, someone, I can't even remember now. Someone's like, yo, you got, you know, think about your kid. And it was designed to be like, oh, let's get this weight off. But I got like six more pounds thinking about my kid. And yeah. it got to the point where I was like, you know, if I'm, yeah, something's wrong. And I thought about her like, all right. I can't because she don't know. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, I come home. She's just like, oh, she's happy. She's just happy to see me. She didn't come to Vegas. She did. Oh, she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. (laughs) Damn. First flight. Sorry, honey. Not her first flight. No. Really? Yeah, we take her all over. As a six month old. Yeah, she. I mean, we've been to Florida with her because my my partner has family in Florida. I've got family in Maryland still, so we've been to Maryland and Florida on the plane with her. When did you meet your partner? How long ago? Uh, about four years ago. She's cool with you being a fighter. Yeah, I kind of swindled her at first. How so? <laughs> she was like, oh, I don't want anybody. When we had first started dating, I hadn't made my pro debut yet. Okay. And so she was like, you know, she was telling me how she had dated a DJ once. And, you know, this girl was all out in the public eye and people would come up to her and she couldn't yeah. walk down. You know, and I was like, she was like, so I don't want to date anybody that's going to be all like on TV. <laughs> I was like, TV, girl, no, what? <laughs> me, get out of here. And we was like, 
and I made my pro debut uh, for Invicta, and it was on UFC Fight Pass. And she was like, "This is an awful lot like TV." And yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no way. Internet. Yeah, yeah. And then, like years later, she's like, "I cannot believe you talked me into this that's lifestyle." This, oh, that's unbelievable. <laughs> and then you're on a reality. I got her now. Yeah, everything. I'm like, now. Yeah. Um, where does the name come from? Sajara. Yeah. Um, my dad. Um, my dad's godmother. Okay. But um, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, I'm not 100% sure where I'm from. I've done all kinds of Googling and name book reading and figuring out. And everyone in our family has an African-based or Arabic-based name. Okay. Um, but I'm the only one that doesn't know 100% where it comes from or, or what the meaning is. So okay. There's some debate. My mom says it means quiet waters. You know, my, my dad and some of the other people in the family says it means... Uh, tranquility. Okay, um, sort of the same. Yeah, yeah, it's a great name. Thank you. Uh, so, your fa- is your family from Africa or Arabic? No, we're we're just classic uh, Black Americans. Okay, <laughs> but um, I guess the history. My my grandfather on my dad's side, um, and his mother. So both my grandparents uh, uh, changed all their names in the seventies when everything was like you know, yep. you know, Black Panthers and, yep. and hippie and and my grandmother on my dad's side ended up converting to islam oh wow in the 70s and 80s okay. and so my father was actually born christopher and his name got changed to segun wow and then it, it my grandpa's name went from like I, I can't remember his original name but he's musa now and so then it, it sort of spiraled we've got damani and jabron and yasmin and Muntaha. we got all kinds of do you do you, do you practice islam no okay no no you're just yeah atheist? no way i'd be uh, yeah um I, I don't I don't say atheist because I do believe in, in a higher being. I do believe in higher power. And I do believe that there's another force outside of us. Um, and so I'm really spiritual, really faithful. Okay. Um, I, I do think, um, I, I use the word God, but I know it can be like a little overused. Right. But I think there is a, a more infinite power than ourselves. And I believe wholeheartedly in that. And, and that faith and that belief in a higher being is what yeah. got me through through that house and through through all the way up through my life and up until this point and what's going to carry me forward absolutely are your parents cool with you being a fighter are they ha- are they yeah. content with this yeah okay. they're content now they don't feel like you failed them or anything like that or vice versa no they failed for, you? uh no no, no okay. way yeah for a long time my parents still wanted me to go back to school because i dropped out of college okay um where'd you go uh, i was going to morgan state in okay. baltimore for a little while okay um so I told her, I was like, maybe one day I'll go back to online school and just get the paper just because because uh, I wasted a lot of money going to college and not finishing. Um, but I don't I don't have any desire to. My parents are so supportive and so full on to, to my career and what I'm doing. And they've been incredible. Did they go out to Vegas? Um, my dad came out. My dad and his wife came out. Was that the toughest part? I think that All was. People, yeah. You got a lot of people there for you, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, but at that point I was in the hospital once I told everybody, so everyone was just trying to rush out to the hospital. Oh man. And then I was trying to sign myself out. I was like, don't hurry. I'm trying to get out of here. Yeah. Was that the toughest thing you've ever been through? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And do you feel like you're getting back to normal now? Like, but like, Oh, is feel- it physically the toughest yeah. thing? It was physically. Well, and, uh, both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Physically and, and mentally. Yeah. It was definitely the toughest thing I've ever been to in my career. Um, but I, I take, I take pride in, in, in being a champion and being a martial artist and, Nothing is, and, and to me, it, a, a knock this hard is nothing but a setup for something better. Mm. That's the only way to look at it. You know, I could easily just be like, oh man, this sucks, and I'll just go to 35 or I'll just do something, but there's, I, I'm a champion, and, and that's it. I, there's no other, I've always believed I was going to be a champion. I've always believed I was going to be a UFC champion. I thought it was going to be on Friday, um, but it's not. But I believe that when when something hurts that bad, 
yeah, you have to regroup and come back and keep pursuing your goals. There's no, there's no stop. There's no quit. So, um, it does hurt though. I ain't gonna lie to you. That joint, yeah. that joint hurt pretty bad. Just look at your coach, Eddie Alvarez. Look what, I mean, he was champion, lost it in like, you know, w- one of the worst ways possible, right? Yeah. Against Connor on the biggest stage. Look at him now. I'm sure you yeah. saw the fight on Saturday. Yeah. yeah, it was incredible. He's incredible, this incredible guy. Incredible fight. He looked good. He's like, the, he, he is the, the, the symbol of perseverance. Yeah. You know, like he, he just keeps coming back and the fight, I mean, that was just, I was blown away by that yeah. performance on Saturday. That has to inspire you a little bit, Absolutely. right? To see him. Absolutely. I trained in the same room as Eddie. Right. You know, you got, yeah, Frankie Edgar, uh, Essen Barbosa, Mike yeah. Henry, like. What a team, Marlon Marais. Uh, yeah. Marlon, yeah, yeah. It's a stable of incredible guys and I, I, I wouldn't, I, I would be faking this whole time if I let this knock me. Hmm. You know, I just got to, you know, some miscalculations. I missed, missed my cut, and I have have to just get back on the horse. If anything, I'm ready to train tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, well, take it easy. It's impressive <laughs> yeah, yeah, the way you're handling me. it. It really yeah. is. Uh, kudos to you on that. I'm sorry it didn't work out, but I appreciate you coming on and talking about it. And it's great to meet you. Thank great you. to get to learn more about your, your journey, and I look forward to seeing you get the fight for that belt sooner rather than later. Thank you. Next time we talk, uh, hopefully that's what Well, I mean, it, that, that, that could be some time. I mean, hopefully not, but hopefully we can talk uh, you know, before that as yeah, well. Yeah. I wish you the best, really. Thank you so All much. All the best to you and your family and, and, and your, your, your little daughter. Parenthood is the best. It is. I, I speak very highly of it. it. I have three children myself, so thank you. Nice. Uh, good luck, and uh, we'll talk soon, and thank you again for coming in. Thanks for having me. I love All right. the show. Awesome. Thank you. Joe over here is going to walk you awesome. out. Thank you so much. Thank Sajara. you. Thank you. Remember the name. She'll be fighting for the belt sooner rather than later. I have no doubt of that. Thank you so much for stopping by. And keep the hair, by the way. It's fantastic. All right. There she is. Sajara Eubanks was scheduled to fight for the inaugural UFC flyweight title on Friday. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Uh, Told the story very well. Uh, We've heard these stories before. Failed weight cuts, things of that nature. But she is handling it, um, I think, with... You know, the the best amount of grace possible and uh, kidney failure is no joke. There's no doubt about that. Kidney failure is absolutely no joke and you got to take some time. You got to regroup. You got to be smart. You got to be healthy, but you heard it here. She's going to stick around at 125 and she's going to try to go for that belt. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the 125 pound division because I still feel like it's in a bit of flux here. Like, who is Nico Montano? How good is she? How will she compare to some of the veterans of the UFC? How does she compare it to a Valentina Shevchenko? How does she compare it to a Paige Van Zandt, to a Jessica I, to a Caitlin Chukagian, to some of these fighters who um, have fought inside the octagon? Uh, it, it's hard to gauge off the show. And I, and I do believe that she has a massive uh, bullseye on her back at this point. I do believe that there's a lot of people who feel in the division that they can beat her. And so how's the UFC going to book her? How much time is she going to take off? Remember, Carlos Barza won the show um, in uh, December, around the same time as now, and then returned in March, and Ioana and Jacek rolled right through her. So are they going to learn from that? It's going to be really interesting to see how it all pans out. So I appreciate Sajara Eubanks for stopping by. Thank you so much to her. Thank you to her team for setting it up, and uh, wish her the best. Hopefully she gets better soon and is able to get back on track sooner rather than later as well. Now, one person who we've talked about all show long, whose name was brought up on Friday, whose name continues to be brought up as the future queen of the flyweight division. Everyone believes that it's inevitable that she will become the flyweight champion of the UFC is the one and only Valentina Shevchenko. Very curious to hear what she thought about it all, the show, the fight on Friday, the title fight, what's next for her, all that and more. She is kind enough to be joining us via the magic of Skype. So let's go to Valentina Shevchenko who is standing by. Valentina, how are you? 
Hello, Ariel. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's good to talk to you. So as I said, uh, your name has been brought up a lot over the last few days since the title fight happened, uh, during the title fight, before the title fight, after the title fight, everyone's like, yeah, uh, that was all great, but wait until she fights Valentina. And so let me ask you, did you watch the title fight on Friday? And if so, what did you think of it? Of course, I, I saw the fight it because it's for me all this um, weight class all division is very interesting because it's my future weight class. So I was like uh, um, every time looking who is uh, winning the fight. And of course, we was watching at the house um, the final of Top 26. And I think it was very good interactive fight. It's like five rounds no stop no one girl wa uh, wanted to quit and they show like both girls and R roxanne and nico they show like very big heart and they put everything um on the mat so i really enjoy because it was like some kind of very entertainment fight did you think nico did enough to win the fight i think she did everything that she could um i hope so but okay no, but um, we, we, it's better every time ask her if she did everything. Sure. But I think she did because sure. it looks like that she did. When you watch that fight, do you agree with people who say, oh, wait until she fights Valentina. Uh, she's not on Valentina's level. She's just holding the belt for Valentina. In other words, when you watch that fight, do you feel like you are exponentially better than her and that if you do fight her next, it's only a matter of time before you become champion? You know, it's like in my um, fighter experience, you never, it, it's never you can say things like this, you're better of someone, because it gives you uh, some kind of wrong confidence that you cannot trust. And if you are too much confident in your power, every time on the fight, it will affect you because you will not prepare in the same power. You you won't do the same things that uh, when you are preparing for some uh, opponent that you are thinking oh it's very dangerous that's why um i know exactly every time in my fighter career i was preparing for each fighter like it's very dangerous fighter and uh, if i had to have to fight like next nico i will prepare in the same like it's very dangerous uh, opponent for me and the same way that i did uh, preparing for my fights with holly Holm, juliana pena uh, amanda nunes every time i will do the same is it 100% that you're moving down to 125, that your next fight will be at flyweight? 200. 200%, okay. Um, do you know when your debut will be? Um, exactly. We, um, my team, my manager, we was requesting UC to um, make as soon as possible. I wanted to do it like maybe... Um, early next year but it's a, a little bit difficult to find opponent for this date but we are still um like in negotiation about everything and i hope we will find soon the name of the opponent and of course i don't want to wait too much time because i know nico she is injured she broke her leg and i don't want just to wait and sit without the fight because i'm a fighter and i want every time this like movement move, movement forward and i want just to fight this is this is what most important for me before the fight on Friday, were you told that you would be fighting the winner, that you'd be fighting the winner of Tough, and that you'd be getting a title shot in your flyweight debut? 
Uh, I never saw. I n- never tell this. Okay. But, uh, of course, uh, for me, it's number one that to fight for the title uh, again, <laughs> but now in 125, and I will do everything. It doesn't matter for me if I have to um, have one fight before it. Okay, I will do it. Yeah, but uh, my main goal it's. Uh, to be the champion, it doesn't change since uh, doesn't matter. I move for, from 135 to 125. Uh, my goal is still the same, to be the champion. Can you clear up what happened between you and Paige Van Zandt? Because there was a report that came out that, that um, you said that she was offered to you. She was on my show last week. She said she was never offered a fight against you. What happened? Were you offered a fight against Paige Van Zandt? And, and in your opinion, did she turn it down? Um, this is like um, I I tweet this I post it because uh, I don't like this kind of uh, if you are saying something so and you are sure about okay I will fight for the title next next you have to prove that you deserve it if you are uh, like you have to fight with the best ones and if you want a title you have to fight like in the top levels uh, opponents so um I know exactly. I never like put into their uh, this um, negotiation about the fight myself, mm-hmm. but uh, my team, my manager, they was speaking with UFC, and this is that uh, the information that I received that she turned it down. Now she will say whatever she wants, but doesn't matter for me. I never saw, think about her like uh, um, really um, opponents that it's on front of me for the title and uh, it was like just maybe for entertainment fight it could be but uh-huh. um, the title it's different right uh, were you um excited about that fight did you really like that fight i have to admit i was surprised that they wanted to book that fight if in fact they did because i just feel like right now you're a bit above her um did you like the fight was it something that interested you um uh, exactly what is interesting for me it's fight for the title okay this is what and uh, what is what is what uh, was like my intention about this tweet it's like you have to respond for your words it's not only that is you can put whatever you want no you have to respond for it if you are saying i will fight for the title explain why explain why and then show the people that you deserve it this mm. is my reason. It's like not just throwing uh, words on the wind without nothing. No, you have to have like some some kind of background under these words. Um, looking at who's available at 125, looking at the fighters who are coming down from 135 or coming up from 115, the fighters in the show, who do you feel like is, you know, some of the people that you'd have to go through? If it's not going to be a title shot right away, if Nico's going to be out due to the broken foot, who are some of the best that you see out there right now? Is there someone in particular that you have your eye on? Uh, you know, it's like uh, for for right now, for this moment, it's very difficult to say uh, about who. Because I think 125 is still forming this hmm. great division. And I think it's, uh, uh, yes, we have uh, all these girls who fought in uh, Reality 26, Top 26. But I think it's not complete yet. And more girls, they will go down from 135, more girls, they will go up from 115. And also we have outside of UC, very like good, talented girls, very dangerous opponent. That's why it's uh, so, um, 
I think in the future, maybe like one month, two months, we will, I hopefully we will have all like complete, uh, complete weight class 125. And then we can speak about what I see, what I think, because for now I see that uh, more girls from outside will come into this uh, weight class. Did you watch the, the Ultimate Fighter? And if so, did you like it? Uh, not all series. Some of them, yes, I watched. And uh, it's very nice. I every time said that it's very beautiful to see like um, um, girls who are making these like big things because to fight and uh, the same time to do the show, it's very difficult. You have to show your fighter skills, your actor skills, everything. And um, really, I'm very uh, glad that female force it's now on this kind of level because um, I very, very, every time very glad and when I see so, uh, so many girls who do martial arts and uh, for me, it's the best. You don't have to change much as far as your lifestyle or diet now that you're going down to 125, right? I mean, this is not going to create some sort of drastic lifestyle change, correct? Uh, not much, not much. It will be basically the same that I was doing, just a little bit more, um, maybe before the fight, a little bit more diet, because mm. uh, I really don't like this, uh, like, fat weight, maybe 10 plus 10 pounds, plus not one week, maybe two days. I don't like this extremely cutting weight, because it, that's why I prefer uh, to be like 130, uh, for the fight week and just to cut this uh, five pounds for the fight day. That's why I will have a little bit diet. Okay. Um, are you over uh, the actually, fight again? Go ahead. Right now, actually, right now I'm on my diet and I want to be like prepared in case we have something like uh, okay. and I have to fight like maybe two weeks. I will be ready. Okay. <laughs> Um, are you over the fight against Amanda, the rematch? Have you moved on? Uh, of course, it's on my mind every time. We have unfinished business with Amanda. For now, my focus is 125. And after, i like sure 100% that we will come back and speak with her again. <laughs> you were so close to winning the belt. Ultimately, why are you deciding to go down to 125? You did so well at 135 in the UFC. You beat some of the best. Why even go down? Uh, you know, it's like my natural weight class, 125. Uh, when you see sign me, I didn't have another option than 135, 115. For me, I don't want to struggle and have these old problems of cutting weight too much because I'm um, more like healthy style and I prefer to have enough power for the fight. That's why um, 135, I didn't cut nothing and I feel like very strong in this weight class and yes I feel good this but uh, 125 it's more natural weight class for me and you know I feel like uh, fighting with the same sized opponent opponent I I will be able to show like uh, more technique from me and more skills and this is what I want to show the beautiful fight with be beautiful technique and beautiful like good heart by the way, before I let you go, I have to ask, what about your friend and training partner, Rose Namajunas, uh, finishing Ioana Janjacek the way she did? Unbelievable. One of the great stories of the year. What was your reaction when you saw that? 
you know, I knew from the first seconds when I heard that they will fight, I knew that Rose will win because I tried the power of Rose and I tried the power of Joanna and I know exactly like... Um, what powers the both girls they have and i knew and everybody was asking me before their fight who you think will win and i every time was saying yeah, it will be rose everybody didn't believe me but after the fight uh, it's like no doubts because uh rose she's um, not only like striker she is not only grappler she is mma fighter and what's important she's complete fighter because she can grapple as same good as wrestle as same good um, as boxer but to the boxing and muay thai whatever and all these um uh, training camps that we had together it was it was not like easy training it was very hard training and um, it's uh, make her like um very like focused person and uh, before the fight Joanna was putting too much pressure on her but I I never doubt that she will uh, she will go over it Rose will do her thing she will be focused only on her fight and uh, just to show the skills and this is what we saw and I'm very happy for Rose because she deserved it and I know exactly she will be very good champion for 115 and uh, I think for like long time. Wow. So you think she wins the rematch? No problem. I yes, I think so. I know exactly that Joanna will put like more power on her training, more concentration. She will do her best, but um it doesn't change. Wow, that's unbelievable. Um last thing for you in a perfect world, when do you want to fight again? Do you have a month in mind? Uh, not yet. Uh, beginning of the year, it will be fine for me. And um, just I'm ready already helping to my sister or to prepare for her MMA fight in 22 of December in Dubai. So doing everything that I was doing for my training camp and uh, to be ready every time. Valentina, great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for doing this. Great to have you on Skype for the first time as well. And uh, good luck whenever that flyweight debut is. I'm sure we'll be talking around then. So uh, enjoy the holidays. And, and of course, good luck to your sister in her next MMA fight as well. Thank you very much, Ariel. Have a good day, you too. Bye. All right. Thank you. There she is, Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, in many people's eyes, the number one contender in the UFC's flyweight division, the new UFC women's flyweight division. We'll see what happens with Nico's foot if she does get a crack at the title first um, and how the whole division pans out. All right. This is the one you've been waiting for, my friends. I said at the top of the show, uh, so impressed with Max Holloway, not only as a fighter, as a champion, as a human being, as a representative for the sport, what he's doing right now, the breath of fresh air that he is, the old soul that he is, the old school fighter that he is. I mean, what more can you say about the guy? 12 in a row, only man to defeat Jose Aldo twice, the first UFC featherweight champion to successfully defend the title since October of 2014. He has brought stability back to the organization, and he is a man of his word. Two months ago when he was on the program, he said, December 4th, after UFC 218, when I win that fight, when I successfully defend my title for the first time, on my birthday, no less, 26 years young, I will come back on this program and we'll talk about it all. And he reached out to me yesterday morning. I didn't even have to reach out to him. He had the presence of mind to reach out to me and say, don't forget. Of course I didn't forget. And now let us welcome the birthday boy himself, the reigning defending UFC featherweight champion, 
the one and only Max Blessed Hallway with Mini Blessed. How are you? Oh my God. There he is. More popular, more famous than his dad now. I know this guy. Hey, what's up? How yeah, are you? I I had to text you. Or I'm doing good. I had to text you and remind you to be on the show because you're telling me about uh when you're trying to get me on the show before the fight. I didn't, I didn't want to do no media. I was over it. And you said, oh, you kind of hurt. I know you was joking around, but I was kind of hurt after when you didn't text me after the fight and be like, no. hey, we're gonna do the show, right? I was like, this guy's fucking trying to ice me. He's trying to pull the UFC on me. Huh? No. <laughs> First of all, do you like the music? Is it? Is, do you know this song? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. This is this is Happy Birthday in Hawaiian, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, guys. That's sick. I only can hear it now. It's very soft. Yeah, you guys are too much. All right, all right. You know we got to give respect. Listen, you win the belt. You, you know, you successfully defend the title. You beat Jose Aldo, 12 in a row, all this stuff. You got your, your family there, your son, your, your whole crew. I don't want to bother you at 3 a.m. in the morning and ask you. So I wanted to give you some time to party in Detroit. And then I was going to hit you up after I landed. And you hit me up first. I got to say, I, was, I got emotional when I read that text. I couldn't believe that you even remembered our deal. It was unbelievable. It said so much about who no, you are. I, so thank I you. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, boss. Thanks for having Trust, trust me, I was going to bother you within a matter of moments. Um, okay, this is so great. Thank you for doing this. All right, let's talk, Max. Um, compare December 2nd to back in June. Which performance against Aldo did you like better? Uh, I, I like this performance better. You know, the first round was... Uh, the first round of the first one, or actually the first two rounds, like we said, people have been talking about it. That's all they talked about the first fight. You know, they didn't even talk about me really, really winning the fight. They was all like kind of cutting it like being like oh you lucky this and that and you lucky jose didn't show us late kick so you know the first round i think so i took a lot of a lot of damage and uh i think so the damage control in the second one was fun you know i took a lot of damage in this one because i was there's this fight i was talking about the lomachenko fight lomachenko his last fight before this one that's coming up uh yeah he put his hands his head in his opponent's hands and he's moving his head and like telling him to punch him and that's what i was telling him in the third round i was like this is where you punch me you can punch me now and i was trying to do it i couldn't move i had a fat blister on my feet before the fight and it was ripping every round and in that round when my coach is telling me uh move my feet move my feet i was having a hard time moving my feet because i felt it just completely ripped so uh, I was hoping that uh, we got out in that round and um, that's why I was planting a little bit more and things land. I got the fight done and I didn't have to worry about that big ass blister underneath my foot. <laughs> wow. How does it feel now? I feels good. It's still, it's still ripped. I probably got to, I, I taped it after I taped it so I could walk around and stuff, but I should probably cut it off. It's just a fat piece of skin. So it's disgusting. How did he feel? Did he feel like the same kind of fighter? Did, did, did he seem better to you? Did he seem worse? How would you assess him? Uh, he, you know, he felt, he felt way more, uh, way more controlled. Like how he said he was, you know, he said, uh, he said he was going to be, uh, I was tripping out when I came out. I thought so. He was getting ready for two outdoors. He was getting ready for an outdoor that was going to come out and sprint at me really, really fast. Or uh, Aldo that was, uh, or same Aldo that was gonna happen the first fight, you know. And um, I, I, he actually came out way more slower than I thought he would, you know. He was actually taking his time. I even, I even told him I was in the first round. I was jabbing him when he jabbed me, and I jabbed him back, and we was like exchange jabs. I was like, oh, nice jab. 
I even told him, well, you're taking your time. Nice, bro. And then he told me, thanks, bro. It was funny. We was talking in there. You know, we was having fun. You know, I was having fun. And uh, it, was, it was a good time, man. I got to I got to share the octagon with a legend again twice. So, you know, I was living it. I was living in the moment. Do you get the, the sense, Max, that if you fight this guy 15 more times, 10 more times, that you're just going to beat him every time? <laughs> Mini Bless now. He's a superstar, yeah. so he wants, a, yeah. he wants his airtime. <laughs> You know, sometimes we've seen yeah. guys like Aldo and, and Edgar or Mike Brown and Uriah Faber where, you know, a guy just has another guy's number that you'll always just be better than Jose Aldo. You know, it's, it's man, you, you can't tell. It's MMA, you know. It's just been my nights. The two times we we uh, we we got to share octagon, it's just been my night. You never know, man. We got these little gloves. I can land something. He can land something. And like I said, man, that night my shot just was landing a little bit more. And it was affecting him a little more than his shots was affecting mine, you know. And I, just so happened, he was the, he was the one to fall that night, you know. And um, I'm just blessed, man. You know, you can't like I said before. Like I told you guys at the press conference, I, I heard what his I heard what his motivation was, you know. His motivation uh, for this last fight was his daughter, you know. He wanted to get a win for his daughter, and and um, he never got to do that. And and as a parent, you know, it's me having my son there and everything. I, I understand, man. I get it. And the, and the fight game, man, it's brutal. It's not fair. And I just I just hope he knows that he doesn't owe anyone anything. That man should stop thinking he owes anyone anything. You know, in Brazil, in all the favelas, people should be making statues as a legend, man. He's a GOAT. People are trying to give me that GOAT status and, and the greatest of all time. But there's a bunch of uh, records that he holds. Until I beat him, then I'll, I'll consider myself there. But I got a lot. I got a lot. Of, I got a lot to fill. So got a lot of shoes to fill. So I'm here. You know, I'm here, and I'm I'm ready to take all comers. Why did you decide to take your son to this fight? His, his first fight that he gets to watch of you in person. Why did you decide this one? Ah, you know, I just that was the was the bill fight. You know, my first title defense. Finally, he, he was actually begging me for the fight. You know, he's actually begging me to come to this fight. He's like, I want to come. I want to come. And, uh, you know, I, before I'd be weird out about even having family there, you know, I, I get so, my, my they just want me to concentrate. My coaches, they want me to concentrate and on the fight and this and that. And I get so worked up. I'm so loving with my son and, and my family and my mom. Them, I worry about everybody. And, uh, you know, fighting is selfish. You know, you got to be selfish. So fight week and stuff. So that's come my family don't usually come, you know, because I kind of like being selfish and like kind of whatever. Like friends and family, friends is cool, whatever, because they, they get it. Most of the guys are fighting, but most of my family stuff, they don't understand it yet and rush, you know, I'm a father. And sometimes my fatherly figure might want to take over fight week when it shouldn't, you know, I got I got the biggest fight of my life coming up. and But he was, he was begging to come, you know, and then I sat down and I thought, you never know when this ride ends, you know. You don't know when it when this ride ends. It can end tomorrow. It can end today. It could end de- December second. So I wanted to make sure he got to taste uh, what it was. Got to see a championship fight, and uh, this happened. Everything went my way. You know that guy's crazy. After the fight, uh, he told me he came up to me and like, Dad, Dad, could you hear me? I was like, No, I couldn't hear you. He's like, What were you saying? He's like. I was telling you to slap Jose Aldo. I was like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? And he's like, yeah, you're supposed to slap him. You told me you was going to slap him all camp and you did it. And it was funny, man. He, he's amazing. Did you have at least the presence of mind? Like, did you did you think to yourself, oh, he's here 
and I have to I have to win for him. Like, did you were you cognizant of where he was in the arena? Did you did you think oh, about him? Where, yeah, I know where he was. Yeah, right when I walked in, they was right behind me. Dana White gave him a seat at, at, the, <laughs> at the broadcast system. Oh wow! They was right behind me. I just posted a picture on Instagram. You can see he's holding the flag right behind me when they was holding my flag for me, and um, it, it was huge, man. You know, I know where he was. I looked at him and everything. You know, I, I saw him when I was walking back and forth. I'm very aware in there. You know, I see, I saw, I, I saw a bunch of people in there. When I'm walking around, I see people. And people just nod their head and they maybe they think I'm nodding back. I really am nodding back at you guys. I see you guys, you know, I was, I was calm. I was I'm relaxed and I know what I got to do. I got a job to do and uh, it's, it's fun, you know, it's a fun time. And, and your, your son is hardcore. He came there for the first fight. He was in the front row dabbing him for the first yeah, fight. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I saw everybody. I was at the hotel. Yeah. And people, I saw UFC and everybody and uh, and people there was texting me and being like, look at your son, man. He's going crazy. <laughs> I text my mom. I was like, mom, you know, I'm not going to fight till like 12 o'clock. Right. And she's like, your son wanted to come and watch all the fights. And I was like, okay, whatever. So they went and he ended up sleeping. He ended up falling asleep for like, uh, at like, at like during like the third or third fight I think or fourth fight they said and they woke up right before my fight like he slept through Yancey's fight he was oh like he, after the fight he walked up to Yancey uh, Yancey came back from the hospital we, we had this thing at the hotel a little dinner for us and Yancey came walking in and he walked up to Yancey all, all bummed he's like Uncle Yancey, I'm sorry. He's like, sorry for what? I slept through your fight. <laughs> and Yancey was laughing, you know. He felt so bad that he fell asleep there, Yancey's fight. But he missed out, you know, on that. But it was fun, man. He, he He's a fan. You know, he does jiu-jitsu and he loves it. That was actually my first question as a parent. How did you get him to stay up to like one? He's at the post-fight press conference sitting in the front row. And now I know he took a nap in the middle because I know my kid would never be able to stay up. Where were you when Yancey had his fight? Where were you watching that? Uh, we was uh, we was uh, we was watching uh, uh, on our phones. Uh, we was uh, I had to check in. That's when I had to check in and head down to the arena. We was heading down to the arena already. By the time his fight was started, and uh, and I we was I was getting hyped, man. Look at that guy trying to sneak behind me. It's so funny. Uh, I was I was hyped, man. That fight that fight was so crazy. Me and uh, me and my my boy Michael Nakagawa, Smash Boy One Twenty Five, we was losing our minds, man. I was excited. I, I'm glad uh, he got to start the wave and. I came in and I got to finish it. Is that the kind of thing that gives you like a little extra push when you see him do something like that, have a fight like that? Okay, now it's my turn. Oh, yes. You know, yes, it does. You know, it just gives you positive energy and this, you know, and uh, I look, I was with this guy for the last six weeks, six weeks tra- training. We see each other at our worst. We see each other at our best. You know, I talk talking about this and that. Me and him talk about well, it was mostly me talking about all the food I want to eat after and huh. the things we miss because he's pretty he's pretty light for their weight. But um, you know, it's just the grind, you know, the grind that me and him had to go through, and it's always great having someone there. And when you see someone's success, you see how much hard work everybody only get to like you know a lot of people, a lot of fight fans, they only see us in there for fifteen to twenty five minutes or half an hour, whatever you guys see us go out there and perform. You know, but there's so much things behind the scenes that uh, that goes on that unseen and untalked about. And I'm there with the guy, so I'm not too but excited for him. You know, I, like I said, I hopefully the rankings came out. The rankings come out. Hopefully they put his ass in the top 15 because if they didn't, that would be some bullshit. Uh, not yet. I think they come out in a couple of days. Um, let me ask you about the food. Uh, I, I, obviously, we were at the weigh-ins. 
you were speaking, but your 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 voice was a little hoarse, and people are always asking you about the weight. Yeah. And I know you worked yeah. with the great yeah. Tyler Minton. Yeah. Uh, how how difficult yeah. was this cut? That's was it really the easiest cut? It was it was the easiest cut ever. I had so Damn. I had a lot of energy. It was super good, and everybody keep talking about everybody. Like uh, I said at the at the like what you said after the fight, I explained it. What happened? This is what happened. This is why I looked distraught on top of the uh, scale. I was on the scale, and I told them, I told Gaethje them, get keep that effing towel away from me. <laughs> Because I don't want I don't want nobody being like oh this tower trick or blah 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 you know and um, and they went in front of the scale and I already knew it's like oh they're blocking the scale they're like you gotta go behind the scale and there's only one way I know that Gaethje was gonna go and it was gonna go up <laughs> so that's why I was covering the one snake and I was ready for it you know and they came up and they came down they was ready for it I was fine everybody's like why you gotta take off your underwear. Why, why did you have to take off your underwear if the cut was so easy? I was like, why do I have to cut an extra half a pound to wear an underwear to a weigh-in? Uh, weigh I, I cut down weight all the way to my weight. I don't have to cut extra to just use a piece of underwear. I'll take it off and take the towel. I'm going to ask for a towel every time, guys. And even about the weight thing, I, I, I this is always on my mind. I didn't say it, but I thought so. It's kind of weird. It's kind of backwards the way the weight goes. You know, I think so. Why does all the challengers and the people who's not fighting for belts get the weigh out of the one pound allowance of 146 or 171, 156? The champions and the and the guy, the champion and the contender should be the only guys. You know, the championship fight should be the guys who are getting the weight. They they work their ass off to get to that championship title fight and whatever. Then you should have the pound allowance. Other than that, if you're working for it, then the pound allowance should be gone. You know, that's. That's what I believe. I believe in hard work and stuff, and it makes no sense about the weight, the weight like that. You know, why are you rewarding these guys who's not even champions to have an extra pound when the champion mm. is a, is the guy who should be having the most breaks? You know, so. Okay, so so you're you're still very young. You're you're turning twenty six today. Um, do you think inevitably you'll have to move up to one fifty five? Oh, for sure. You know, I, I'm gonna make this weight. I got Tyler. Tyler figured out a great way for me. Like I said, when I was around this time, when I fought, when I fought uh, Pettis, I ate nothing. I had a gallon of distilled water for, for uh, Thanksgiving. You know, and this this Thanksgiving was closer to the fight. I I ate four times. You know, Tyler's the man. Tyler didn't know what he's doing, and um, the melee way is the only way, baby. And uh, <laughs> I, I I love it. You know, I love it. And but like I said, medically, I. I'm going to do this as long as my body allows me to. But once once I feel like medically I can't do it, that's when I'm going up. I'm going to go up and I'm not scared. You know, I, I'm glad to go to 55. You know, like I said, I might even go to 70, 185. Shit. Heavyweight, light heavyweight might be in the picture. Also, wines, you guys know how I like to eat. You guys see me talking about my cupcakes. You guys see me talking about my sweets all the time. Your boy can get big and, you know, I, I just love life at one point in life. You, you you tweeted that picture of you with the Baked by Melissa cupcakes, which I've had, and they're phenomenal. How did you get so many of them, and why do you have this infatuation with cupcakes? You know, shout out to Baked by Melissa. They always send me, you know. Was this a thing that my cupcake guy would do for me? He'd just get me cupcakes because he knew I liked them. And uh, the, the Pettis one, he actually had to fly over to New York to grab them and fly back. Wow. The Brazil one, we had to fly it to Hawaii and one of our coaches bring it up to Brazil with them when they came later in the week. So my cupcake guy comes out, but Blink Melissa sends it out and, uh, you know, be on the lookout. 
There might be a, a baked by Melissa times Max Holloway special edition cupcakes coming wow. soon. So it should be fun. That's incredible. It's sick. It's be on the lookout. Yeah, wow. look out. gonna be sick. It's gonna be fun. I can't wait. I, I wish you would come out with like Baked by Melissa on your shorts. I know you can't do that, but that would be a sweet sponsor. Literally. <laughs> is there I, an I actual Melissa? Hopefully. Yeah, Baked by Melissa is the real Melissa is the real lady. That makes, oh. yeah. <laughs> Have you met her? No, I not met her. I not met her. Uh, uh, we're in the talks with UFC right now. I want to do a I want to do a tour, an LA and New York tour, and uh, when we do a New York tour, uh, they say they're talking about meeting up with Melissa. So I'm excited to meet her. Oh my God, I'm jealous. Um, by the way, I got really nervous on Saturday because you have one of the best walkout songs in the sport, but you came out I, with I a saw, bit of a... Re- I, saw, I was about to say, I, I, was, I was about to say, I saw the tweets after, like, oh yeah. no, he changed it. I'm like, Ariel, <laughs> weren't you at the last couple fights? I played Drake every time before... I got worried. Before, and then I played a, and then I play a Hawaii Kickboxer. So it's Drake, Hawaiian Kickboxer. And then since he was in the D, that's why I did Big Sean, Drake, and then Hawaiian Kickboxer. So I got worried. a little okay. love to where we're at all the time. Okay, so that's the thing. Just so I know, you're not going to get rid of Hawaiian Kickboxer, right? You're just going to have something first no, and then go Hawaiian into it. It's going to be something first. It's going to be something first and then always blend into Hawaiian Kickboxer all the time. Oh, man. Uh, Hawaiian ever. Kickboxer wasn't written for you, right? Although it feels like it was, but it wasn't written for you, correct? No, no, it was It was not. It's weird. Uh, you know, if you guys want to, there's this uh, local news station, KOTN2 News. You guys can go check out their site. Uh, Rob DeMello, he's the man. He, he did the man. a story on it. And uh, yeah, the story, yeah, you know, Rob, it, it, he liked to call himself the Hawaiian era Hawaiian. It's funny. Oh, come on. It's Let's funny. not get crazy. Yeah, Let's not get crazy. Come on. Some, <laughs> 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 no, bro, he, th- he once said that. That's what he said. But uh, it, it, it's hilarious, you know. Um, I always liked that song. I always tell myself when I get to use him, walk out to it. And it, it took me like five songs to uh, five, uh, six times to fight in the UFC until I started walking out to it. I walked out to it on this whole streak. It talks about it, but then uh, the guy who sings the song is actually from this side of the island that I'm from, Waianae, 96792. He actually went to Nanakuli. And um, his dad was actually my uh, my custodian for uh, wow. my elementary school. Wow. So it, the circle. So I kept finding out things, finding out things. I was like, I need to make, I need to walk with this song. You know, I need to keep everything Waianae. And uh, it did. And, I don't know. And mana is like a spiritual power, you know, and uh, I think the, in Hawaii, mana means like a power spiritually. And I think so. There's a lot of mana in that song. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a song I've been walking through on this streak and, and uh, the rest is history. Wow. Have you met the guy who sings the song? Oh, yeah. I meet him all the time. We hang all the time. Moki oh. Boy. His name is Moki Boy. You know, this big Hawaiian, cool Hawaiian dude. And uh, it's fun. Um, by the way, uh, when you came home from Toronto, there was a huge reception for you. When you came home from uh, Brazil, huge reception. I haven't seen any videos yet. W- what was it like when you came home yesterday? Oh, uh, last night was super chill, man. We got home late. We got home like eleven p.m. Okay, super calm. I had all my families and friends. You know, nothing too crazy. A lot of love, a lot of love. A lot of people. They they were trying to figure out uh, my brother and stuff. They were trying to figure out uh, what plane we was on, but. I, we was telling, uh, no one was telling them anything. They was like, ah, oh, you know, they figured that we were going to be tired and stuff. Rob is the only guy who somehow found out what plane we was and this and that. And he was, he was at the, he was there interviewing us after. But uh, yeah, man, it was super cool, super chill. I, I keep hearing they wanted, they wanted to do something big, but we came in so late and, and uh, they want to do something this week. So we see what happens. I, I, might, I might not be home this week. So 
hopefully next week we get something going. They, they're proud, man. Hawaii's proud. I'm so proud of Hawaii. Like I said, uh, it's glad to be there with me and Yancey. We got to do it again, you know. Six months later, we got to do something again, make history. And uh, I'm just blessed, man. I can feel the love from not only Hawaii, from Detroit, from the world, from you guys, from Canada. A lot of Canadian fans have been showing me love, and uh, I love it, guys. Are we closer to UFC Hawaii? Do you feel like we're closer? What can you tell us? I think we're close, man. I think it happens. I think it happens next 2018? year. 2018? Really? I, I, that's the first. I, I think so. It happens next year. Like, I, I was talking to Dana when I was taking pictures before I came to the press conference, and that's the time. He actually gave me the time of day, and he actually responded and said something about it. So, wow. I think so it's, a, it's, a right, uh, it's a step in the right direction. Like I said, what do you I say? Think we got like nine, 10 UFC phones. He was saying, he was saying like, man, yeah. I would always say UCY, he would be like, yeah, kid, yeah, kid. And then this time he was like, I was like, UCY, he's like, you know what? You know what, kid? I think so. I just need to stop being scared and suck it up and just do an outdoor event for you guys. I was like, yes, you do. You need to. <laughs> and then I did. And then I told him, don't be scared, homie. Let's go. You know, let's go. Give us, give us some lines what we need, what we deserve. And, uh. We're all a bunch of streaks, you know. That that last week, three of us Hawaiians went out, went out there, did our thing, and um, it's time to come home, you know. UFC, like I said, they've been trying to ice me, sending me to all these cold places, bring me to the fire, guys. Come here, come to the nice Hawaii heat, enjoy, and after you guys all can enjoy chocolate covered uh, chocolate covered macadamia nuts and lean oh, more yeah. powder candies. It's it's gonna be amazing. Okay, before I let you go, Max, and I'll let you go in a second, but I have to ask you about this. Uh, yesterday morning, it's all good. We're all celebrating. We're happy. Great event. Conor McGregor tweets, I miss those sunglasses. <laughs> you respond. 2015, retired fighter. Were you surprised that he, uh, that, he, that he sent you a tweet? Well, at least he referenced you in a tweet. Were you surprised that this, that this uh, happened? And if so, what was your reaction initially when you saw it? Uh, you know... <laughs> You know what? When a bully poos your hair, you punch him in the face. You know that's what you do. You know it's funny. You know it's, I. You know that the guy is funny. You know I, I couldn't help but laugh. You know I, I'm on his mind apparently. I, like I said, I told you guys I'm a champion, and we just bring order back into our division. You know I ain't trying to. I ain't trying to. I'm trying to think of our division and the respect of the other fighters. You know it took me ten fights. It took me ten damn fights to get an interim damn title shot, and then eleven to get a to get an undisputed shot. You know, and it's my job, it's my duty to make sure everything runs smoothly. You know, and 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 I gotta respect our sport, my division, the other guys who's fighting for it, and that's what we gotta do. But at at the end of the day, this this guy yapping his mouth, keep talking. You know, you guys know me. I always want to fight the best. That's me. I want to fight the best of the best. And, you know, this guy, he got a win over me when we was kids. And a fight night show of, I think so the main event was Sonnet and Shogun Rua. Yeah. I don't I don't even know if two of them is even in the UFC anymore. And, uh, you know, me and him made 12K that night. And I think he's happy holding on to that. You know, that's, that's the type of person he is. You know, they, they asked me about... Uh, Connor 55 when I was sitting down and doing the contract my new contract like I like I told you guys but what I told you guys I heard he was trying to do Pauly Malignaggi you know in MMA you know and I hope you guys let that one sink in because I don't know what else you want me to say you know that's just 
that's just him, you know. He 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 holds his head high over that win. I would never, you know. Look what look what I did, you know. I fought what what people consider and what I consider the greatest of all time, and I gave him his his straight damn rematch. You know, I didn't care. You know, if if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And the best is blessed, baby. So <laughs> I'll be waiting. Tell him I'll be waiting. I told you guys, if the fight doesn't happen, it's not on our side. It's on his side. But right now, I'm focused on chap life. And, uh, you know, when the exhibition fights come up and I have choices of where I can start calling out MMA guys and uh, boxing guys and tell them, hey, come over to MMA, big shots. And <laughs> we see what happens. But until then, it's just funny, you know. It's just funny. It's just funny. You don't uh the guy, actually, I'm kind of surprised because you and I know that guy. Every time they talk about the his UFC career, one name doesn't get brought up, and it's Max Holloway. So it's me. So uh, for him to actually bring me up is funny. It's surprising. It's hilarious, and uh, we see what happens. You know, the man still retired in my eyes. You know, until he comes back and and actually talk about fighting a real MMA fighter, then let me know. But other than that, that's what I said. You know. Bully, bullies go choke through your hair and turn around and punch him in the face. <laughs> Does that make you think that he wants to fight you now? That maybe he's turning the corner, that this is an actual possibility? The fact that he sent the tweet out? Uh, I don't know what to think. You know, what do you think? What do, do you think so it's a possibility? Because, uh, I don't know, do you think his recent actions of all the, of what, what's going on and all the news that's coming out on him, what's going on with him personally and stuff, and stuff, I don't know what to, I don't know what to think when it comes to Conor McGregor, you know, I, he's a, he's an interesting man, you know, he's an interesting man for play to them, and uh, I'm excited, man, if, if it's a fight, it's a fight, but you know, first things first, I got a throne to defend, I got my throne to defend, if uh, I got a lot, there's a lot of cupcakes, you know. There's a lot of new, uh, there's a, a lot of new flavors out there for me to taste. But uh, like I said before, if if it's an old one, I love it. You know, I know how they taste, and I can't wait to get more of them. When do you want to return, Max? Uh, I want to return whenever UFC puts my ass in UFC Hawaii. Okay. So, <laughs> hashtag UFC Hawaii. Let's get this fight rolling and let let's do it. I know you want to come to the beautiful uh, yeah. state uh, of Hawaii. You gotta come and enjoy, Ariel. You got and you gotta put on a little shirt for me with flowers I would, I, on. And I would, I, I would love nothing more. You versus Frankie Edgar in Hawaii with his history with BJ Penn and everything just is like the perfect fight for that event, right? Yeah, that would be phenomenal. Frankie, who I don't care. Put me against anyone, anywhere, anytime. I'm the best ever. Welcome to the blessed era. We're gonna be here for a long time, buddies. Max, I'm so happy that you're here. Like I said, before you came on, you are a breath of fresh air, my man. You really are. Uh, What you're doing for the division in this era, you don't care who it is. You're fighting the next man up. It's it's a wonderful thing to see. And uh, at 26, to be on that winning streak right next to DJ and GSP and John Jones and Anderson Silva, it's crazy, but it feels like we're just getting started with you here. And that's the most amazing thing about it all. So kudos to you. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Thank you for being a man of your word. Thank you for coming back on the show and enjoy some time off now with your family and uh, great job with your son. He is unbelievable. He is is an incredible (laughs) character. Well done on that front as well, my man. Thank you so much. Really, I appreciate it. And congratulations, of course. Uh, Thank you guys for having me. You guys have a good one. Hello, brother. All right, cool. We'll talk to you soon. There he is. Max Blessed Holloway. What more can you say about the birthday boy? 26 years young. One of the longest winning streaks in UFC history. Right underneath DJ, GSP, John Jones. 
What more can you say about that guy? A breath of fresh air. And again, I understand. Look, at some point, he's going to ask for those fights, but he doesn't take that bait. It's amazing to me. Doesn't want to be considered the GOAT. Doesn't want to be considered the Hawaiian GOAT. It's great. They're lucky to have him. Could you imagine him versus Frankie Edgar in Hawaii with the history with Edgar beating BJ Penn three times? Let's make it happen. I'll be there. I'll get my best Jeff Wagenheim shirt. I'll wear the lay, you know, the the flowers around the neck. Let's make it happen. I was going to play the um, the Dutch strawberry shortcake video, the happy birthday video, but I figured, you know, maybe I'll find a Hawaiian happy birthday video, and I found one. It was a little soft. I love Hawaiian music. I would love nothing more. That would be incredible. Could you imagine? And now they have it. I mean, they had... Um, they had Yancey, Brad Tavares, Courtney Casey didn't uh, didn't win on on Saturday, but certainly one of the top uh, strawweights, Rachel Ostovich, who won on uh, Friday from from Tough. It's a good time for Hawaiian MMA, arguably the best time ever for Hawaiian MMA. Ostovich, of course, from Waianae as well. Look at New York Rick writing Rachel Ostovich. Like I don't know. Like I don't know. All right. That does it for today's interviews. Fun show. Wide-ranging show. Still so much to discuss as it pertains to this past weekend, the upcoming weekend. By the way, speaking of the featherweight division, there's a, there's a big fight coming up this Saturday, an important fight in the featherweight division. Cup Swanson against Brian Ortega at 145, main event of UFC Fight Night Fresno. Last fight of Swanson's contract and, you know, if he wins, wow, he has a lot of leverage, um, certainly in the mix for the belt. By the way, Frankie Edgar, uh, who I tried to get on the show today, but he's on vacation with his family at, at Disney World. Um, boy, does he breathe a big sigh of relief. Imagine if Aldo would have won that fight. Imagine what would have happened then. Uh, he's in purgatory once again. So all of a sudden it's Max Holloway. And unless the, the, the McGregor fight materializes, and by the way, I do believe that that tweet signifies that there's some interest from Connor. He, I mean, he's very calculated when it comes to these things. Uh, I think that that would be a phenomenal fight. And I, I do feel like him sending out that tweet signifies that there's some interest in running it back. It was so long ago, four and a half years ago. And by the way, Shogun Hua is still in the UFC. That was a great card. That was the first ever UFC on FS1 card back in Boston, August of 2013. Um, unless that fight materializes... It's got to be Frankie Edgar. That has to be the fight next. And what a fight that would be, especially in a place like Hawaii. So we'll talk more about that. Um, talk about Francis Ngannou and his vicious knockout in the Stipe Miocic fight. Uh, of course, tough finale, as we said, new UFC flyweight champion. But there's a lot going on as it pertains to uh, Tyron Woodley, perhaps rethinking uh, shoulder surgery. Uh, Emil Mech and Kamaru Usman, are they going to be fighting each other? What's going on there? Kevin Lee telling us on Saturday that he's going to be staying at 155 pounds. Uh, Dana White doing a wide-ranging scrum, I should say, on uh, Wednesday, I believe it. Wednesday? No, Tuesday of last week. And there was a lot to take away from that. I'd love to weigh in on some of that as well. Jacare Brunson, too. Derek Lewis against Marcin Taibura. Jeremy Stevens and Duho Choi booked. 
Carter Lamas and Josh Emmett. So much going on in the world of MMA. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a break from YouTube, MMAfighting.com, Facebook. If you're watching us on one of those uh, platforms, we're going to go exclusively on Twitter. We've got the MMA After Hour coming up. That's when we will check in with Mr. New York Rick for Rick's Picks. Uh, check in on the week that was as far as social media is concerned. And then we'll answer some of your questions. You've been hitting us up using the hashtag the MMA hour. And uh, like I said, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to discuss. So hopefully you have some good questions to ask. So as I said, exclusively on Twitter, a matter of seconds, go there right now. Uh, I've been tweeting out the link. You see the link on the screen. It's been uh, shown several times. We'll check in with New York Rick, Rick's picks, social media stuff, and then we'll answer your questions. We call this the MMA After Hour. We call this one of our favorite segments of the day, and it starts right now. Yes, the MMA After Hour time. It's when we let our hairs down, our hairs, our collective hairs. And uh, this is when we get all crazy. This is when we... Check in with all of you. This is when we check in with New York Rick. And so without further ado, let's see what's on the new daddy's mind. It is time, my friends. It is time for... And now it's time to yes. open up your ears and your minds. Yes, open it up. It's time for Rick's Picks. Rick's Picks. Rick's Picks are lots of yes. fun. And his hair is in a bun because it's... You already know what it is. Rico Verhoeven also returning to action this uh, this weekend. Glory pay-per-view. How about that Nate Diaz tweet? Is that going to make Rick's picks? I wonder. Tiffany Time Bomb lost. I'm still looking for my Fedor, by the way. Here he is. Rick's picks. The new daddy. Oh, hello. Two weeks in. Mm, not exactly. Almost. Ten days. Is it? Oh, yeah. Huh. Well, we're, we're, we're on week two. We're on week two. Any change? Any surprises? Any curveballs? Not curve, not um, curveballs that would throw me off. More just things that are happening faster than I thought they would. Okay. She's, her neck is very strong. Um, her grip is very strong. She's she's without very much tummy time. She's kind of pushing up and and being you know, where I would think that it would take a little bit longer for most babies. So you're saying she's, she's a prodigy child. It could be. Wow. It could be. How about that? Avery slaying it. <laughs> yeah. She's, uh, she's strong. How's the poop? <laughs> Delicious. Is it still honey mustard like? It okay. is. Yeah. Um, we're still in that. Ha- has she, uh, shed the thing on the belly button yesterday? Wow. Night, Again, beating expectations. Really? You know, they said week one through three somewhere. You know, she's 10 okay, days in. Okay, chill out on that. That one, I feel like we're exaggerating a bit. I, I've yeah. averaged a week on those. Oh, really? Um, What'd you do with it? Trash can. Really? We ate it. Put it in some stew. You're supposed to eat that. I've heard of eating the placenta. Yeah, did you do that? I did not. I saw the placenta. One of the grossest so, ideas that I've ever come across in my life. I, I passed on that yeah. one. Hard Did pass. anyone eat that? Hopefully not. Yeah. It went into a bin. Yeah. I'm hoping that whoever uh, whoever took care of that bin did not eat it. Okay. We have a lot to discuss, my friend. Okay, so let's get to it. What do you got for us? Let's roll into Rick's okay. picks. We're going to start this week um, with some imagery. We'll call this the, sec- the section imagery from UFC 218. We're starting here. Imagery. Imagery. A tweet from uh, Danny Segura, which was a, a tweet from Portal D-O-V-T. Um, here, Yancey Medeiros and uh, Alex Oliveira um, in the hospital 
after their bout, reminiscent of you know Gustafson and uh, Jones and all the other two fighters together in the hospital pictures. Um, but after the war they put on, good to see these guys kind of rubbing shoulders and and paying respect to each other. Um, one, of, I w- I'm going to maybe put out a controversial opinion and oh, say no. it's not my fight of the year. Okay, but it's in the top three for sure. Um, but what is number one right now? I, I still have to give it to uh, to Gaethje and, and Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's still my fight of the year. Okay, with this being a close second, it just the the stakes for that felt felt so much bigger, um, and the and and the swings felt a little bit bigger. This one, the the, the you know the comeback was great because it seemed like Yancey was was on the losing end of it. But you know Oliveira was was gassing out, and it seemed like it was it was inevitable as long as Yancey could withstand the the storm, which he did, um, because he's super super tough. Um, but it, it's it's probably number two in in my in my pick, and number one still being Gaethje Johnson. Uh, uh, reminiscent, by the way, that photo of the Alexander Gustafson John Jones photo. Remember that. I only said that okay. five seconds okay. ago. Yeah, I just wanted to. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to. You know, we had a lot of Skype guests today, and uh, I've been catching up on things. So I just wanted to make sure people heard that. Um, well, they've heard it twice. Okay. Now, well, what, what was better? Yeah. Which fight was better, that one or the Eddie Alvarez Justin Gaethje fight? This fight. Okay. Um, but uh, you, the the thing that was great about that one, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. The thing that was great about out. Uh, Alvarez and, and Gaethje is that the expectations were higher. This Obviously, this fight on paper, you look at it and you say, these are two action fighters, you can expect a good fight. But everybody was talking about Gaethje Alvarez like, you know, it was the, the fight of all fights, the, the all-time greatest fight. And it it delivered. I, I don't know if it hit, you know, this territory where um, we'll talk about it for, for the ages, but it definitely, it definitely met expectations, um, if not exceeded them slightly. So it's hard. It's very hard to kind of do that. And, and those two went in and did it. So um, hard, hard to be mad at anybody who, who's picking one of those fights um, and UFC in giving out their bonuses, pick both for fight of the night, no performance bonuses, but fight of the night. Yep. Uh, for both fights so good to see this this camaraderie between these two opponents who put on an all-timer next uh, a photo from our very own esther lynn uh with little bird uh emojis courtney casey flipping the bird to felice herrick there's another photo um this this system only lets me use one there's another photo of felice returning the favor yes um both captured by esther lynn as i'm going through these one thing i want to mention please Give proper credit to photographers. Uh, give proper credit to artists. Give proper credit to everybody. If you're going to repurpose or you're going to reuse their materials on the internet, in blog posts, whatever it is, don't crop out the watermark. Uh, it's the worst. Don't you know, post it without using their name. Give people proper credit. Why do people not want to do this? Look, the watermark is something that is meant to be obtrusive. It's, it's something that's meant to be, hey, this is our material this is this is going to prevent or you know attempt to prevent you from using it without it. Um, don't 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 crop it out. Ugh. It's there for a reason. Nothing worse. Give proper credit. In this case, uh, I'm highlighting a photo by Esther Lynn. Next, we'll see another photo here by the UFC. I believe Hedges uh, took this one. Uh, Francis Ngannou with the incredible knockout punch of uh, Alistair Overeem. I mean. The photo says it all. This one got passed around quite a bit. Um, and part of the reason I'm, I'm mentioning this, you know, let, let's give proper credit um, where it's due. Um, 
but an absolutely insane knockout. My new front runner, where, where as I said, fight of the year still stayed with uh, Gaethje and Johnson. This is my new front runner for knockout of the year. Oh, yeah. in, in a year that's been loaded with some, some fantastic knockouts, um, probably the cleanest and uh, the most devastating. This is my front runner. I mean, the for, way his head cocked the back there was just. I mean, ugh. the fo- the photo is perfect. It just says everything that needs to be said about unbelievable how that fight went. Unbelievable. Uh, by the way, yeah, I, I I wholeheartedly agree with your assessment on not cropping photos and not giving sure. credit. Another thing that bothers me is in this day and age, like people tell me all the time, like, oh, I'll just you know, I'll just stream that movie or download <laughs> torrent or whatever they call it. I hate that stuff. Music videos, anything that's created um, creatively, artists, things like that, I will pay for everything. And, and you're talking about something that's free. I mean, we're just give, this is just someone right. going out of their way. This is the lowest yeah, bar. Not to give credit to an artist yeah. um, is, is, is pretty despicable in my opinion. But I am happy to pay for every um, film, every song, anything. I will gladly pay for that because I think that these people need to be, you know, they need to be supported. So yes. Agreed. And this image, um, credit unknown, but from Stipe Miocic, uh, responding to I love it yesterday. Uh, sorry, Saturday's fight. Quite simply, a, a photo of Stipe laughing with the belt in front of him, saying "and still." Um, subtle, well done, top notch uh, tweeting, in, in my opinion. Can I just say something about that before? Oh, yeah. Okay, go go to the response here. I just want to quickly, this happened, you know, as the show was yeah. on, Francis Ngannou quote tweeting and saying, enjoy the belt while you can and say your farewell before your next fight. Hashtag and new. Francis very quick on the social media. Francis the man. Right, wait, are you saying that he's not the one writing the tweets? Is that what you're implying? No, I literally said Francis well, I mean, quick on the social media. I don't media. know if that was tongue in cheek. Um, I will admit that at times there's, it feels like there's a bit of a malaise. It feels like, oh my God, there's so much MMA. There's an oversaturation. When I think of Francis Ngannou and Sipe Miocic in the same cage, staring at each other, I get, I get like a weird tingly sensation inside. Like that to me is, I mean, one of the best fights that the UFC could put on for 2018, but it's like the quintessential heavyweight championship fight. That is what we love about the heavyweight division that is what we want two big men who knock people out going toe to toe you don't know whose head is going to knock get knocked off their head but you just know that something is going to happen absolutely and i think a lot of that is is the excitement kind of surrounding francis but also the unknown you know stipe has has been here and and done this and you know, proven himself and earned his stripes and um, gone through the ups and downs um, and is now champion and, and soon to be setting heavyweight records if, if he can continue this. Whereas Francis, he's steamrolled people, but a lot of times that doesn't, in, in doing so, you don't see a lot of the other aspects of his game. There's still a lot of unknowns about Francis. There's still a lot of um, things that we don't know how he'll be able to deal with Stipe because he's been so successful, because he's been steamrolling. Um, I think that intrigue is adding to this fight the fact that we know that he carries huge power and could end this um violently and quickly at the same time we don't know what else is going to happen if he, if stipe is able to drag him into deep waters what happens then I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of um things still to be seen and, and i think we will see them in that fight and, and that's why i'm excited they gotta get it well done. i'd love it if it's on that boston card i mean the heavyweight and the light heavyweight title being defended on the same night 
would be incredible. Um, I, I know it's the question of the day, but uh, since we're talking, who do, right now, who do you have winning that fight? Oh my lord! Come on, putting you on the spot. Like who 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 are you leaning towards? I'm leaning towards Stipe, but I don't know. For real? I mean, uh, yeah, I'm leaning towards Stipe. Wow. I mean, as I said, like there's, it's hard. I don't like to when I'm picking a fight. I don't like to lean on somebody with question marks. Okay. And while Francis has been impressive, I still have questions about him. Which are? I haven't seen, well, I haven't seen the complete package. He's been able to just steamroll everybody. It's hard for me to, to be confident against a, a fighter as complete and as um, veteran as Stipe to be favoring a newcomer who, make no doubt about it, carries huge power. And, and I don't doubt that if he's able to connect, he will, he will hurt Stipe. Um, but at the same time, what if Stipe hits, hits him clean? We haven't seen, we haven't seen enough um, evidence um, for me to pick against Stipe at this point. And I think, and I think that's where I'm at. Um, but if you're asking me if Francis comes in there and, and can land a punch, would I be surprised? Absolutely not. The guy is the guy is a freak, um, and and clearly the power um, is not is not some uh, something that's happening because of opponent or anything like that. He has huge power, mm. um, second only to our very own Casey Lee. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but I, I'm leaning. I would lean Stipe is wow. where, I'd, where I'd go. It's, no line yet, right? I'm excited for it. I think there probably is. Let's let's take a look real quick. I feel like um, not. Usually, I get an email about that. They they go up on futures pretty quick but let's see no i don't see one here so um i'd be interested to see where that falls i wouldn't be surprised if francis is the, is the favorite really um well he he that that power is exciting and these betting lines again are not always um I- indicative or reflective of perceived winning and more um trying to get even money on both sides of the line. So if, if they're expecting a lot of people to be betting on Francis because of that power, because of that excitement, they're, they're, the line could be shifted in that direction. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised he was a favorite over Overeem. I'm, I, I would not be surprised. But um, in, in my opinion, you have to respect the champ at, at this point, and, and that's who I would ultimately favor in this matchup for the moment. Okay, moving along with Rick's picks. One more image from UFC 218, a Photoshop here by uh, our friend Secret Moves MMA, Justin. Um, the Eddie Alvarez as Popeye oh my. Photoshop. Love this because of the, the swollen now, mouth. Is this disrespectful? Absolutely uh, not. Come on, this is all in good fun. I don't, uh, what? I mean, uh, what are we, oh, come on. Uh, make your case, please. I make your just case. feel like the guy was in a fight. He's got a, he got a messed up face. I mean, why are we making light of it? Oh, I, I love oh, Justin, but I'm just... Oh, I'm just no? Why? Okay, oh wait. Are you God. are you in favor of the 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 Overeem photoshops? That's not the same. Uh, and also, it's kind of fair game. Like that's the internet. Like I'm just saying, let's let's respect our fighters. Uh, they go in there for our uh, entertainment. No, this is so sanctimonious. It's not sanctimonious. Come on. Do you see me? This is this is in good fun. This is in good fun. Does it have to happen? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's not the same. Well, first of all, like, come on. There, there's, I'm uh, honestly, I'm okay with the Overeem photoshops. I'm, it's, it's, it's kind of become a reality of of internet culture and and specifically sports culture in particular. Sports culture is all about that. But there's a difference between a guy who's you know knocked unconscious and a guy who has a swollen mouth. You know, this is not this is not um, 
some debilitating thing and, and it's not him um you know at his lowest moment he won the fight he's got a he's got a puffed up lip um i think it's all in good fun it's not something i would do we okay we differ on this um i think it's funny and also he's glorifying it he's glorifying it he's saying um he's been notified of an anti-doping violation for elevated levels of spinach he's big upping eddie with the with the pop by like effort um taking his spinach and and dishing it out um but okay fair enough we differ on it <laughs> the, the like humming <laughs> the sing-songy uh um okay here we go. We'll go to something lighter. You'll like this. Oh, How about this, this from Angela Hill this the- <laughs> recording Look at that. Mini Holloway. Look at this kid. AKA Rush. Look at him. Getting into the dab. Boom. Boom. Angela loving it. Getting into the dab. <laughs> What's great about it is he's ambidextrous. Left, right, yeah, he's, left, he's right. Dabs on both sides. He's incredible. Uh, Rogan and Anna kind of just doing their By spot. The way, how about the fact that he went there for the first fight, this kid? Yeah, demanded. <laughs> Took the nap in between. Now, missed the best, yeah, fight, the best fight, but you know we got to give him the respect for breaking out the dab and breaking out in the post-fight press conference. Shout out to Rush. Uh, Who invented mini, mini the dab? Bus. Some dancer. Gotta look that up. I'm sure, there, I'm sure there's a Wikipedia entry on it. It just seems like it's one of those things that... I mean, it, it's not new, obviously, right? No, no, no. Who invented... few years old. The dab has its origins in the Atlanta hip-hop scene in the 2010s, but there was initially disagreement about who originated the dance. Artists initially mentioned as possible originators included uh, Migos, as in Look at My Dab, Skippa the Flippa, Peewee Longway, Jose Guapo, and of course the great Rich the Kid. <laughs> Uh, How many of those albums do you have? I have all of them except for Skipper the Flipper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, man. In the U.S., Cam Newton, the starting quarterback for the 2015 Carolina Panthers, uh, kind of popularized it a little bit. uh, Has been at the forefront of the spreading dab sensation. The invention of the dab has been credited to Migos, a rap group from Atlanta, who have in turn crowned Newton as the dab daddy. I would love if we got like a, you know, golf voice style narration and and talking about the different um, dabs, dance moves and, and, um, you know, uh, things that come out of the city, um, in the next, in the next UFC, uh, weigh in. I'd like to know about the oh, for me. dance moves. Yeah. Well, yeah. forever in Atlanta. Um, we, we had some like good ones it. in Detroit. Did you know that Detroit is the, uh, potato chip capital of the world? And what do I mean by that? Um, uh, no city in America consumes more potato chips per year than the great city of Detroit. Did you know that? Did I, you also know, know that ginger ale was invented in Detroit? And did you know that Detroit is is a French term, Detroit, the straight? Uh, that one I did okay. know. But the other ones I did not Oh, I had tons. I had tons. Uh, potato chips and ginger ale, you could, you could do What worse. I want to know is how do they even, you know, measure that? Like, how do they measure how much, how many potato chips are consumed in a year, you know? Well, if you track the supermarket purchases of chips, please, please. you know, you can probably... Put it together. Okay. Hey, can I just say one more thing about the dab? In Saudi Arabia, <laughs> the move yes. was made illegal 
by the National Committee for Drug Control as it was deemed that it, quote, alludes to weed and other illegal substances. In August of 2017, Saudi singer and actor Abdallah al-Shaharani was arrested for performing the move at a music festival. How about that? Hopefully he's free now. Free, free him. Wow. Um, not, not a fan of that. Okay. That's from Complex, by the way. Let's, let's move on to uh, very serious matters here. Yeah. Oh, there One, Conor McGregor. I thought it really was. Tweeting, I miss those sunglasses. Pictured here, you'll see in the back. Uh, now, you, I think you alluded to some <laughs> black eyes. Yeah. No? Conor McGregor in the back of this picture... Oh. Wearing sunglasses. Oh. <laughs> oh. Also in this picture, Danny Rubenstein. Yes. But unre- unrelated to. Danny Rubenstein, the Forrest Gump of MMA. The guy's in every single moment. Just, I mean, I have to admit, I talked to him about the boomerang you know, yeah. thing. He was just oblivious to it, had nothing good for me. Um, I'm sure he has no, no recollection of this moment and doesn't care at all, but. Um, in the back, Conor McGregor with a suit, oh my dethroned God. hat, and sunglasses. I thought he was making a joke about the sunglasses. Did, did you get that right away? Yeah, because I see him on the I screen. I saw him too. There. Oh my God. The joke is he's in the background of this picture, doesn't care, doesn't really give a shit about the sunglasses. Um, <sighs> wanted to highlight the forefront. Brilliant. Okay, okay. Just brilliant tweet. Okay, okay, okay. So let me ask you this. So I just said earlier that I felt like this signified renewed interest in fighting him given this interpretation of the photo do you now feel like i'm wrong is he saying to everyone i couldn't care less about this guy i think he would if he couldn't care less about the guy he wouldn't address him that's that's his way this this posting of any kind signifies interest i miss that he would not care at all he would not post about him if there wasn't something right and and we see the reply from max that you mentioned that one i got uh, Max Holloway, <laughs> this one's hard to ignore. Miss the sunglasses. I bet you also missed 2015, brother. Retired fighters love the past. Featherweight champion Max Holloway uh, posting upgrades for 2017. Hashtag blessed era. Hashtag uh, 2015 champ. I think that part's underrated. The hashtag 2015 champ is pretty funny. Can I ask you a question about that picture though? Yeah. That feels like, a, like an, uh, it looks like an official like UFC picture, right? With like the logo there and the writing. They didn't actually tweet that, right? No, this is Photoshop. You made it. Good Photoshop. That, that is really good Photoshop. Listen. Just want to say. I'm telling you, the Photoshop, look, it's all fair game on the internet. I love the Photoshops. Can I say what I loved about Max's reply? He didn't take that as like, oh, let's fight and, and prove it. He was just like, eh, retired fighter. I'm not going to really engage. I'm going to respond, but I'm not going to use this as an opportunity to try to pick a fight with you. Yeah. He, he, he never takes the bait. Well, I think that I think Max probably understands that this fight would be great, and if it can happen, he is up for it. Seems like he's taking on anybody. He's not really um, trying to pick and choose his opponents. Obviously, he took a fight against Jose Aldo on short notice, and kudos to him for that. Um, as I said, leading into it, if he beats Jose Aldo twice, I think that that is a legacy definer. That is that is something that is hard to ignore. Probably my fighter of the year at this point. Um, but if it happens, I'm sure he, he, he'd welcome it. Um, but his eye is on people who are still fighting at the moment. And uh, with 1,039 significant strikes landed, eight knockdowns, eight stoppages, six knockouts, 13 wins, 11 in a row, 
at featherweight, it's uh, it's hard to argue that uh, anybody. Here's the thing about Connor that I will say. Territory. Yeah, I'd love to see him come back. I'd love nothing more than to see him come back. Uh, I feel like I was accused of being on the bandwagon way before there was even a bandwagon as far as his UFC run is concerned. Um, I'm a big believer. I think he's one of the very best. I want to see him defend that title. Conversely, like look at Saturday. Eddie Alvarez, Max Holloway, the big winners. He has wins over them. Look a couple weeks ago, Dustin Poirier wins over him. Look at main event, Jose Aldo wins over him. Like, can we, can we at least acknowledge, regardless of what happens from this point forward, and really, I mean, he should have defended the featherweight title. Hopefully he defends the, the lightweight title sooner rather than later. That was a pretty damn good run. And I felt like he never, I really felt like he never got the respect that he deserved. I really always felt like, oh, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, did, did he fight Max before he was Max Holloway? Sure, maybe. But he still fought him on a month's notice. And he still fought Chad Mendez on two weeks notice. Um, and he still beat Dustin Poirier. And he still beat jo- Jose Aldo. I mean, like he's still, you know, he's, he's, he complete. I mean, look at Eddie Alvarez, how good he looks now. And look what he did to him in that fight. It's just amazing how. It, it, it all seems to come back to him and you're like, oh yeah, he did fight that guy. Like he did fight everyone up until this point. And so this idea that like he's afraid to fight or he's afraid to lose or he's afraid to defend his title. No, I think we have to, we have to separate, you know, now the businessman who's just trying to pick his spot and, and, and do the, you know, the, the best thing possible. Now you look at the last week. I mean, I think some people were uh, confused because there was that story that he got into some, you know, barroom yeah. brawl and then he was at court um, the two had nothing Something to do separate, with each yeah. other. I think people were a little bit confused about that. And so let, let's see. Let's see if he's able to, you know, kind of get back on track. And, 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 and if they can come to turn, they're talking about a new deal. We, we knew that this time was coming, right? We knew after he made $100 million against um, against Floyd that he wouldn't go back to his old contract. So we knew this was coming. Um, now let's see if they can actually get it done. Two things. One, Conor McGregor's resume at featherweight is not one to criticize. The guy The guy has fought... Uh, a who's who and, and done uh, very, very well against them. Um, two, it makes it e- an easier pill to swallow with McGregor out because Holloway is so dominant and because he's here taking on all comers. It almost, you know, if if there wasn't this champion in place, if there wasn't somebody like Holloway here, it would make it a little more difficult for Connor to be on the sidelines and saying, uh, or not, you know, actually saying literally, but but looking for that fight and and taking his time to negotiate and doing all those things, um, with Max holding holding the the title and, and keeping that division um, in good hands, it's it's less of an issue uh, for Connor to to kind of you know do this and and utilize his leverage and, and find out, you know, what, what's the best opportunity for the big news last week as it pertains to Connor was Dana White saying, I don't know if he's going to fight again. You know, you got a hundred million in the bank. It's, it's hard to get, to get up and get punched in the face. And what I'll say to that is, first of all, you don't have a hundred million in the bank. There's taxes, there's all kinds of expenses. So you really don't have a hundred million in the bank. Um, the guy's 29 years old. What do you expect him to do? You know what I mean? Like he's going to go through that hundred million pretty darn quickly. I mean, the, the life, Connor, no way. Like, like this idea, like, oh, he's got a hundred million, so he never has to fight again. The guy's talked about wanting to be a billionaire. He's not even close to being a billionaire. What are you talking about? A hundred million is going to deter him from fighting again. But more importantly, am I the only one? While listening to Dana White talk about that, was I the only one who thought is Dana White talking about himself? Dana White has way more than a hundred million in the bank. 
Dana White is still doing what he was doing before he had 100 million in the bank, before he had 400 million in the bank. Dana White's talking about getting punched in the face and that making it mm, less, you know, uh, being less motivated to keep doing what you were doing before you had the 100 million. Well, he doesn't actually literally get punched in the face, but I'll tell you what, Sajara Eubanks pulling out on 24 hours notice, that's a kind of punch in the face. This guy pulling out, John Jones, this, that, and the other thing, those are punches in the face. Those are different kinds of punches in the face. And I couldn't help but feel like he was talking about himself. And then when he transitions over to like, I'm going to go into boxing, you know, that, that's a man who's looking for motivation. That's a man who's looking for a new fight. New, you know, he's looking for a new race to run. And so I just couldn't help but feel like he was kind of talking about himself when he was saying that. Possible, and who would know if he is? If if that is something that he's feeling, I wish someone asked that follow up. He can identify possibly with Connor, who's who but Connor doesn't have enough. Connor wants to fight. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt in my mind. That's all he wants to do. He wants to fight. He doesn't want to be an actor. He doesn't want to be a singer. He doesn't want to be a rapper. He wants to fight. Now it's about making the deal that you know that makes the most amount of sense. By the way, I also love the line like, "Oh yeah." I'd, I'd, I'd love to work with Anthony Joshua. I think he could be a big star. That's like Lou DiBella sitting and saying, you know, you know who I'd love to work with? I want to go into MMA and I want to work with this Conor McGregor guy. I really feel like he could be a big star, this Conor McGregor guy. Anthony Joshua is selling out 80,000 seat stadiums in Europe. Like, I don't think he needs anyone at this point to kind of help him take that next step. You get what I'm sure. Saying? Okay. A fan... Here on Twitter, oh, yeah, this guy's the man. Um, posted to any fans of Jose Aldo slash MMA. After his loss, I waited in the fighters' hotel afterwards without much expectation, knowing he must be devastated. Uh, he, in this case, being Aldo, when he saw me, he hugged and embraced me, thanked me, talked and stood for pictures. One of the greatest fighters ever, and even greater man. How about Jose Aldo? Um, obviously, a tough loss for him, second in a row to, to Max Holloway. Making time for a fan who's just waiting around at the hotel, um, hoping to get a glimpse of one of his favorite fighters, and doing the damn thing, um, taking the photo with him, being gracious with his time, like a champion would. Uh, the most decorated champion of all time as far as 145 is concerned. And uh, I don't want to hear anyone say that he's done, that he should retire. He's 31. He is 31 years old. 30 freaking one years old. Take a break, reassess, maybe no more 145. He did not look great. He was kneeling over. Maybe finally do the 155 thing. Um, but... 13 seconds isn't going to define Jose Aldo. He's a legend. He put that division on the map. He carried that division for years. He kept it relevant for years. Um, unfortunately, he is slowing down. I, I do think Max is better than him. I do think Max would beat him um, if they fought again for a third time. Um, but, I, I, you know, he's, he's 31. He's still 31. It's yep. still kind of surreal to see him get beat up and bloodied like that because he's still yep. Jose Aldo in my mind, you know? It will happen. As he as he does get older in his career, but I think um, he had his moments in this fight, and it, it, it was clear that Max Holloway has his number, um, and that that wasn't going to be good enough once again. Um, but more importantly, still carrying himself like a champion, doing this for this fan, um, which which is nice to see. We return to Conor McGregor for a moment, only because I mean you know th- these kind of photos have become. Uh, regular for Conor McGregor. This one most interesting to me because I believe that the paper is upside down. I can't confirm that on the other sure. side of this that the text is not right side up. Somebody tell me. Somebody tell me about this newspaper and tell me if the pages are different like that or maybe he took this page. I think that it's on purpose. And it's actually not folded I think over. I'm saying, look, because he's he's on the the, the the paper. You see him? 
Yeah, that's him. He's so a, it's like, yeah. look, you're talking about me, but I don't give an F. Don't read the paper, make the paper. Could be, what do you mean? I don't know. It's but. very clear what it is. I don't give a crap about what you say about me. You're talking about me. I'm on your paper. There's my face, but I don't give a crap. I'm not even paying attention. That's, don't I'd read like the paper, make the paper. I'd like somebody to confirm that for me. What do you me? mean? What newspaper is upside down? What are you talking about? But see, here's what I'm looking at. If you look at, the, if you look at it closely, the first page looks like it's not connected to the back page, meaning that it's not a full paper. Well, all I have to do is zoom in on the left side there. Yeah, but I, I can't zoom on this, but okay. what I'm uh, I'm looking at that and thinking that maybe he took off the cover part and then when he put it back together, I feel like it's he put it back upside down. I don't know. Possibly, I'm not reading that much into it, but I'd like to hear the story. Somebody tell me. Somebody figure out what's And also what's the headline is something like, um, it's something asking a question about him. It says, uh, can Connor buy something? Who knows? But it's asking about Connor. Yeah. Wait, wait. I know what it is. I know what it is because our friend Yogurty Fogarty, he was asking for credit about the photo. <laughs> um, <laughs> can Connor live happily ever after? He actually tweeted a better photo of that in the foreground and Connor in the background. Um, yeah. Can, I mean, that's, that's a good question. But maybe, maybe Dave can give us some insight into... Only if you credit was them. it intentional? Um, and we'll credit you. Funny reply here from Matthew Wells regarding the um, the um, Max Holloway, Conor McGregor. Yes, of photo course, I know earlier. it's Shane Victorino, former Philadelphia. No, that's Philly. the joke, though. That's funny. Oh. That like honestly, everybody's looking at everything else in this photo. Oh, um, but it's literally like this photo was about Max and Shane Victorino, um, but it's become highlighted for anything else. Anyway, <clears throat> you asked if this would be here. Guess what? It is here. Nate Diaz. Um, responding to Dana White. I got offered a fight with Nate Diaz, and, 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 then, and then we're like, no, there was never a fight. That, that's the deal. So there really was never an offer for Woodley versus Diaz. It's not true. One of, no, it, not officially. It was never offered. One of our lawyers was like, hey, would you, would you fight? Because we're always offering the Diaz brothers a fight. So he says, well, what about Woodley? Would you fight Woodley? And then he says to Woodley, Woodley, would you fight Nate Diaz? Nate Diaz. First of all, Woodley's been talking about, I need shoulder surgery, I need shoulder surgery. What about, I'll fight Nate Diaz, and then starts calling him out and shit. You know, it was a nightmare. None of that was true. That was just a guy who works here that went off the reservation and asked those guys a question. Nate saying (laughs) that that's not true, and then posting an an older clip of when he and... uh, and Dana were, I, I believe they were in Stockton, right? This no, when this Dana was, came to visit. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's, that's in LA. That's when they signed oh, that's right. the rematch. That's, right. that's the day yep. I was banned. UFC 199. Um, Dana coming uh, to visit uh, California. So, th- so that clip pissed off Woodley and it pissed off Nate Diaz. It pissed yeah. off Woodley because he was like, no, you did offer. So Dana's saying that someone went off the reservation. The guy who went off the reservation, the lawyer, by the way, and, 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 and actually someone wrote me an email that that term is offensive. That you shouldn't even be using that term anymore. So anyway, the, the lawyer that he's talking about is the general counsel of the UFC, Hunter Campbell. He's a very, very powerful man in the organization. He's not just some willy-nilly like intern who's going to go out there and just offer fights for the sake of offering fights. There was an offer. They couldn't come to terms due to financial um, you know, uh, issues or whatever yeah. the case may be. 
Um, and that pissed off Woodley, and Woodley called him delusional Dana. And then you get this tweet uh, from Nate Diaz. Uh, that, but th- there was a fight, and uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm not necessarily like of all the things that Dana has said about Tyron, this wasn't really the worst, so no. to speak. Like, he didn't actually like insult him. Um, and I don't know why you would even want to walk it back at this point. Like, hey, you tried to make the fight. You know, it didn't come to fruition. It didn't happen. Big deal. More importantly, though, enough with the this guy's lying. Let's fight. Let's see a fight. I want to see Nate Diaz fight. Yeah. I want to see. Uh, I want to see Tyron Woodley fight. Well, now Woodley. Okay. Well, then Woodley said he's going to have. Said he's going to have the surgery. But now on Saturday he spoke to us and he says he's rethinking the surgery and he's going to take seven days to figure it out. So we'll see what happens. Colby Covington texted me in the middle of the show. Let's see what he said. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> that was quick. well. He said, "I have a T-shirt that I want to send you." <laughs> oh, so shout out. Uh, something tells me it has something to do with either Tyron Woodley or Filthy Animals or something. Anyhow, live the gimmick. It's always fun. You see, you know what's interesting? On Sunday, I said, "You know, where are the Dana White scrums? We missed those." And then he does one. Do you think that that was directly related to me asking that question? He he even he even addressed the fight fixing. Now I thought that the response was a little strange because he was essentially like, "Well, if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna go big, go big. If you're gonna try to fix a fight, fix a fight." He didn't like unequivocally say, "You know, don't ever do this black or white. I don't care if you're Connor or this person or that person or Angela Magania. Don't try to fix a fight." It wasn't quite that, but it was better than nothing. It was nice, warm my heart. Missed it. Our next clip from the Motown phenom, Kevin Lee. You know, wait, hold on. Oh, man. <laughs> we missed the beginning. We'll wait for it to you roll know. back, but. <laughs> wait, someone asked him. <laughs> wait, did you not see this no. one? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> start it over. It's, it's going to start over here. I'm about to sign Look. that. Hold on. <laughs> Asked him to sign. <laughs> I'm about to sign that and then I'm about to pose as Ben Henderson. You know, wait, hold on, because. And then he shows him that it's oh my God. him you right know. there underneath. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, I had a Kevin Lee and just messed he up. He had the Kevin Lee. He had the Kevin Lee and thought he was Benson Henderson. I'm about to Shout out that. to Kevin Lee for being hold such on. a good sport. That is so wow. funny. I love this. I love this. That was in Detroit. And he signed it, and you can see he signed it, his, his real signature yeah. and MTP, Motown Phenom. Uh, I love that. Kevin Lee laughing it off. That's, that's pretty he good. He was in great spirits when we saw him on Saturday and uh, said that he started to get that itch again and that he's going to stick around at 155. That's the plan right now. But there's some interesting things going on with that gym because his head coach at Extreme Couture left, Robert Fallis. So he, he, he might bounce around and, and, and work with some other people, work more with the PI. I got to say the PI, it's getting, you know, rave reviews. You heard Sajara Eubanks talk about it. Francis Aganu lives there. Kevin Lee has talked about it. A bunch of other fighters. So um, I had my doubts, but the fighters are loving it. So kudos to them. Yeah, the ones that are taking advantage of it seems to be paying dividends. Okay. Um, here we have a video from Fight Week from Ariel Hawani. Yes. You're going to play? to the Karate Hottie. Wow. Oh, oh yes. You know, it's a lengthy video. People go find it on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel or on MMAfighting.com. But the most important part, do you know what the most important part is? I do recall. Um, maybe you say? 
Oh wait, you don't have the clip? I thought this was like you teeing up the clip. No, Jeez, well, look Louise. again. I don't want to play the whole. Wait, like, the it's clip. a long video. No, no, no. Oh my god. They did, if they had clipped that you specific could have, section, you could have clipped it yourself. No, but that's not how this works. Uh, that's not how this you have this to, system well, I mean, works. Could, it has to be on social somewhere. Yeah, you could jump off. You could say, "Hey, Nick, play this clip." <laughs> I mean, geez, Louise, you call yourself uh, a producer for God's anyway, sake. Anyway, anyway, point being, yes. Ariel finally yes. asked Michelle Waters. I finally referenced about the you. It's like you only live no, in my no, life on a Monday. That. I don't care. I finally referenced you outside Monday. Don't care about oh, that. Oh, sure. Don't, you ca- don't couldn't care less. Sure you don't. Couldn't care less. But what I wish, what I hope, and, and maybe we do this next time, okay. in my heart of, in my hope of hope, dream of dreams, yes. do an entire interview about the challenge. Let's talk. Oh, let's really break it I down. Let's have her nothing here. Nothing more boring than that. Uh, look, I'll. You know what? You just tag me in. I'll come in and we'll talk to Michelle. We'll talk to CM Punk um, about their experience on the challenge. Nothing more important this week than this interview that Ariel did with Michelle talking about the challenge. Go find it. Um, and maybe I got reference. I don't know. It's possible. But the challenge. Love it. Shout out to Michelle Waters. She's still in still, it? She's still in it. It's only been two weeks so far. So she's still in it. Um, seems to be a valuable team member for the, for the uh, pros. So keep watching. Okay. We're sticking in outside the sport of MMA specifically. But here we see Bill Walton... What? Getting his getting his mixed martial arts game on. Look at this. It's amazing. You can't be serious. Are you kidding me, Dave? Using Please. using his taglines. Really Come on, yeah. <laughs> I love Bill Walton. Big Bill Walton, um, flexing, doing it in the gym, um, and we also have a second clip. Here we go. Your hip into also from the world of basketball. Right right Boom. There. And just release right. that thing. Now, Training some martial arts okay. uh, from the Miami Heat. I think this is part of their like um, internal yeah. video promotional stuff. And James Johnson, um, the UFC retweeted this. This is how I came across this. Uh, James Johnson, uh, a martial artist himself. Oh, oh yes. So here, getting his, into uh, his dad. The your- they actually played the Knicks last week. Knicks beat him, and uh, they were talking about how his dad is like a six-time kickboxing champion. Yeah, and James himself, yes. kind of still training. Yeah. So here we see the Miami That's Heat cool. getting into it. That's cool. Um, here, oh, great. I'm happy. You picked a heart this warmer. Um, and we'll show two things from this. One, this one's from Diego Sanchez's Instagram. Uh, the story here, and we'll see two people in the cage here once this kind of gets clear. Uh, Diego Sanchez um, here to, is falling down at the moment. Um, and Isaac Marquez, a.k.a. the Shermanator. Um, this is an exhibition match from one of the uh, Jackson Wink fight uh, events. Um, Isaac, born with Down syndrome, um, recently kind of getting into training. Diego tr- being his trainer and his coach, um, dreaming of being an MMA fighter. And Diego and, and the team over there in New Mexico was able to make it happen for him. Here, we're going to see the finish of the fight, um, which is what Diego posted on, on his Instagram. Right here, locking up. And Diego get, taps. Um, Isaac getting his win um, and about to celebrate here. Really, like, just a good thing done by Amazing. a good person in Diego Sanchez. Um, and, and kudos to the UFC here. for allowing Diego to be a part of this. He had to get permission, I'm told. Yeah, I mean, even more. Um, no, nobody's ever doubted Diego's heart on full display here. Um, getting it done for Isaac, the Shermanator, 
Marquez. Amazing. Um, it, just incredible stuff. There's more, there's tons more. Find it on Diego's Instagram. Find it in, in local New, New Mexico uh, media. The, the local TV station did a piece on it as well. But, you know, what else do you need to say about Diego? Champ. champ. Legend. And we're going to, I think this is the end or maybe a few more. Um, Gogo Plata from the event called MFP 214 in Russia. Grigory Popov uh, submitting Daewoo, Daewoo, sorry, Daewoo Wang. We're going to see a Gogo Pata, rare. But what's more incredible about this is this is his second career Gogo Pata. I was checking his Sherdog record and I saw a Gogo Pata on there and I thought, oh, is this an old clip? No, it turns out Sherdog just hadn't updated his record yet. Um, but this is his second career Gogo Pata. Damn. Um, so Grigory uh, Popov getting it done now moving to 12 and one um could be somebody to watch out for on the submission team hell yeah fight announcement oh, there it is that everybody's excited for jeremy stevens versus do ho Choi, the lou the korean superboy very soon january 14th coming up right around the corner tickets on sale this what is that friday this friday um look at you with the ticket plug eh, it's on the bottom yeah. you know I, I cheated a little bit but I'm stoked for this fight. I think everybody, once it was announced, got got uh, hype for this one. Um, expect I'm expecting fireworks. Another tweet from you. Oh, look, I mean, wow. Just I'll just keep scratching your oh, back. Oh yeah. Um, I, I thought this one was interesting because we saw from you posting this picture of uh, Emil Mech uh, getting his visa. Yes. But this fight still seems to kind of be. I don't think it's happening at this point. And now it seems, you know, Usman saying he's moving on. Yeah. Um, Mech kind of not knowing Colby. where he stands. Um, I feel for Mech. He got it done. It's just that it took it took a while to get this visa. And now hopefully they keep fight. him on the card against maybe yeah. someone else. But um, I certainly feel for him. We saw Kamar Usman at two eighteen, and he was very much under the weather. Still there, uh, but it seemed like. It being up in the air, he didn't know whether or not to commit to training or not. So, I don't know. It doesn't. It didn't seem on Saturday like it's happening. No update as of right now. But at least he got his visa, so he doesn't have to be held back anymore. It's very happy to see that. Just days after he was on this program. Congratulations. I think this is the last one now. Just interesting tattoo work from uh, Matt Brown here. Oh. 13 KOs, 13th skull. Still room for more skulls. Seems like... The retirement was uh, a little premature. Um, but how about Matt Brown getting a skull every time he gets a knockout? That's pretty badass. Um, Damn. Reminds me, Alexander Gustafson yeah. gets triangles. Yeah. No, he um, gets... Uh, aren't they spades? No, are they triangles? Are they spades? I think it is triangles. Yeah, right. And I think he might get... I think he has the spade tattoo. Okay, okay, yeah, um, right. But he, has, he gets triangles either filled in for wins or hollow for losses. Um, Matt Brown taking that up a notch, getting a skull for every, every victim uh, of, of a Matt Brown knockout. 13th uh, there pictured, possibly more to come. And that's it for, uh, for All right. this week. Now we got some questions to answer. We do. You've got questions. We got answers. And we will start how we always start. Okay with Ariel Hawani's first question of the week. Uh, sorry, yeah, of the week, although you called it of the day, but same, same difference because yeah. we only do the show once sure. a week. Um, if the UFC 
books Miocic versus Nganu next. Who wins? I uh, pick Miocic. You will abstain as usual, but I will read the results. 14,370 people voted at this moment. Nganu, 59%. Miocic, Damn. 51%. And this speaks to what I was talking about. I would not be surprised if Nganu was the favorite leading into this fight. Public, perspe- public perception does influence betting lines. So the champion may be looking at um, at being an underdog in that fight. But I, I would think that uh, I'm, I'm at this moment I'm favoring uh, Stipe to get it done. Wow. But it's an interesting thing. 60% of people yeah. believe that a champ who's proven himself now at heavyweight for, for a minute um, would be upset by uh, by the contender. But I think it's, it's clear that there's great interest in this fight oh um, when the heavyweight division has needed this for a long time. Yep. Question number two from Ariel. Is it time to book Alvarez versus Poirier? Yes. What did the people say? 10,000 votes. Yes. 79% yes. 21% no. Okay. That seems pretty Um, uh, definitive. I'm I'm all over this fight. I think we need to see a definitive conclusion for it. It has to happen. The momentum seemed to be swinging toward Eddie, but it seemed like he was in super uh, big trouble early against Poirier. I love that fight. I don't think of it as a step down. I think those are two really, really high-level contenders. Would love to see this Was one. it a mistake to book Gaethje versus Alvarez? Was no. it too big of a step up for Justin Gaethje? No. Massive step up. Johnson to Alvarez, WSOF to Alvarez. It was a big step up. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, I think what happened there was Gaethje met somebody who um, was able to weather his storm. Typically what happens is you know, Gaethje's landing those, those leg kicks um, he's walking forward. He's able to absorb everything you can throw at him, and that will wear a, another fighter down. And he will continue to plod forward and and throw haymakers. Eddie was able to take him. His face, you know, obviously worse for wear. His, he 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 was able, he he took some shots in that fight um, that would have felled other people. Eddie was able to to handle that um, and and deliver his own damage, including that incredible knee. Now, and uh, you know, it's important to note that Eddie was up in that fight on the, on the scorecards. So I'm not trying to, to say that it was a comeback or anything like that, but Eddie had to go through some, some tribulations. He had to take some damage to be able to do it, which is what Gaethje's going to always kind of do. He's, he's going to put people in trouble. Um, but he met somebody who, who was able to take that and dish it back. Um, so I don't think it was too high a step up. I just think Eddie Alvarez is a fantastic fighter. Um, still at the upper echelon of, of this division. Um, Greatest lightweight of all time. That's what people are saying now. He beat oh this boy. champ, this champ, that champ, that champ. I was making that argument before the Connor fight, and it's hard for me to go back on it. Just resume-wise, resume-wise, I would have to say that he's probably the best lightweight of all time. Where it gets dicey is asking, was he ever the number one lightweight? Was he ever the best guy in any given moment? You know? Mm-hmm. The resume, the longevity... It's hard to argue with Eddie's resume. It's hard to to look at that complete skill set, that complete um, that complete resume on paper, and go, "There's somebody better at lightweight." But did he burn the brightest at any one given moment? And and that is a question that I don't know the answer to. It, you'd have to go back every single year and kind of say, "Was BJ Penn the best guy at this moment? Was Michael Chandler better than Eddie when he was on top? Was whoever was in you know was Benson Henderson?" It's hard to it's hard to weigh that out because Eddie wasn't in the UFC at that time. So you're always making a comparison to those guys, uh, even within Bellator, um, Chandler, um, you're making the comparison to. So I would say yes, 
but I don't know if he was ever number one. He probably was. There were probably some years that you could go back and point to that he was number one. But when we think of when we think of these all-time greats and we think of the best ever in a division, it's typically somebody who you can point to and go, that guy was the best at this given po- moment sure. in time. Because they were the, you're they taking were the guy. a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little yeah, bit of this there. You have, like, to, you have to look at his complete sure. picture, and I think that one tells the story of the best lightweight. I, I still time. feel like BJ Penn, that era, you know, like the, yeah. the Diego, uh, Sean Shirk. Yeah, Joe that's what makes it yeah. tough. That's what makes it tough because you have to look at that and go, was, was Eddie better than BJ? And we don't know the answer. Yeah. That's, that's what makes it tough. Um, but it's hard to argue when, in totality. When you look at that, it's hard to argue against Eddie. Um, okay. Which, which is the one you want to see more now? Gun to your head, <laughs> McGregor Holloway or Diaz McGregor? Where's Ferguson at? That's a good question. Is that in play? Would well, you want I mean, to see that over? McGregor Holloway at 155. I, this, I, I, I want to see uh, Holloway, Edgar, McGregor, Ferguson. Wow, so you're picking neither. No Diaz, no Holloway for McGregor. You're picking Ferguson. Ferguson. Okay. I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. I'd rather see Holloway at 45 than 55. Yeah, I want to see Holloway fight Edgar. Um, but, uh, now, you know, once what, let, let's see what happens between Bar- Brian Ortega and Cub Swanson. If Ortega wins, that changes things. But, you know, we're starting to get to the point where you can make the case that, like, Holloway is on the verge, if he beats Edgar, of cleaning out the division. On the verge. Mm. If Swanson beats Ortega, who else is there? Yeah, but... You fight them again? Does that mean that McGregor cleared out the division because he beat uh, Holloway a few years ago? Like, that that, that doesn't hold water for me. There's guys that I would see who? A Holloway fight again. Cardalamas? He fought it. Absolutely. That wasn't that long ago. Sure. It wasn't as long as the... Okay, hold on. The Max Holloway hold fight on. in 2013. Hold on. Let's let's look this up. Cub Swanson, Ricardo Lamas. Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. I'm just throwing something out there. Yep. Let's say Cub Swanson wins on Saturday. And then let's say he signs with Bellator. Yeah. So he's out of the picture and Ortega just lost. And let's say Max Holloway beats Frankie Edgar. Who does he fight? Mm, I think you need to build up a contender at that point. Yeah, You need to have somebody like an Ortega take the jump. You need to have but somebody... I, I, but he just lost. I know, but I'm saying you have to... At that point, it, it comes down to... Also, let's not act like you can't get a title shot off a loss. I know, but um, I mean... Like, circumstances it's dictate. one thing for Misha Tate to get a title shot off a loss. It's nothing for Brian Ortega to get a title shot off a no, loss. No, but maybe it's not Ortega, but maybe it's Lamas. Or maybe it's... Um, maybe it's... Uh, you know, somebody who's also in the flyweight division at the moment, and maybe they lost one or... Yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, maybe or it's maybe Jeremy Stevens maybe it's, or something. Yes, Stevens or Duho Choi. I'm the fact somebody, that we're having this conversation, you know, like you can't necessarily have this conversation in the heavyweight division and other divisions. Anyway, it's a stupid conversation because so much can happen. Um, I don't even know how we got into this portion. Oh, the question. The, it's, it, it has to be, Connor is a lightweight champion right now, so he has to fight the interim lightweight champion. Uh, there's a great number one contender for Max Holloway, and that's who I want to see him fight. Okay. Yeah. But I'd be okay with Lamas. I'd be okay with... Um, Lamas over Edgar? I, Edgar is, in my mind, the next in line, but Fresh. I'd be okay with that fight. Fresh, bro. Come on. Yeah. Th- the reality is Featherweight would need somebody to jump up if that was the case. If it wasn't Cub, if it wasn't Frankie, 
you're looking at you know Stevens, Elkins, Yair, Duho Choi, the bottom half of that of that top ten. Right. Okay. <laughs> How do you feel about this, okay. Matthew? Not a fan of it. Max's catchphrase: "It is what it is." How do we feel about this as as Max latching onto this and becoming his catchphrase? Well, I think he's being somewhat ironic with it. I mean, like I think he was called out for using it so much, so now he just kind of plays it up. Um, it's to me, it's more self-deprecating than like an actual catchphrase. Um, I don't really think we need to put too much stock into it. I just think he's a fun personality. That that's what he, it, someone found a too. flaw in his interviews, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll just play this up." And by the way, the tweet with "It is what it is" when Aldo, you know, came in as the replacement was perfect. Does it work every time? Maybe not. But I just, I don't know. I just like everything about him right now. The cupcakes, his son, you know, self-deprecating. It's just, it's just fun to be around him. It's fun to cover his fights. He's a great fighter. He's a phenomenal fighter. He did that twice to Jose Aldo. If if that's the the if that's the big beef with him, then let it be the big beef. <laughs> I, I I just think he's able to kind of turn anything. Fun. Yeah, it's fine. He can he can turn it around. Uh, Jesse Levine saying Zabit Zabit is coming. Oh, um, Zabit is coming. And by the way, don't forget who was first talking about Zabit. And also, yeah. let's not forget that Chad Mendes will be back. Um, another featherweight. Sure, contender. sure, fair, Ooh. fair, fair. That's um, what I said. No, I didn't want to go down that road. Don't make me go. I, I don't like those. No, you. Yeah, but. You like that. Uh, you had done this with Connor. He cleared out he the did. division. He, he cleared no, out the division. No, but that one was true. That one, Holloway was there no, that one the was. whole time. And I, I had been saying that. If we go back to the tape, Holloway was the guy, and I've been calling for that. Okay. What did you think of Herb Dean giving a warning to David Tamer uh, for stepping backwards? It seemed like um, that fight was kind of marred a little bit by the inactivity. Yeah, I'll say I was disappointed. I had big, uh, lofty expectations for that fight and I don't think that they were met is that fair it was two prospects I was I was hoping for yeah. for something there but yeah it, w- it was a little lackluster but it's also Tamer's style is, is to be on that counter and Close was trying to bring it but he just didn't he have also enough. injured his foot um, he told us yeah. afterwards uh, Tamer did what did I think about it I'm fine with it I'm fine with a warning for I mean it's just a warning yeah I, I think m- there was more egregious things happening yeah um that evening the unfortunate stoppage earlier um oh yeah but uh i'm always okay with kind of stepping in at least it's a warning it's we need to see more warnings to be honest so even well the right kind of warnings like when someone grabs the fence grabs four the times, cage, like, yeah. you don't need to warn them again yeah you know what i mean a warning for that hey guys yeah i'm cool with that okay we saw a, a season of tough go by yeah. one of my favorite seasons to- Anything to spice up tough? Did this? Did this actually? So, if this was one of your favorites, did was, this actually I was being go sarcastic? Oh, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, so, still, I mean, as far as tough, I, I'm. I've been said I'm out. No, no. Or, no. Is there they, anything listen, left to do? There's going to be another tough. They're doing the undefeated season. Which yep. Good luck finding you know actual undefeated prospects out there who aren't you know already one and zero. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of those out there. Um, they're going to do that. They'll probably do one more. So, so they'll do that one that will um, that will probably air in January or so and culminate in April. And then they'll do the other one in uh, September that will culminate in December, like the one that just happened. And then it's the TV deal. And so is this a yeah. part of the package? The new, you know. That'll be interesting. Yeah, so, th- so we're getting at least two more. Um, and then we'll see what happens. Do I personally think they need to take a break? Yes, 
Um, I don't think that looking for a fight is looking for a fight still a thing. It is. Have yeah. they found anyone it's, off that? I see like a commercial with John Volante and Matt Serra, but like I don't see any fights or fighters coming out of it. The Contender Series really was is the next best thing to find. Right, we saw Sean O'Malley. O'Malley. What did you think of his performance? Did you see it by the way? I did. Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, it seemed like it was good early. Then he kind of str- like to me the big takeaway was okay. Let's just kind of slow our roll. But he yeah, did. I'm- he did overcome some adversity where it seemed like maybe he was going to lose this one. Um, he did, and I think we have to remember that some of these fighters coming off the the series, the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender series, are not finished product. These are young guys getting an opportunity. Um, in, in some cases, you know what? Let me backtrack on that. It's not always young guys, but these are guys um, who were not able to get into the UFC um, through the front door and had to use the back door. Um, and in this case, we're not always going to see you know, a finished product. It's going to take some time. Sean O'Malley getting it done, um, overcoming the adversity. So um, as long as he's not rushed into anything, I, th- I thought it was a fine performance. Um, but essentially, yeah, tough. Tough is tough. By the way, um, with regards to Rick's picks, two things. How do you not pick any time bomb Fedor Bobblehead tweets? Listen, I want to give a little air to breathe on, oh on the geez. bobblehead I mean, like, thing. It's like, it's like, it was a great series It was of great tweets. promo. It was great promo. But just because she lost? Look, I want to be sensitive to oh. the Oh, what? Sensitive, but we can make fun of Eddie Alvarez's concussed no, that's, face. That's, first of all, Eddie won. Hematoma. Eddie won, but that's not the... Uh, you know what? Justin came back during the show and said, I mean, Mark at, Henry retweeted at, at it. A, a, Eddie liked it. What happened it. to Time Bomb? Were you there? I was there, what yeah. What happened? Um, Tiffany lost to Anissa. Anissa. Um, I thought it was a, yeah. it was a close fight, um, and and clearly like two of the best um, in in that weight class. Um, Anissa very good. It, it was a great, it was a great uh, performance. It was a great was night. It a mistake at, to at MSG. No, I mean, look, these are these are the top fighters that, that that's going to happen at this level. It's there. Tiffany herself would want that fight. Um, this this was an opponent she she would want. Um, I don't think you can. I don't think you can avoid um, the top fighters, and she never right. has. And in this case, she met someone who beat her, and, I, and I'm sure she'll be back. There's no doubt about it. Um, a stumble, and um, I, I, I have a feeling we'll see Anissa versus uh, Tiffany Van Soust again. But uh, congrats to Anissa Mexico. And how do you not pick Gloria Paul Felder's Peppa Pig mouthpiece? I mean, that was incredible. That, no, that, that was an oversight. Oh my you know what? God. I saw that, and it I actually forgot. actually made me tear up. I don't know enough about Peppa Pig, oh, so it didn't. You're about it, to. When, when I was scrolled through the timeline, I was like, "Oh, that's an interesting one," but it didn't oh, stick my enough. God, the Peppa Pig. You love that Peppa it was Pig. Incredible, incredible! What a great show. But he had a mouthpiece with his daughter's name on it, Ashling, and Daddy Pig and Peppa Pig on it. It was amazing. I loved it. And then he's he comes to the back and he's talking to us about it. And CM Punk is there and he tries to sit down. Right, and, and he and, fell and, and he totally wiped out. Yeah, CM Punk, by the way, looking very svelte. Mm. Yeah, maybe lower. Uh, I don't. I don't know about lower, but just look to be in very good shape. Okay. Um, do we talk about this Detroit Free Press thing? Everybody looking no, for feelings on it. You know what? I don't give an f. Every. It's like how many times are we going to go through this? It's like every few months, and it's been a while since we had one of these. UFC goes to a place for the first time in a yeah. long time, or first time. Some guy, some you know, schlubby columnist for the local paper sits down and writes this piece that's completely uneducated, no research. I mean, just so off base. I mean, how about now you're going to make me talk about it? But how about the fact that the last time they were in Detroit or the Detroit area, the card was nowhere near as good as this one. Didn't even have a title fight. 
And the, right, it was this guy's talking about Detroit, like it's like you know the 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 number one metropolis of the United States. Like if you're gonna come to Detroit, you better come with eight title fights, or don't come at all, and come with Ronda, and come with Connor, and come with Ronda fighting Connor. I mean, and but then like everyone just like comes out with their you know with their like with their tweet how they're going to defend MMA's honor. Like, I don't give a fuck about this guy. I really don't. I don't give yeah. a F about what you think about MMA. I don't care about you liking MMA. I don't just, and the best part is like the UFC, you know, the UFC bended backwards for this guy. Like, right. So accommodate somebody who's Dana a new White, They gave him this, yeah. they gave him that. And then he goes and he shits all over it. And he doesn't even, he like, like no research whatsoever. No, no understanding. I went and looked at some of his tweets. Like it's almost like someone just forced him to go. You know, like his yeah, editor said, oh, you should go to this. The responsibility has to kind of be on the paper at that point. Like if, if it's, it's just seemed lazy. I agree with you. I don't really give an F about what this guy is I saying. Mean, the editing was even crap. Like, like Rhonda yeah. is misspelled. I mean, yeah. Come on. How do you misspell that at this point? Spelled the way of internet trolls, How but do you misspell that. Maybe that was our sign. Look, I think what's important though is that, and I think the people who get up in arms about it are saying like, this is a reputable paper. This is some, this is some, uh, you know, this is an outlet that is looked to for information and this kind of lazy, um, uneducated view was put out there and, and, and it was a great card. The, like if the, it was damage, it was like a so, so card, like let's say it was two fifteen and it ended on a crappy note, you know, like, all right, fine. You weren't impressed. What are you talking about? Yeah. What are you talking Did, about? Just didn't know. Didn't know what he was. Actually, talking. I thought Rogan's tweet was the funniest saying it was like, you know, some internet nerd, saying that a supermodel isn't hot, you know? Yeah. That's who cares. You just don't know. You don't you don't have the frame of reference and get out of here. Why do we care about this? Why do we care about this? Why do we get why did someone don't we'll move on someone ask a question about it? Yeah, two people. What? uh, More than two people. What? Look, people people want to know they just wanted what did you think? What did you think Uh, about the Detroit Free Press? Like, okay, so tomorrow ask me what I thought about the Detroit Free Press take like who, what is the Detroit Free Press? It's, it's a local newspaper. Great. What do I care? How does this affect me? They don't care what I think about the Lions. They don't think they don't care what I think about the Detroit Tigers or the Pistons. I don't give a crap about what you think about MMA. Well, if you <laughs> if you went to a Lions yeah, game, trust me, and were credentialed, they would not give a crap about what I thought about that game. Spinning the hot takes, I would not. I mean, but uh, think of it that way. It'd be funny. Think of it that, think of it that way. I actually would like to see. I actually would like to see an article done. I'd run circles in the around reverse them. in the reverse, where somebody was talking about why aren't there two footballs on the field? Just something completely uneducated, not really looking at it with the right perspective, have no knowledge of the game. Um, the best was like, if you're gonna come to Detroit, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're gonna, here's come, the celebrities you need. Yeah. Here's the fighters you yeah, need. Yeah. Listen, Here's how many titles. Kid fights. Rock wasn't there. You know, it wasn't good. Kid Rock and Eminem didn't show up. I mean, like Eminem could be in freaking I don't know where on a tour. Who knows? Like, what the hell do you know? Yeah. Uh, but tough, the best is tough. like, I mean, what can we compare? Like, with all due respect, Detroit, fine city, not exactly my top ten favorite. You know what I mean? It's going through some transition right now. They they went through some hard times. They built the new arena. By the way, I'll say <laughs> you know this. What? I'll say this about Detroit. Uh-oh. The way they have the arenas laid out is the best I've ever seen. No, no, no. This is a compliment. yeah. Everybody was was raving no, about no, no. the arena, not right? just the actual arena. Which oh, you're talking about all the, the arena is beautiful. The, the arena is up area. there with one of the best new ones. I yeah. mean, T-Mobile wishes it was the Little Caesars Arena. Right. I mean, T-Mobile can't even hold Little Caesars, you know, breadstick. If you get what I'm saying, <laughs> <laughs> the breadsticks, you know, Little Caesars. They actually gave us stuffed crust pizza at the end of the night. Oh, um, it was good. Wow. It was good. But listen. 
I'm in for stuff, Chris. Ford Field, home of the Lions, Comerica Park, home of the Tigers, Little Caesars, home of the Pistons, yeah. and Red Wings, all within like a block of each other. Like they're they're, they're next door neighbors. It's Love brilliant. Cities do that. It's brilliant yeah. what they did. Um, but you know, you walk around, and uh, you know, it, it, it's clear that it, it it reminded me a little bit of Cleveland, but Cleveland seems like it's a little bit yeah. ahead of Detroit. Um, I actually went to Giordano's, a, uh, a pizza place, which is a Chicago yeah. pizza place with the, yeah. with the, with the, the, the deep dish. And, uh, you know, like there's different sizes you go. Um, I was craving pizza on Saturday afternoon and, and there's, you were craving pizza, craving it like, and you were going to a place called little, yeah, but I didn't know. I didn't know. And, and then they only gave it to us at the end of the night. They had small, no, they had personal, small, medium, large. Personal is what you get if you're alone. Small is what you get if you're two to three people. They said, I got a small. I put pineapple and green olives and I ate five of the six slices. And then the waitress came back and said, holy crap. I've never seen so many, so many slices consumed by one person. She was impressed. I was sweating, but I could have gone with the six, but mentally I didn't want to do it because then I'm, I, like, I have like, six. I would like to see a Detroit free press article <laughs> on this, on your meal at Giordano. There's just, there's something about uh, pizza. I just can't stop. Anyway, I don't know how I got it to that. Well, it sounds like, yeah, no, look, it sounds like you, then at the end of the night, you were rewarded with the stuffed crust pizza. Uh, I'm jealous. Yeah. Um, so congrats to you. Now you think, you know, but guess what? Our next question was, I just want to show you this. Okay. Asking about the Fedor Babahad. Of course, uh, we were going to mention okay, the Fedor okay, Babahad. Okay, okay, okay. Are you crazy? Okay, okay. Are you okay, insane? Okay, okay. Well, I was. The Fedor Babahad was I mean, going to get up. Look, her tweets were very creative. Her tweets they were, were great. very fun. They were very entertaining. I was, I was sad to see her lose. You know, because we had, developed. You know, I, I'd love to get the bobblehead back. I'm not lying. Um, you know, I, I, I miss it. It just doesn't feel the same now. We have the, it's in good hands. In good hands. Um, she took. Did you see? She took it out. She yeah. she took yeah. Fedor. Look, she showed Fedor a time that you could just not show Fedor. I'm sorry to say that is true. She she treated Fedor better than you. I did. mean, at the end of the show, she, they toss him. I'm surprised that these two still have hands. You know, all my toys are broken. These two are still in pretty good shape, so they just toss him away. Yeah, guys, living life. Hopefully, he's Tiffany, in San Diego right now, getting yeah, some Tiffany, sun. Tiffany showed Fedor a better time than you could ever show him. Sure. He's in a he's in a good place. All right. Okay, last one. Okay, will you be watching? You mentioned this. Will you be watching Rico versus uh, Jamal Ben Sadiq this Saturday? Uh, it's on Fight Pass. It's on pay per view on UFC.tv. Well, my friend Jedi Goodman, one of the great names of society, longtime fan, longtime fan. Uh, l- l- listen to this lineup. Uh, this is Saturday, as far as combat yep. sports is concerned. Oh, he'd even include glory. Is it is it Saturday or Friday? It's Saturday. So there's UFC, Fresno, Ortega, and uh and Swanson. Yep. There's Bellator, um, Rafael Carvalho against Alessio Sakara, middleweight title yep. fight. There's Lomachenko. That's right. It's Regan Holloway and Lomachenko yeah. having, having And there's freaking change. glory. Yeah. Big big fight weekend. Unbelievable, right? And Invict on Friday. Invict on Friday, LFA on Friday, one. Everyone's in action. Everybody Are you going in Victor? I'm not. I'm, you know, the tra- it's hard for the travel no, I don't team. Blame you. For, I would have uh, been shocked if you were bit. going. So to answer your question about Rico. It's earlier in means, the day. Oh, is it? Well, because yeah. it's in um, Rotterdam. Yeah. And so it's, hap- it's going off at uh, 4 p.m. Uh, our time here. Okay. Um, the pay-per-view portion. Uh, there's going to be a card on Fight Pass before that. There's going to be a card on ESPN before that. Just like last time. Um, big heavyweight fight. Um, 
I, I would have loved to be there. I would have loved to be at Invicta. Unfortunately, I'm not, but I'll be at the next one. But I'll be watching yeah. and working from. I'm sad that Gokan Saki's out. Of two it's unfortunate. That was a great fight. Um, it seems like uh, the replacement fighter is somebody everybody um, is excited about. It's not Gokan the Rebel. But it's not Gokan Saki. I want Saki, to see yeah. Gokan in Vegas. Absolutely. And, yep, that's it. That's it for today. All right. Thank you very much. Good questions. Right on the button. Look at that. 5.59 and 45 seconds. Thank you, sir. Thank you to everyone in the back. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. Thank you to everyone who sent us questions. It has been a fun show, but now it is time to say goodbye, my friends. You can hit my music wherever you may be. There we go. Fun day in the books. Fun show in the books. And thankfully, I feel okay. After last week's show, I collapsed. By the time I got home, I felt like someone was hitting my head with a sledgehammer. It was horrible. But I think I made it. Finally. It's been three weeks. But I think I have survived. What a fun weekend in Detroit. Beautiful city, by the way. If you've never been to Detroit, I highly recommend it. One of the great cities. Columnists, not so great. Sports towns, fantastic. And by the way, someone asked me about, well, I mentioned the empty seats in the arena and then someone told me afterwards that the arena is so new and there's so many restaurants, the layout is fantastic, that a lot of people are out and about checking out the arena, taking in the bar, restaurant scene. And so that's why there were some empty seats. So do not fret. Anyway, want to thank everyone who stopped by today. Thank you very much to Dustin Poirier. Thank you very much to Luke Rockhold. Good luck getting the fights that you are looking for. Thank you very much to Brett Johns. Pride of Wales. Thank you very much to Roxanne Modafferi for stopping by. Keep your chin up. Thank you very much to Volkan Uzdemir. Appreciate his time as well. Thank you very much to Sajara Eubanks for coming in studio. That was a lot of fun. Great to catch up with her and learn more about her career. And obviously happy to hear that she is feeling better. Thank you very much to Valentina Shevchenko. Is she the future flyweight champion of the UFC as far as the women's division is concerned we'll see about that and of course thank you very much to the great max hallway thank you for being you and congratulations on your 12th straight victory how about that back next week same time and place until i say peace somebody here